Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add-ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Unitanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. to believe in me and I want people to believe in me when they taste my beer that's what it's about you mean you laid underneath it and tried to put his tongue up the bung <laughs> I like to actually scoop up the yeast uh-huh. and look at it 7 o'clock came real early that next morning oh, yeah man thanks for dumbing that down for us you did an awesome job it's all about food and you beer punch me in the junk man that thing was thick the point is just beat it like it's your dick I like to smell it <laughs> afterwards are you being sarcastic no. right now yeah. bring your body armor I ran in my jungle once on a ball valve with my kettle that's a true cheap. happy ending now, live from the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers, craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with well, expert drinkers. This is the radio program with a head on it. This is The Session. Oh, shit. It's the best beer in the world show, which is uh, amazing. Who knew that you were going to have that on this program? <laughs> wow. I've already had my brains blown out. I just had a West a West Vlettern, or however you say it. West Vlettern. West Vlettern 12 for the first time. West Vlettern. I don't want to have another beer ever again. Well, that was and the that best. Was that was the best beer in the world, uh, like, last year. And then this year, it's Destruce, and that's who's on the program with us today, which is... Uh, <laughs> Doc, did you, even, did you even realize the show that we had in store for you today before walking in the door? Oh, yeah, I read the forum. You did check it out? <laughs> I didn't know, because I, I often think that if I don't call you and tell you personally, you're like, uh, you pout and you mope. You didn't you don't know what's happening. And oh, then no, you show no. up and you're like, oh, well, I wish I had known that was the program today. No, I've been following it most of the week. Okay. Since the, you know, all over the, the front page of the forum. Okay. So, so you did assume then also, I hope, that there will be plenty of tasting going on today. I didn't assume anything. <laughs> well, once you know Paxton's going to be down here and... Uh, he was there recently and brought back beer with him. Actually, these are from a year ago. Oh, is that right? Roger was just there. And that's the other surprise we got. Roger, uh, the artist formerly known as the Brewer from Drake's, hanging out with us today. And he brought he's the one who brought us the West Vletter into taste. He, he did. did. You got yeah. back, what, not even a month ago, right? Uh, we got back like two weeks ago. Oh, man. It was, uh, it's our hard time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hard time lag or? Hard time coming back. <laughs> yeah. Hard time coming back. So. Yeah. Well, check this out. I'm going, finally. What? Yeah. Wow, sweet. It's a done deal. I'm going. Wow. I'm done. I've got everything. Stowing away? Everything lined up. Well, it's an amazing story. Uh, in fact, here's what I'll, because this is exciting, I, I'll tell this story at the beginning of the show, but then we got to go right into the interviews and we're all of our normal beginning of show stuff. 
It's going to have to wait till the end of the show. So feedback and announcements, all that stuff, will be at the end of the show today. Because all the fun has to wait. The, well, the guys from Distruce, uh it's not as if they're here. In the, you know, they didn't. We didn't fly them over on the BN jet. Uh, so they're we hanging. Get, we, not like we didn't ask them. <laughs> no, yeah. they're hanging out in Belgium. It's like uh, I don't know one something in the morning so what's right the now. Difference one so, or two or right. three. Well, by the time we get done with them, it's going to be three or four or who knows how this interview is going to go. <laughs> so, um, but I will tell this story and, and I'll tell it very briefly. A uh, very, very, very unbelievably very uh, generous listener um, who. Uh, is not doing it for recognition and doesn't want me to say his name or, or anything else, um, knows that I've been w- wanting to go to Oktoberfest and uh, yeah. as- assumes that it's a real pain in the ass that I haven't seen Daniela since last uh, March and uh, kind of feels for me. And uh, he essentially has uh, bought me a plane ticket to go to Oktoberfest in Germany. Nice. And uh, so I'm going end of September, and then while I'm there, I figure since it's only a train ride away, and I've been—I mean, I've been wanting to go to Oktoberfest since I was 15 years old, basically. Damn. So I get to do that, and then I've been wanting to go to Belgium since I got into these amazing um, sour and and Belgian ales uh, in the last just two years, really. Um, so I figure while I'm there, I might as well get on the Euro rail and shoot on over to Belgium, and I'm going to spend a, um, maybe three or four days there. So uh, how exciting is that? Uh, that uh, I mean, this is, this is going to be a cool thing. And then, of course, um, also because it's a listener-donated thing, um, I will be bringing back BN um, Audio. Chat is going to go with me on the whole trip. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh and, nice. um, How do you We're, we're going to get some work done. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how he's swinging that, well, but he's he's going to go. Blowjobs go a long way, Doug. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> Luckily for Shat, uh, he works for his cousin. So <laughs> he's like, hey, cuz. Yeah. And, it's, a, it's all in the family. Well, and his cousin's a home brewer and uh, is into all this thing, too. So I think that uh, hopefully he's going to get a pass to be able to go. Hopefully. So, but what will we be? What would be doing Stonehenge? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, this is exciting for me and should be exciting for, for you listeners that we've got this amazing Belgian show today. And as we're speaking to these people, if we miss anything today, you know, in the short time we have with these fellas uh, from Distruce, then you can all send me questions and maybe I'll get to go ask them myself um, in Belgium when I'm there. Who knows? How, how cool would that be? Now, Roger, you got to go hang out with these guys. Yeah, they actually have a farm uh, that they all live at and uh, went out there and uh, had a little round table of American beers. And uh, obviously their beers blew all the beers that I brought out there away. So <laughs> we walked out with a tail between our uh, legs. and But uh, no, it was actually you- it was a really good time. Did you bring like uh, a variety of different American beers that you really like, or was it all your own? Or, or Bud, Bud Light, Coors, <laughs> <laughs> Champagne beer. Yeah. I can't get that. There. You brought him a thirty. Uh, life, you man. brought him a thirty pack, didn't you? <laughs> Slits. <laughs> Bunch you of forties. Picked up the cube. Yeah. No, I, I brought out everything from uh, double IPAs to uh, like the old stock uh, barrel aged beers to uh, just a, a whole range, even like Belgian style. American interpretations. Okay. How many of the brewers over there have seen your ass? <laughs> this is a good question. Did you, did you I sign anybody? I pretty much have my pants on about ninety-five percent of the time. So <laughs> okay, so only five percent of the brewers you met. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Do they? I want. Do they take? Do they react to your ass differently than we do, or is it kind of the same worldwide? It's a, it's a whole different culture over there. <laughs> they don't appreciate it nearly as much. They don't. I'm sure of it. They don't write songs about it like we do. Sick of fans. <laughs> they rate on the curve. You know. It's just, yeah. yeah. It's very nice, but not for me. <laughs> 
So that is our lineup for today. We got a very exciting show. We've got both uh, Urbane and Carlo from Destruce, and um, according to RateBeer.com, they are the best brewers in the world. Uh, there was also a couple of other things um, that Rate Beer has given them in in. 2007, their Black Albert was uh, oh. rated number one in the world. So that must have been just after the West Fletter, and I guess West Fletter must have been 06, and uh, the Black Albert 07, something like that. Because I just I remember something West like that. I remember West Fletter being the best beer in the world. That's well, so European. Because if we named a beer Black Albert. <laughs> we get in trouble. It's Black Albert. So that's our show today. And then, of course, uh, let's not leave this out either. Um, the best, was it also in 2007? Um, well, Beer Advocate rated in their magazine as well as online. They put uh, Black Albert as the number one beer on the planet. And Panapot came in, what, number 22? Number 22, that's right. And then out of Belgium, they had Black Albert was number one. And Panapot was number five out of Belgium. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. And then also, I was trying to get to the other guests we have on, too, from Ebenezer's Pub, which was rated the number one American beer bar by Beer Advocate Magazine in 2007. Ebenezer's Pub, uh, the proprietor, Chris Lively, is going to be on the air with us, too. So we're going to get these guys on here in just a couple of minutes. We'll get Chris on uh, about an hour later. And what's exciting is that uh, there's a whole new venture going on that I'll let them talk to you about between Distruce and Chris. And PAX has a little involvement in it. And we're going to get into all that today on the best beer in the world show just for clarification these people are going to be taking beer questions right like brewing questions and belgian beer questions and stuff like that absolutely you could ask good in flemish though yes i've already been instructed uh who to direct those questions to oh great there was a whole uh planning meeting that took place which really very odd for the brewing network and it's mostly because <laughs> chad had nothing to do with the booking of this show Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so things should run pretty smooth. It should go. It should yeah. go unbelievably smooth. Great. Yeah. And actually, we should point out just uh, very quickly that um, uh, Sean Paxton is the one responsible for putting this whole thing together Thank you. and um, getting these guys together with us uh, and and getting them yeah. fired up about doing this program. So, uh, Thank you for 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 really getting this going yeah. for us. Oh, my pleasure. Looking for another you job, know. Sean. And uh, yeah, because yeah. Uh, Jeff hey, isn't cutting it. No. Maybe, 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 <laughs> exactly. Ju- maybe Justin will take you to Belgium instead of this guy over there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> packs are going. Uh, no, but you did a great job. And also, I guess um, Kurt, uh, Carlo and Urbane both insisted that it be live too, instead of one of these pre-recorded dealios, huh? They did. They're um, they're very uh, interesting people, as you guys are about to experience, and uh, they're just great friends and. Uh, when I brought up the idea, they loved it, and they just said, no, we want to do it live. I'm like, you realize it's going to be like 1 in the morning when we start. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, not a problem. Not a problem. See, these guys are hardcore. And I'll tell you what, to become the best brewer in the world, you got to be that way, don't you? I mean, you got to live and breathe beer. Got to well, live the life. Yeah. Well, Struis right. translated <laughs> actually means sturdy. So they're the sturdy brewers. Yeah, so. they're going to hang in there. Well, we spoke to them at about 4 o'clock our time. 
and they were just revving up. So I got a feeling that that's going to be a fun interview, Doc. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. I like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one of them's into bourbon, the other, so you'll like that. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, the other one's uh, drinking beer. Uh, Chris out there uh, at Ebenezer's, he's, he's, he's getting fired up. So a lot of stuff going on. Let me do just a couple of quick announcements because I got a couple minutes before I got to get them on the line. And then uh, um, you should know that at the end of the show, we do have a lot uh, taking place also when we, when we get done with our interviews. We've got a couple of things happening. Um, Hopefully, there's going to be a crazy bitch update. A couple oh. of things. Uh, you know, as I pulled up, I noticed uh, the screen on Shat's window is a little ajar. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, it's not. It's a screen. This is, it's, it's an interesting story. I was, I, I'll, I'll tease it a little bit by saying this. Uh, the screen being on the ground was from the last story that you listeners have heard. We've, we actually put the screen back up. But there was a little activity that was we were hoping that was going to take place that we're going to tell you about later. A switcheroo. It was uh, it was a little switcheroo, Ooh. and we had to lay the bait, and the bait uh, had something to do with the screen being back on the ground. So uh, we got that going on at the end of the program. We're going to be doing the feedback at the end of the program. Was it like a half a skinned lamb or something? Or? <laughs> uh, it was. There was definitely some Peace bait. Now, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you know when uh, Sasquatch is running around, you got to do something to attract her. So uh, we tried to do that, and we'll be talking about that at the end of the program. And there's also some interesting things happened in the uh, world of beer audio that uh, we will probably discuss at the end. Depends on how sober or not sober I am. More particularly on how in depth we cover that. I think it's unsober. Yeah, is that what it is unsober? Yeah. Unsober. I didn't know that was a word. Is now. <laughs> Okay, so my quick announcements for you, other than to stay tuned for the whole program today, because it's going to be a lot of fun. Stay is, awake, too. Um, and stay awake. I don't think you're going to have a problem doing all that, that. Well, the Easter ham and everybody's belly. Yeah, that's true. Better than Thanksgiving show. You know, everybody got Easter turkey, yep. Thanksgiving turkey. Well, I'll put you to sleep. And there's a lot of people tuned in, I can tell already, and people are excited about that. So uh, there's a, uh, I think people put the family to bed and said, hey, I got some beer shit to do. Go to sleep. It's five. I go to sleep. <laughs> um, there's a message from for, for Paxton. Can I pass it along real quick? Yeah. Um, please tell Sean Paxton, note that we won the Panaput auction. Oh, oh yes! Nice. You were in on it and just ended a couple of minutes ago. Right on. No, that's awesome. Was that go. for the uh, big bottles? Yeah, so we just got a nine liter bottle of uh, Panaput, which is the Dutch or the Denmark version of Panapot. Which, oh. wow. And this is the first time they've ever done a nine liter bottle. So Where was this auction taking place? It was actually on eBay. Ah. So And it just finished. And so who right is we? When, when this, uh, who's this we person? Several friends um, Matt Walker and Alan Chambliss. Yeah, and, it was Matt. A few other people, so yeah, very, wow, very exciting. So, How about that? Yeah, we're going to be drinking some good beer. So y- you can't just call uh, Carlo and Urbane and ask for a bottle. I could, but it's for a really good cause. It's, oh. it's charity, and oh, okay, great. It's kind of neat because there's a lot of uh, Belgian brewers who basically donated nine liter bottles. Um, Wow. Towards this whole cause. and What's the charity? Well, we'll get into that. Okay, we'll let them do that. Okay, great. Yeah, we can do that. All right. um, The Jamil John Palmer book, Brewing Classic Styles, and I had the combo going for a while. You know, you could get Brewing Classic Styles and How to Brew signed by both of the authors. Uh, Well, F you if you didn't get it because it's gone. It is gone. You said that. Done. Gone. Out of here. You had your chance, man. Oh, you had months to do it. And I know the reason I'm making this announcement is because I know, you know, I um, the last shipment is sitting on my desk to go out, so I don't know the name of it. But uh, 
I know that tomorrow I'm going to get email after email. Hey, I thought you said you had the signed comic. You should have auctioned it off. You know, the, at last the last one. The last I know. one auctioned it off. Now, I do still have a couple of the signed Hat of Brews in there, so if you want a signed Hat of Brew, you better get it now. I really, to be honest with you, I don't know if I'm going to be getting more of this or not. Uh, as of right now, I don't have any. Uh, brewing Classic Styles is becoming harder and harder to come by. Uh, I think B3 is, is, is fresh out of them. And uh, I certainly have no more signed copies. The last one is being sent out with this combo. So, uh, sorry, guys. Uh, maybe stick around. Keep looking at the store. If I get more, I'll, I'll put them up there. I'll, I'll do what I can, but they are gone. I want you guys also to remember to sign up for the AHA through the Brewing Network. You can become an American Homebrewers Association member. Like everybody in this room, I think everybody except for probably Roger because he's not a homebrewer, is um, now a member of the AHA. And uh, it gets you pub discounts. Uh, it gets you Zymergy magazine, sitting right in front of Doc there, a great magazine. And um, also gets you a discount to the National Homebrewers Conference. Doc, yep. you going to make it? Do you know yet? The conference? Do you have a place to stay? Uh, I do have <laughs> two rooms booked for us. Uh, I, okay, I'm, I'm probably, I already kind of broached the subject with the Oh, you the did? Yeah. That's what I was getting at. Because I didn't, you, sometimes you like to wait. Wait well, it out. Well, because I get in trouble three or four times. I just <laughs> yeah, I tell know, it at yeah. the end, and I get in trouble once. But you've broached it, and it seems to be, it seemed okay. Yeah, it looks like it was going to fly. Okay. So. <laughs> so if you sign up for the HA, you get a discount into that as well. You can meet the great Dr. Scott while you're there. Doc's like a snake charmer. He's just like charming and keep moving around so she doesn't yeah. get a bead on you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, i got to work on that Belgian trip. But. He's very stealthy. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> well, I was going to say, Doc, I'm telling you, in fact, I was talking to... Tasty McDole about it. You know, he's like, so Doc's going too, right? And I said, well, you know, listen, obviously I'd love it if Doc could make the trip with me, but uh, I don't want to get the guy divorced or anything. <laughs> I mean, end of September. <laughs> he has enough money in his PayPal account. It doesn't matter. There's a bunch of stuff happening around that time. There's a lot of stuff happening in October. In it's basically... Um, I guess it, it all depends if he can buy airline tickets with PayPal. Well, no, it doesn't. It, here's the problem. What it depends on is uh, that uh, yeah. Burning Man is right around then. Yeah. Yeah. Also, the Northern California Homebrewers Conference is a right around then. Yeah. It's yeah. all right around the same time. So you may have to choose your battles. Uh, oh, yeah. I can't. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Uh, it's the lost work time. So Yeah, that too. That, that takes a dent. But man, what an epic trip, Doc. Hmm. <laughs> okay. So uh, if you join the AHA, you get all sorts of discounts, and you can do it through our store right now, and it helps us out. It helps us out a lot. You have no idea. So if you're not a member, you should be one. Donations. Haven't mentioned in a little while. You can sign up to be uh, a recurring donator uh, on our page, and it's really a piece of cake. You just uh, you sign up anywhere from 2 bucks to like 50 bucks, and um, it just does it monthly. So if you've, if you've ever wanted to support the BN and you didn't really want to be bothered with it, when you sign up your once, hands. and it keeps going. I do need to mention this. I get a lot of emails, people asking me, hey, why did you cancel my subscription? Did I do something wrong? Was I not a good soldier? I get a lot of those. <laughs> uh, I don't cancel any subscriptions. We well, don't like gays in the Army. Really what <laughs> it is. It's, that's not true. We have an oh, open I'm door sorry. policy. I'm we sorry. Don't, but they're okay don't in care. the room here, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we don't care who joins the Army. Uh, as long as you're not completely retarded. Uh, retards are okay, but complete retards. Don't ask, like, don't, anything don't more don't retarded spell. than, say, like, Shat or Schumann and forget about it. That's where we draw the line. Uh, uh, that's 
bottom of the barrel. I do not cancel any memberships. What happens is it does this recurring payment, and if you don't have money in your PayPal account, it'll try a couple of times, and if it can't do it, it cancels you automatically. So if you've been canceled and you're curious why, you might want to check and see what your wife's been spending on your PayPal account or whatever has happened there. Take, so Take my advice. Get your own <laughs> Get your PayPal, own account. PayPal account and and maintain it. You need to have a couple bucks in there. So I'm not canceling Two bucks any. a month, that's all we ask. For those of you sending me emails, it's believe me, I am not canceling donations. <laughs> I'm encouraging donations by all means. Um, Brewing Network Army shirts, new sizes will be available tomorrow. We've been out of a couple sizes, but I got a bunch coming in tomorrow. That includes hoodies. Um, I got to get you a hoodie, don't I, uh, Roger? Have I given you one yet? No, you haven't actually. Roger's oh, like Roger I was is that. Captain Hoodie. Yeah, the king of the black hoodie doesn't have a B in. <laughs> yeah, because here's the thing too. Like I don't go giving these things out even to brewers, but it is good advertising. And particularly if you know that a guy that everywhere he goes he wears a fucking hoodie, you're the one guy. I gotta Nin- give a- Ninety degrees out. I still got my tornado hoodie on yes i have got to give you a bn army hoodie absolutely so new size is available tomorrow and then the last announcement of the day uh, show ideas go to chad at the brewing network.com you're still sending me show ideas and i don't give a shit anymore uh, chad <laughs> takes care of it all he's got to so. filter it so yeah. it gets to, up it's to a, a hierarchy. That's right. He discusses all of that with me. I just delete the things. So C H A D Chad at the Brewing Network dot com, and which that's... will be auto forwarded to Sean Paxton, <laughs> which will now become Sean Paxton's <laughs> job. Absolutely. <laughs> oh boy, what did I do? You got a new job. <laughs> all right. So I, I think to be assistant producer. That's all. I have to learn from the master. You can be that. Yeah. <laughs> learn from the master. Me? Because it's not Shat. I'll tell you oh. that right now. No, Master. Shat's been doing a fine job. Oh, okay. I'll save it off for the rest. i got to get going. I'm calling up uh, Urbane right now. We'll get him on the line with us, and uh, then we're going to get Carlo on the line. We're going to start talking to the best brewers in the world. I've got more announcements at the end of the show for you, and more fun, too. But let's get to the good stuff with these guys. I feel bad for the people who don't tune in until, like, uh, 545, because they expect me to just ramble on for... Yeah. Well, for forty-five minutes instead of twenty, they deserve oh. it. Yeah. Well, a lot of them can't. They figure they're, you know, they're biding their time with the family until they gotta just cut it off and then go listen on the computer. Yeah. Uh, okay, I can miss that part. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have to download the, uh, the archive. You have to go for the archive, which is always up on Monday mornings. I still get emails from people saying like, "Oh, oh if, as long as you get the archive up on time." <laughs> there has not been a Monday that that archive hasn't shown up. Actually, that's not true. When we did the Celebrator uh, beer party, it didn't show up that Monday. But it wasn't my Neither fault. Neither did you. I seem to recall exactly. the first time I was on the show, it didn't show up for like a year and a half. Yeah, that yours was the missing one. And you know... Yeah, yours I didn't want to mention that, one. but... Uh, you know why yours was the missing one? I discovered later. I, because I, I had recorded it, but I couldn't get it to appear properly so I could edit it. I thought you were recording even when we were out there playing poker. Even longer. What t- it turns out it was recording for three days. <laughs> nice. So I had this I had this seventy two hour audio file that my my audio program couldn't read. Yeah, and it seriously. took me a year and a half to figure out how to get <laughs> how to chop it work. enough to But it appeared eventually, Roger. Wow. I think you did like was that show. I think Roger did like three appearances before his first one ever uh, showed up again. <laughs> The right. phantom guest. Yeah. Uh, Urbane, are you with us, my friend? Uh-oh. Maybe I hung up on him already. Hey, Urbane, are you there? Hello? Yes, I'm here. How are you? <laughs> so much for our... T- free, free beer for everybody. So much for our test call. 
Because I, I see, I have him connected. I just wonder if he's got his microphone off or something. He's got a beer in his face. Maybe we should try Carlo and then add Urbane later. <laughs> How about that? Sound like you're working on your MySpace page. <laughs> <laughs> need to, hang on, I need to Ouch. add a new friend. <laughs> I'm busy adding friends here. We're doing this all via Skype so that, A, the Brewing Network can afford it, and, B, we get good audio quality that way. These guys are all Skype savvy, too. Oh, that's awesome. Well, except for Urbane, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Turns out. But, uh, no, they all had Skype accounts, and the Europeans are much more uh, technically advanced, Skype-y. I have to say, than us They have cell phones with Skype. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They can Skype on their cell phones. That's awesome. And, you know, I call our guests here in the U.S., you know, when, when chat books people from around the country, and they go, hey, can you guys uh, do Skype? And they're like, oh, gesundheit. Uh They have no idea <laughs> what the fuck, you know, it can never get through uh hey carlo are you there uh i'm there yes oh good we've got carlo anyway we've got one of you how are you my friend uh fine thank you welcome to the program carlo is one of the brewers and i believe there are four people involved with distruce and carlo is just one of them we're trying to get urbane on too carlo but uh he's not uh responding to us right now i'm gonna keep trying so okay. took a nap. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the program. Uh, what have you done with yourself for the last hour? Did you get yourself a couple drinks? Uh, I have been l- uh, looking to the journal, uh, the television, uh, j- the journal, and uh, I just poured myself a good beer. Okay. Uh, to start the show with, of course. Huh? The TV Guide? Is that? Yeah, been That's what I was thinking. He's been reading the TV Guide. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's probably something much more intelligent than uh, no. anything that we have ever read, JP. Well, hey. Because <laughs> it's European. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry now. for that. <laughs> <laughs> should well, you should be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and I possibly have Urbane on it. Uh, Urbane, are you there? I'm finally here. Man. There he yeah. is. <laughs> Urbane figured out how to turn on his microphone. <laughs> good, good evening to you guys. Good evening to you, sir. And uh, have you had time to get yourself a beverage since we last spoke? Uh, quit the sirs. We have to work too much. <laughs> you do have to work too much, yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling that both of these guys are going to fall asleep right in the middle of this interview. It's going to be like 2 a.m. And I think you add the... <laughs> <laughs> right when it gets really good, they'll fall yeah. asleep. <laughs> well, you you know you know what we did today. What did you do? I, I went with I went with my uh, w- with my uh, darling wife to Holland today, and uh, we had uh, we had uh, uh, we went there in a very nice restaurant and where we ate uh, uh, one of these uh, big fish menus. And uh, when we got back home, we sort of fell asleep in our uh, couch. So we had an, we had a nap. So uh, I'm 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 quite revitalized for the. He's, he's ready for it. He's yeah. ready to go. He's fresh and ready to go. Right on. See, let me tell you why I hate talking to Europeans. Let's just get this off my chest right now. Oh, we went to Holland today. We took a day trip to Holland. Uh, meanwhile, I get to go over to like uh, some dive bar in Concord. I mean, I have to travel for four days to leave California. And uh, these guys, they get to go to Holland on a day trip. In a fantastic... Back, in, in, in time to come back and have a nap. In time to come back <laughs> and you. do a radio show. You guys are so lucky you get to go and do other things and you don't have to spend a week, you know? Uh, the, the, you make a point there. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. 
the U.S. It was, is was just quite too nice. Cool. It was quite nice anyway. And uh, uh, you know, one of the the most awkward things we uh, we live today is that actually uh, spring has started two days ago. Oh, and uh, here too. It didn't. It, it didn't. Uh, we didn't see any ice this winter, n- nor snow. And guess what? Today it's snowing, man. We <laughs> when got, we, we are having we are, we are having about five centimeters of snow today in Belgium. It's 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 unbelievable. No, that sucks. Right when spring starts, it starts yeah. snowing. It really, it really sucks because I went out this morning very early to search for my Easter eggs and I didn't find them because the snow was uh, was there. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so now, in the middle of spring, you're going to have a bunch of rotten eggs on your lawn. Uh, chocolate eggs. <laughs> oh, gotcha. That's, that's it fine. It is Belgium. <laughs> I see. Yeah, exactly. This is Belgium. Belgian chocolates, Good of course. Belgian chocolate eggs. Okay. Well, let's start talking a little bit about Destruce and the beer. Maybe uh, tell us first what what each of you do. Urbane, what is your role in the Destruce Brewery? Well, let's say that uh, I, I am uh, responsible for uh, production. Uh, I do all the brewing and uh, and the cleaning and the bottling and uh, you know the, the I, I do the beautiful work and and the less beautiful work uh, I'm doing that. Okay, so a little bit of all of that. And um, Carlo, what what is your role with the brewery? I strike up the money. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's that's a joke. <laughs> I see. No, no, no. Damn it. My my uh, my thing is uh, well, actually, I'm uh, the man with the taste buds. I, uh, you know, I'm I'm doing the research on the taste of the beers. Okay, so if um, Urbane's beers uh, aren't tasting as they should, you tell him that he fucked up. Uh, but he's he's still working uh, top notch, you know. Ah, okay. So you, know, you have to keep stay. him in line, though. Yeah, every now and stay. then. Even if it's good, I feel that, uh, like, sometimes JP does a really good show with us. He's one of our co-hosts. I feel it's good to punch him in the eye and tell him he sucked just so that he keeps up on top of his game. It makes me feel, <laughs> it makes me feel like I'm at home again. Yeah, that way he doesn't stray. Yeah. you got to keep everybody on top of things. Well, Tony, our assistant, has a blue eye since last week, and I guess Carlo passed. <laughs> good, good. No, com- no comment on that. <laughs> uh, so there are two more of you involved in the brewery also who aren't with us today. Yes, we have, uh, we have Phil, which is my brother-in-law, and uh, he's doing uh, the public relations, and uh, he's very good at French, you know. So, uh, uh, as as uh, the French of Carlo and myself sucks, uh, he's doing that part of of of, of uh, the work. Okay. And uh, and then we have Peter, which he, uh, who is actually in uh, Africa. Uh, he's the the military guy. He's an officer in the Belgian army. There's no Belgian and, uh, army. Come on. Who are you kidding? What's the point? <laughs> well, he's 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 on a mission in uh, in Jamaica, and uh, actually, uh, we were quite uh, let's say we were quite uh, uh, surprised when uh, we heard he had to go there because uh, that sort of um, uh, sabotaged our plans because he he should have been on this radio show uh, today wow. yeah that's yeah. too bad but uh, he's in uh, rebel territory for the moment uh, oh, he's shit. in uh, in a, a little village called abesh with uh, special forces and uh, they are trying to uh, let's say 
get some uh, things organized so uh, everything calms down again but I hope it will not be uh, a sort of an Iraq problem like we had before because it, it keeps following us. Uh, I hope so, too. That actually sounds a lot more dangerous uh, than my stupid joke at the beginning of this conversation. <laughs> so I hope that he comes home okay. I didn't want to say it was a stupid joke, but uh, it, it sounds like, yeah. Yeah, no worries, sir. That's fine. Well, I wish him luck, and I, I, I would much rather have him here talking beer with us. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, maybe next well, time. Well, it, it, it kind of worries us that he is not there. And uh, uh, whenever uh, one of our, uh, uh, whenever one of the four is uh, is is away, uh, we sort of feel handicapped. Yes. You guys all live on a farm together, or something like that. Is uh, we're hippies. You all have a farm. Well, let's say that we all live in a, uh, a very wild territory. Territory, uh, territory. Yeah, that's the right. West Hook. And uh, let's say it, it, there doesn't, uh, not a lot of people live there. Uh, it's it's a very beautiful region. It's uh, it's very big and a lot of nature. Uh, thank God, there's still some nature in Belgium. That's good. And uh, let's say that Phil and I live together on a farm. We have each our own house. Uh, so we don't live in a in a, a beatnik community. Uh, you don't have to think that. But uh, okay. <laughs> well, we would. We are that. thinking that. Yeah. <laughs> you don't all shower in like public uh, showers that are outside <laughs> under a tree or anything. I know you guys. You guys have weird ideas, but uh, no problem. Uh, we can live with that. <laughs> <laughs> they, they they do have a dog the size of a cow. Do they really? Well, it's kind of a cross between a horse and a cow. Roger Davis is with us, by the way. Uh, from uh, you guys met him just recently, I think. So just so you know, who's talking about your giant cow dog that you have? That's Roger. Yeah, great. Well, let's say that uh, the dog uh, drank too too much beer when he was young, and he he started growing like that. Yes, <laughs> right. It's weird because our co-host uh, Doc, he's with us today too. His mother drank when when she was pregnant, and uh, he. Shrunk instead of grew really tall. <laughs> I guess it's different with humans. Poor guy. <laughs> I'm not that sure. Yeah, but I think sometimes Carlo adds atomic at, atomic energy to the beer, so that's why the dog grew. That might also be uh, part of winning like best brewers in the world. You put a little atomic energy in there, and you know anything can happen. You two can have a cow dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm interested. I, I want to know about how this brewery works from the two of you because. You guys are located in in or around West Flanders, but you brew out of another location, and uh, so you don't brew, you know, where you guys live. Tell me about this arrangement that you have that allows you guys to brew commercially. Well, let's let's say that uh, uh, on the first uh, side we uh, develop all our recipes at the farm. That's that's where uh, everything starts for every beer. So uh, if a beer wants to be commercialized or gets commercialized, before we get to that, um, we always develop uh, the recipe on the farm. Uh, it will it, it, take between three months and a year to uh, develop a, a good recipe. Uh, sometimes uh, we do have some luck. Uh, when you have a guy like uh, Sean Paxton who runs in uh, just uh, a few days before uh, the Zytos Beer Festival 
and start talking about things, you you can get new ideas, and uh, and then you put the new ideas in the in the, in the lab, and uh, uh, before you know it, you have a, you have a good beer. Yeah, uh, this is to positive uh, thinking, and uh, and and uh, uh, let's say that the farm for us is a very important place because. Uh, that there is the cradle of 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 our beer uh, making, and uh, whenever uh, a recipe uh, in fact gets to the the end line uh, that we have the good results, uh, then we would go to Deca, and uh, Deca is a little brewery at about uh, fifteen minutes from our place. Okay. Uh, uh, let's say it has. Those very very old kettles, uh, they they date from 1910 1915. Wow! And uh, uh, I I think Carlo can can uh, uh, continue talking about those uh, kettles at the brewery because he has studied studied them a lot and uh, he knows he knows the system by heart. Uh, he knows all the little details about it and he can he can uh, talk. Uh, uh, he can talk about those, uh, let's say, that history uh, better than I do. So, okay. Carl, go ahead, man. All right, thank you. Well, about uh, about we were actually very lucky to um, to come in contact with this uh, very exciting brewery because the uh, um, Ranke, which makes XX better, uh, was brewing there for uh, for ten years, and they uh, made some amazing beer out there. Um, they uh, started their own brewery a few years ago, and I uh, heard that uh, that they were leaving uh, from Decca. So I told your band we should uh, take a look out there and uh, maybe try to uh, to arrange that we can brew uh, in this brewery because this is just uh, such a gem. Uh, it's all copper kettles. Uh, uh, very very robust uh, mash kettle with a with a mixing mixing uh, arm in it. Uh, the filtering um, device is, is just perfect. It's in br- it's in brass, and and it runs all very very slowly, slow but sure. Hmm. And in and it's in that kind of uh, installation that you can brew fantastic beers, because you don't uh, hurry the things up. You know, it's uh, it, it's go with the flow. Very much, uh, um, uh, the the installations are dating actually the the, the mash kettle is actually dating from 1917. Uh, uh, this in uh, cast iron with a copper top. Wow. But uh, during the First World War, they um, confis- the Germans confiscated actually the the, the copper uh, for of course the, the metal they they needed for the warfare uh, during the First World War. Uh-huh. And then in the twenties, they uh, rebuild actually the the, the, the copper uh, the copper kettles uh, in this uh, installation. Okay. But it is still it is beautiful and it's uh, working so well. Uh, we're very happy we can brew out there. Yeah, I can't imagine. I don't even think I've ever seen a setup like that. I imagine brewing on that. What a great uh, just the 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 feeling of history that you probably get by being around those uh, that system and. And then, like you're saying, being able to move slowly and just let the process take its course—such a non-commercial way to do actually is the thing. Actually, is that you we are st- we are very much in contact with our uh, with our product. 
uh, if Robin is uh, measuring the the temperature of the mush, it's just opening the the the, the, the you know the cap and and putting the thermometer in into the mesh. Uh, it's not modern uh, technical uh, you know high tech uh, stuff. It's all done by hand and uh, yeah. It sounds that like you're so exciting. It sounds like you're home brewing on a giant old system. Oh. Well, that giant, uh, it isn't that giant. It's only 30 hectoliters. It's 3,000 liters. Uh, that's the maximum we can uh, get out of it. Okay. But, uh, you know. But it's very much it like big, I would do. It is big, but uh, it is not, actually. Okay. But it's very much like I would do. I would open the lid off of my 10-gallon kettle and put my thermometer in, and you're essentially doing the same thing. It's a very yep. hands-on yep. process. You're not just pushing yep. buttons. Mm-hmm. Let's say that uh, uh, modern brewers don't want to brew anymore on such an equipment we are actually uh, oh, handling. Yeah. And uh, it is a fact that uh, it's it's about, I think, 25 barrels uh, we are actually brewing on. And it's all by hand. Uh, you know, we have to, uh, all the valves, we uh, activate them by hand. So uh, we don't have any computers running the business. Um uh, yeah, maybe the sales uh, and and Carlo cashes uh, at the bank and all that stuff. But uh, uh, the brewing itself is done by hand. Uh, everything from uh, from one to a hundred, from from A to Z, it's all done by hand. Yeah, and this gives us a uh, uh, a, a supplementary pleasure. Uh, we would be in contact with the wort and the filtering and uh, the boiling. Uh, actually, there's there's a, a little film running on the internet uh, that was made uh, by a very good friend of ours, uh, Rick Jacques, which is the CEO of uh, Triple B. And uh, uh, when you have a look at that little, little film, you will see that uh, uh, when we pour in the sugars, uh, actually when the beer is boiling... Uh, the beer almost touches my hands when when it's boiling at about uh, 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 hundred uh, centigrade. So uh, we have to be careful when we pour those sugars in, not to get burned. Yeah, where can people find that video? Just so people can go look for it. Is that on the internet somewhere? Well, if 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 you go on uh, one of the two communities, uh, Raid Beer or, or Beer Advocate, you can actually find the links. Uh, the EuroTube. If, if you Google it, uh, a Triple B and Streuse, you should find that link uh, somewhere. Uh, it's not so hard to find. It's about uh, uh, I think a five-minute m- footage, uh, which gives you an idea what we are doing there uh, and uh, there's a, 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 a huge uh, a very thankful um, image building of, 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 of uh, the brewing itself uh, when the beer is actually boiling so it, it's quite nice you can see all of it okay so just go to beer advocate or something and do a little search for the distress you'll probably be able to follow some links there Okay, I wanted to back you guys up just a little bit to, to because you mentioned the the time that you spend on the farm where the ideas really happen and the time you spend developing these beers. Uh, so, what are you doing there? Are you brewing uh, like as a home brewer? Are you brewing small batches there and and just several times to to figure out how to how to finish the recipe? What tell me what you're doing to to, to create these beers? Well, let's say that at a certain time we were, in fact, uh, uh, 
experimenting on a home brewing kit. Uh, I, I think the, the first uh, brews we made were on 30 liters. Okay. That's about uh, a third of a barrel, mm-hmm. uh, something like that. Uh, but uh, when you grow, you grow into your experiments too. So uh, we have different kinds of kettles at the farm. Uh, we have, uh, let's say, some kettles of uh, 200 liters, uh, which, which is uh, about two barrels. Uh, this is for experimenting, because uh, when you have a two-barrel system, you can actually uh, divide it in, 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 in different uh, batches with different yeast strains and, uh, and, 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 and eventually different sugars in the, in, the fermenting, in the first fermenting stage. Mm-hmm. So uh, we even have a, a, a 20 uh, barrel system too. Uh, let's say if we, we, we get more arrogant in, 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 in our experiments. So uh, let's say that uh, uh, the, the lab is growing too. Uh, and it gives us a, a lot of results actually. We already have done quite a lot of experiments which uh, gave us extremely... Uh, nice and good beers, uh, where a lot of people are uh, quite satisfied with uh, with with the product. So uh, I guess we have a good lab. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it. I have to say that so far, Doc, their setup. Not only do they live on like a bunch of land where there is a place and there's usually not land left. They have this kind of open area, right? right? Uh, they have a about a 20-gallon setup uh, the, the, and, 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 can, a, and they, a couple of others. And they can split up the... They can split up batches. how they do the fermentation. Um, and they do this often. I think th- I, it sounds to me that the only difference so far between your setup and what these guys have been doing is that... Um, you don't spend all your time doing it. <laughs> but if you spent as much time as these guys have actually using the stuff you have, you might be doing the same thing. They're really talking about splitting batches, all the stuff I always hear you saying you'd, you'd like to be doing Yeah, with your setup. Yeah, I've got a very similar setup at home. And uh, I, I don't. I just don't have a lot of people on my land. But you've got a. Mm-hmm. That's a, if your wife liked any of us. I think we'd all be living on your land. You probably would be. <laughs> we all would have moved in a long time ago. But you have a small lab set up, and the whole. I mean, as much as you can as yeah. a home brewer to experiment and make the best beer you can. This is what I think. Now, uh, uh, Carlo and Urbane, this is kind of what Sean told me about you guys and why I was so excited to do the show is that you you do really take this hands-on approach that is like most of my listeners where we're we're brewing as much as we possibly can and we want to experiment as much as we possibly can. I really can. like the experimenting part. Yeah, which uh, I want to hear more about. Yeah. We, we don't get a lot of that with the commercial breweries around here. Uh, they, they hook into something good yeah, and they just try to milk it for whatever for what they can and try to perfect it just for what that is instead of but they're not spending a year uh, year and a half on a recipe like these guys yeah. are don't let Roger hear you say that <laughs> all you do is throw more hops at it what are you talking about yeah. <laughs> it's not an experiment and then, and then throw it in a barrel right yeah. it's not exactly. an experiment it's a logical conclusion doc <laughs> now look at my ass <laughs> yeah so, uh, Someone, I, I uh, think, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I think one of the major things is uh, uh, trying to find a good basis for a beer, and uh, if you have this good basis, you can uh, do some spielerei. Uh, that's a German word for, for you know for for playing around. Playing yes. around. Okay. So, 
the main thing is having a good basis, and then when the basis is okay, then you can put some uh, playing around, uh, as you say, and uh, that makes sometimes that gives that gives uh, fantastic results. So uh, where, where do you guys get your you know, your startup for your ideas or uh, kind of the the seed of your ideas? Do you taste somebody else's beer and like that and want to run with it? Do you just uh, want to invent something out of the out of the blue? Well, actually, everything is based on the um, on classic, uh, well-crafted Belgian uh, beers. This is always our basis. But of course, the last years uh, <coughs> we were in contact with a lot of people from uh, Beer Advocate and Raid Beer, and uh, did some trades with uh, with bottles of beer. And uh, we received a lot of exciting beers from uh, all over the world. And uh, there we learned a lot from because uh, the first time we tasted IPAs, Imperial Stouts, you know, all these extreme beers, we said, wow, why we don't understand why it doesn't exist in Belgium. Uh, we, we, we proclaim ourselves as maybe the best beer land in the world. But, yeah. but then you, you, you come back with your feet on the ground and you said, no way, these guys are doing fantastic, fantastic brews. And we can learn from that. Wow. And uh, we are, at Stres, we are very much open-minded and we try to learn things from other brewers. And, uh, okay, let's say uh, we take our basis for, for a beer. We see which uh, recipe is adaptable on that basis and we just do it. And uh, till now, uh, most of the brews we uh, created uh, has been uh, well-received. Are, that's a good thing. Are yes. they based on uh, uh, what you would perceive other Belgians or your customers uh, to like, or are more towards you're trying to please yourselves? That's a good question. Who are you trying to please when you brew this beer? Uh, certainly not the Belgian market, because uh, for certain... Well, that was the one thing uh, that really amazed me, is because when I met you guys last year at Zythos, you know... Here, there's 70 different breweries pouring, you know, one to three different beers each booth. And you guys had five beers, and, you know, the whole clan that I was with, we kept coming back to you guys because your beers are so original. And not only the flavor, but also how they would pair with food to just, at the end of an evening, to try one of your beers and just how the mouthfeel to the different levels of complexity. I mean, to me, that's what's always been amazing about what you guys do is because... Your craft shows in the product, you know, as far as the complexity that just that thought process and how it comes through on the other end when you're drinking it in the glass to me is just phenomenal. Yeah. I've just well, had it's, my first it's actually sip. it's actually all about uh, res- respect for um, for food and for uh, for drinks. Um, we have been brought up in in Flanders uh, in the 60s and the 70s, and uh, our parents have been uh, um, have had a, a hard time. You know, it has been uh, not always uh, the, the the booming 60s. My parents were from the 30s and the 40s, and uh, they have known hard times. So, so we were learned actually to appreciate. Mm. Uh, food and to 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 smell it and and to ta- to use your taste buds and uh you know we we just uh translating it to beer now 
Uh, if you have respect for food, you have respect for beer, and uh, that's that's very important. That if is you important. just see if if you just see a beer just as a drink uh, or something uh, to to kill your thirst, uh, that that's that's not the issue. A beer, every beer from a small brewery from a big brewery, is made with love, and uh, it begs to, to to be appreciated. You know and that would be a, uh, that would be a really big T-shirt, but I would put everything that was just <laughs> said on a on a friggin' T-shirt. Yeah, absolutely, and then sell it to Coors Light. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then sell it to Anheuser Busch. Yeah. Uh, no, you're absolutely right, and I guess it's that respect for beer that Paxton is talking that Sean's talking about when uh, you know that, that's coming through. I'm I'm glad that you that you brought up your your culture and and where you come from and. You know certainly what your family went through and how you appreciate beer now. It kind of leads me to a question I've had for you. In the U.S., um, we look at Belgium as um, a beer mecca. I mean, this place that is making amazing beers. And it's sort of described to me, I've never been there, but it's described to me as this place where beer is such an important part of the culture and there are so many different breweries and so many different beers that it sounds to me that it really grows up, you grow up with it being a part of your life. And so that's what I'm curious about. Is it, is it kind of natural for the four of you in, involved in this brewery to grow up and decide to make beer? Uh, or is this something that, is, that isn't as common as I think it is? Uh, you know, how much a part of your upbringing is beer? Well, well, actually, um, Belgium is for beer uh, like uh, wine is for France. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, um, Belgium. Uh, how should I say? We st- we make beer since the Middle Ages here, and uh, in the Middle Ages, the the monks and the, the monasteries uh, produced beer uh, because it was the most healthy drink. Uh, water was polluted in uh, in these uh, periods, and because uh, if you want to make beer, you have to boil your water, so you kill the bacteria. Mm. Uh, so beer was a was a okay drink, and uh, you know it, it. Yeah, uh, in the 1800s and 1900s, every little village, every city, every little village, every little uh, corner in 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 Belgium, in Flanders, had its own brewery. And it was producing beer for the local market. You know, if you have this little village with this brewery, the people from that village will drink only the beer from that brewery. You know, mm-hmm. it was some chauvinistic thing. You know, sure. Uh, and it, uh, you I've know, I've never heard uh, that, but it, yeah, I can see that. You stay local, yeah, yeah, and, and almost in, uh, prejudiced against it. Everything else in, in the twenties, the thirties, it was uh, still like this till the fifties. And then suddenly, in the sixties and seventies, things went uh, went something uh, went, went, went wrong. Actually, uh, all these uh, small breweries were closing down. It was uh, not worth it anymore, and uh, you know all these little gems were were uh, were going dead uh, because you know the pills, the Stellartois, the, the Jupiler, the, the Mass pills. It was. Uh, was the only beer that was drunk uh, at uh, at the pubs and the cafes. Ah. Uh, in the restaurants, there were beers like you know the luxury lagers like the Tuborg and the Carlsberg that were very popular in these days. And suddenly, in the in 1980, there was this guy from uh, the Dolobros, Chris uh, Hertelier, mm. who decided to buy an old brewery which was uh, Kostenobel, and um, yeah, 
he 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 blew a new wind in, into the uh, microbrewery in Belgium. He was actually the first who 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 restarted, who dared in this very difficult time, who dared to to restart uh, a, a microbrewery with old skills, but with a new uh, labeling, a very very direct, uh, colorful labeling. Okay. So that was the new part of it, but the beer was still crafted like in the old days. Uh, to call another name, uh, Chris uh, Bowerarts from uh, Ashuf did it in 1981 or 1982, uh, also with, with this very, very uh, original uh, gnome on the, on the label. It yeah. was a direct hit. And uh, later there, there were others who, who followed. But in this uh, downwards spiral, uh, these guys have turned uh, the spiral again uh, upwards. And uh, we're actually uh, have to thank these guys that they've done it in this in this uh, very very. They were pioneers actually for sure. for uh, for uh, microbrewing in Belgium. I have to mention how similar and how surprised I am to how similar that sounds to the craft beer renaissance in America. Yeah, but at the same time, too, and you know, I mean, there, when when beer came to America and it, and it and it came with European immigrants, it was good beer, and after mm. prohibition is when it became bad beer. It became, uh, it, that's when it became light beer. That's when America became known as the land of crap beer. And it was, it wasn't as early as the 80s. I don't think it wasn't, I mean, th- certainly there were craft brewers in the 80s, but it wasn't until the 90s here in the U.S. that we experienced a similar renaissance. A, re- a revolution. I'm surprised to hear that about yeah. Belgium because it was just my assumption, like you said, you guys have been brewing um, uh, beer since the Middle Ages. It was my assumption it just always was. It just was always good. I didn't think that you had that Stella and these guys had kind of infiltrated the market, just like Anheuser Busch had done here. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's a marketing thing, you know. These 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 firms, these 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 are you know just dinosaur breweries. Um, they they dominate the market with with um, with advertising that that small breweries cannot cannot afford. Yeah, it is it is that uh, you know. Uh, it is frustrating for for uh, people who who run a, um, a specialized uh, pub here in Belgium with with let's say 250 or 300 different uh, well crafted beers. Yeah. And then uh, you know the the, the the normal public entering a, pu- uh, a pub like this, and then uh, ask the waiter, uh, now I want to drink a real Trappist. Uh, what may it be, a Chimay or 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 a, a West Mala or whatever. And they said, no, oh, no, I feel like having a laugh. I'm, so, I'm sorry, they, they are not well-educated. <laughs> yeah. you know. it's, it's not here. This is so, frust- this is so frustrating. I wanted, uh, because I wanted to put a sensor on it, but I, I, I just was too late. <laughs> 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 Maybe I can get it in, in post-production, don't worry. <laughs> but but uh, people people are really thinking, because of the power of the advertising, people are really thinking that Leffe is Trappist beer. And that's, that's so, uh, yeah. You know, that's uh, such an amazing point, uh, too. It, it, we... We buy what we're told. That's for sure. Uh, I'm. Go- mm-hmm. It's also. I, I like that you mentioned um, that you guys have become. Uh, I got to take a break here in a second, but I just want to kind of wrap it up. That that you have become marketing savvy. You've mentioned um, a Shoof and a couple of these brewers that are making traditional beer, but they're marketing it with a label or with whatever it takes in such a way that people are paying attention uh, as they would the, the other big breweries. And I think that's been an important part of craft beer here in the u.s too 
You know, mm-hmm. Sam Adams, Samuel Adams is certainly an example of a craft brewer who became a, a very large craft brewer because they knew how to do some marketing on top of it. You know, they put out a craft beer and then they also went on television and put commercials and whatever they had to do. And no craft brewers were doing that before, you know. So it's got to be done. You can't ignore it anymore, marketing. Mm-hmm. I would like to add something uh, which uh, uh, Carlo, for one reason or another, uh, forgot to tell. But uh, a lot of breweries um, were shut down due to uh, two major major world wars we had on our hands uh, in the past century. Mm. So uh, uh, with World War One, um, a lot of breweries uh, were stolen the copper from uh, due to the Germans, uh-huh. uh, which had to uh, use the copper uh, to make warfare. Uh, that's one thing. And then you have the uh, the econ- economical uh, facet, uh, which made that a lot of uh, little artisan breweries just went bankrupt by the fact there wasn't any money left to buy beer. So uh, uh, by the time a lot of these, uh, let's say, resisting uh, little breweries uh, made uh, a good run again, uh, we had the Second World War on our hands, and uh, a lot of a lot of those breweries never stood up uh, due to those two major uh, warfare uh, periods. Yeah, yeah. How how isolated and sort of uh, spoiled are we over here that we don't we haven't had to take that into account since what? The Civil War. <laughs> I mean, how long ago was it that we would on have to soil for would sure. have to take yeah. something? And I'm not. I'm certainly not belittling anybody's struggle here in America and whatever you've had to go and the Depression. And I'm not belittling anybody's uh, uh, struggle. But but you're right. We, uh, you know, it's interesting to point out that these are things we might look over. Well, we had sort of that, and people don't realize that Prohibition put down at least. 2,500 breweries. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That, uh, and people don't even know what prohibition, pre prohibition beer actually tasted like. Yeah. And what, what emerged afterwards can, you, you can put a parallelism against that. Sure. Uh, it kills the culture. It did. It killed the culture. Right. That's really yeah. what it did. Yeah, it did. And certainly in your case, and that's what I think you're really saying is that it kills a culture. You're absolutely right. I mean, to have the, to actually have the kettles stolen. Because of their uh, metallic value, is a it, it's amazing. So some stupid politicians shutting down the whole alcohol, you yeah. know, production. Yeah, you have people actually taking the kettles out and taking the, the kettles to, coming to in. Make, is, right. yeah. Hey, you, know, you can make all the bombs. beer you want, but I'm taking that kettle right yeah. there. <laughs> well, how am I supposed to make beer now? Yeah, or even in Germany when they went through and put bullet holes and everything. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. This is fascinating. I, I have to take a quick break. I have sponsors to pay, and I have to take a pee, fellas. So uh, You can, too. <laughs> <laughs> and refill your glass. If you can hang in there, I'm going to take a five-minute break here. And when we come back, I want to talk about your beers specifically. We've, had, um, we've been tasting a couple of them here. Yeah, we've had the Panapot. We've had the Wit. Uh, the Witta. And we've also had the uh, To Jesus, which all of them have been excellent. Did I have the Wit? 
Chad? Uh, hey, guys, did, did I, I get that? to chase <laughs> the wit? Okay, thank you. But, wow, that was, I've, JP, I've never heard you sound so fragile. Well, I didn't want to, I, I, I was kind of in the middle of, uh, of uh, not talking on the microphone and kind of trying to talk off the microphone, and yeah. it just kind of okay. came out like a uh, jerk. Hey, God, you guys didn't overlook me, did you? Hey, hey, down here. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's special beers, and I'm not so special, but can I have <laughs> some? I have some. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Carlo Urbane, feel, uh, just hang in smaller than Doc right now. <laughs> Hang in there for five minutes. When we come back, we'll talk about your beers, all right? Okay. Yeah, no Thank all right, you. guys. We've got the guys from Destruce Brewery, uh, direct from Belgium, hanging out with us today. How exciting. Sean Paxton, uh, today, sir, you are a hero in the beer world for putting this uh, show together. We're going to have a lot of fun. We've also got Chris Lively from Ebenezer's coming up with us in just a few minutes. So stick with us. It is the best beer in the world show. You're listening to the Brewcasters. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. What have you gotten out of a vial of White Labs yeast? WLP 001, Cal Ale, baby! 23, Burnt Nail. 008, East Coast Ale! Cal Common, WLP 810. It's gonna be WLP 400 with beer! I got a sweet hoodie for my vial. Huh? White Labs, your source for great brewer's yeast, would like to invite all homebrewers to join the White Labs Customer Club. Redeem your empty vials for great White Labs merchandise and products. Free yeast, glassware, t-shirts, baseball caps, sweatshirts, polo shirts, and you won't believe what you'll get for 5,000 vials. Members also receive a newsletter packed with White Labs updates and facts, interviews with professional brewers, brew your own clone recipes, beercook.com recipes, and customer club stories. The White Labs Customer Club. Save your vials and get in the club. White Labs. It's all in the vial.
Valley Brewing Company is Stockton's premier microbrewery and family restaurant in the heart of Stockton, California, just off the Miracle Mile. Brewmaster Steve Altamari crafts a full array of award-winning ales and specialty beers, from their Hitman Gold American Pale Ale to their Black Cat Stout, or any one of their monthly specialty brews, like Valley's Uber Hoppy Imperial IPA. And the best part is, you can now purchase kegs of Valley Brew to take with you from their all-new 30-barrel brewery, now open in Stockton. So pick up a keg and get a taste of one of California's oldest brewing traditions. To find out more about Valley Brewing's historic past, their selection of beers, or family-friendly restaurant, visit them online at valleybrew.com. Or stop by and sample the beer at 157 West Adams Street in Stockton, California, where pitchers are just $5 all day on Sundays. Sit down next to it, grab yourself a paper towel, and watch those yeast have sex. You're listening to The Brewing Network. The Brewing Network. Saving your life. One beer at a time. Welcome back to the program, everybody. It's the Brewing Network. It is your Sunday session, and it's the best beer in the world show. We've got the brewers from Destruce, a couple of them, Carlo and Urbane, on the line with us. Are you still with me, fellas? Yeah, we're uh, still there. All right, very good. I always have to make sure you never know when people are going to run at the break. It always depends on how the first segment <laughs> interview goes. And uh, I can hear the conversation. Should we leave? I don't know. It's completely up to you. Uh, fuck it. Let's go. Yeah, exactly. And I'm always concerned about that. You just never know. <laughs> Coming up in a little while, we're going to have Chris Lively from Ebenezer's Pub, voted the best uh, pub in America in 2007 by uh, Beer Advocate magazine. So uh, I've seen, this is one of those places in the U.S. that I've seen the pictures and I've heard the stories and I've, uh, you know, read about the beer events going on. And it's definitely something that I've, I've always wanted to see. So we're going to be talking to Chris in a little while about that. Uh, listeners, if you have questions for these uh, these fellas, Urbane or Carlo or uh, Chris Lively, when we get hom- him on in a few, uh, 888-401-BEER, as always. That's our number, 888-401-BEER. Or you can join JP in the chat room. He's in there now. Just hit the chat now button on the homepage. That's and me. Type in a name, and that's JP. That's me. Yeah. Bevo, uh, you say it like you're all excited. I'm yeah. sure the listeners are disappointed. Uh, oh. that Bevo's not here today. Dude, they were, She's and why bitching. is that? They were bitching. Well, it's She's Easter, religious. and uh, you know, her and Sam, they're kind of religious, and um, you know, they got it over with and done with. And <laughs> I'll tell you what, they should be pissed about. They should be pissed about that Europeans have the Friday and the Monday before and after Easter off, and we don't have shit. We just got the uh, the one day, the day that did the dead Jesus the, became not so dead Jesus, the zombie Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that's the only day we have off, and we have Sundays off anyway. So, going to be upset about anything. But no, no Bevo this week. I assume she'll be back with us next week. You're assuming again. Yeah. In the meantime, you're going to have to deal with JP in the chat room. But please get your questions to us. And I do have some in front of me already for you guys. 
Um, I've also already got somebody on the phone, so let's go straight to the telephones. This is a person, uh, one of our listeners, his name's Brew Tattoo, and he's got a question about your wit beer, it looks like, which we had, right? We yep. did, Sean. That was okay. the first one we had. Brew Tattoo, what's happening, my brother? Hey there, I'm, I'm enjoying some mighty tasty beer. What are you drinking? Well, I, I've moved on from the wit through the uh, Panapult, uh, the Strusselensis, and now I'm drinking a Mickler. And I have a couple of questions on all of them. So you've got, you have Struce available to you. Where are you located? No, I do not have Struce available to me. I had to drive 300 miles to get it. <laughs> but to, you did. To, but uh, you did. Chicago, well worth the drive. Which is uh, 482 kilometers for the Belgian friends. <laughs> you drove to Chicago. And okay. I found them at the West Lakeview Liquors in Chicago. And they tell me that they were visiting over there to the ostrich farm. Oh, no ah, kidding. Ah, yes. Okay. Yeah, that's, uh, so was it worth that 462-kilometer drive? <laughs> yeah. I, I picked up a few other beers while I was there. But, yes, these are very very well worth it. They're very nice beers. Carlo, do you, uh, did you just say you remember those guys being out there? Yeah, sure. sure. Okay. Gotcha. They uh, they were with uh, with the Shelton's uh, at uh, at Zito's festival. Oh, great! And uh, the day after, they came uh, to the farm to visit us. Wonderful! And uh, we showed them the, the brewery and, and all the information they uh, they wanted to have and see, because it's important. Uh, people who are uh, doing their best to sell Strasse beers or promote Strasse beers in the U.S. that they really know uh, what they're talking about. So when they're in our area, we we are pleased that they are that they take their time. To, to come over and, and visit us uh, at the brewery. See. So they have seen the whole thing with their own eyes, and uh, it's always good for the promotion for our beers then. Good, good. Okay, and Brew it, Tattoo, what are your questions, my friend? And it worked very well because I walked in and I said, uh, you know, I need some Struza beers because they're on the Brewing Network this weekend, and I need to taste the beers before then. And they told me the whole story, and they said, you are great guys, great beer, right down the line. And I agree. I have some questions on the uh, the wit beer. It has um, more of a sour finish than I'm used to in a wit. Is that intentional or not? And if it's not intentional, it's very good. It's due to the uh, the wild yeast we use in uh, in first fermentation, uh, and in fact, uh, even after bottling. The, uh, the the wild yeast strain use continues to to eat all sugars. Uh, there's 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 a little bratty, a little bratty, uh, let's say, touch uh, in it, uh, and uh, it'll continue eat sugars until there's nothing left. So uh, normally, if you have a, a wit from Streuse and you would uh, check on the final gravity. I think uh, about the uh, when when we bottle it, it's it's around 1010, and uh, when when you would check it a year later, I think you would you would be finding it around 1002. Hmm. Okay. Hey, I got a um, I have a question too about that because I was curious when you say wild yeast, um, are is this an open fermentation wild yeast for you guys there, like uh, some of my other favorite uh, Belgian brewers? Open or, the window and let it go. Or do you actually add a specific strain of wild yeast? Uh, let's say that uh, all our beers are uh, uh, fermented in open fermentation. Wow. Uh, but let's say for the, the wit, we kind of, uh, let's say, 
uh, ads while these stewards. So okay. uh, that the the procedure uh, would be uh, more intense. Is is that because you want a smaller amount of of the wild yeast in your wit, and you want to be able to control it more, or why why particularly for the wit you'll add it? Let's 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 say that uh, the uh, the top fermenting wild yeast we use for the wit uh, kind kind of keeps the beer as as uh, uh, hazy as possible for uh, a very long time. Ah. Naturally, I can understand if you leave. Uh, uh, that beer on a shelf for uh, let's say a year, uh, it, it it would uh, come clear too if you pour it in a glass. But uh, it would be very interesting just to to shake the bottle and pour uh, the the whole contents of the bottle in it because then you have in fact uh, everything uh, what we aimed uh, for the beer to to taste and and uh, how its appearance should be. Is this one of those things you had to experiment with for a year to uh, decide about that yeast and how much of it to use and, and keep it the way you wanted it? Let's say that uh, the Streuselwit is our first beer. Uh, we started uh, experimenting with it in uh, 2001 at the farm. And uh, let's say we have had some serious, uh, uh, let's say, uh, history about it. And uh, a, a lot of anecdotes uh, we have around the wit because uh, in the beginning, I think a lot of people uh, will really laugh uh, when I'm talking about it now because at a certain time it was so wild that uh, when we opened uh, uh, a bottle, uh, it actually gushed until the ceiling. So uh, we had quite some uh, very, very nasty tales uh, regarding the Streuselwit. But uh, after, I think, four or five years, we, we finally got it under control, yeah. Okay. Bruce, yeah, you got little, Oh, sorry, go ahead. We had this, I've got more questions. We had this little song. What a feeling, Streuze on the ceiling. <laughs> 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 I wish I had known. I would have set it up to play the song behind you. <laughs> Yeah, right. but but, it's, but sometimes it was very difficult because we we it was the first beer we actually uh, made, and uh, we were really happy with the taste of it. But sometimes it, it went very very uh, wild, so we introduced it in in one of Belgium's best beer pubs in Bruges, uh, which is called Bruxbeertje. And uh, yeah, Daisy, the the, the owner, uh, she she was immediately willing to to sell our Struisewit. But it was kind of painful for us because all the beer was so so wild and it, it gushed and it uh, and it you know was was spraying all over the place <laughs> and uh, still she 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 believed she she believed in our in our beer in our skills and uh, and she didn't uh, say okay this beer is too difficult to pour out uh, get out of it and uh, I don't want to sell any Streusel beers anymore. Uh, she she waited until everything was okay, and and now she's a great promoter for uh, for all our beers actually. So uh, she w- she had the nose for uh, for us to give credit actually for uh, yeah the, the 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 wild beer actually. Yeah. I like the everybody involved. Uh, not everybody, but uh, let's get the people that we respect and trust involved, and let them tell us when the beer is really good. As homebrewers, we talk about this all the time. Jamil's really good about coming in here and saying, you know, 
just because all your friends who come over and they love your beer. It's fucking free beer. Of course they love your beer. It doesn't mean it's really good beer, and you should send it to competitions to be judged so that you get a genuine opinion. And it sounds like these guys put their their trust in others in case they're kidding themselves when they love it, right? Well, like, and Daisy's just an amazing woman who just, I mean, I'm sure Roger can chime yeah, in. but uh, Daisy's probably, like, the best proprietor of a, a, a bar that's, you really? know, we all look up to Dave Keen and, like, you know, like, here, yeah. you know, he's on a different plateau, but uh, he Daisy, he is, <laughs> don't get me wrong, but Daisy's, like, two steps high, wow. higher. She's, she's just... And she loves what she does. Yeah. She's a godson. Okay. Yeah, it's... I just like to, I think it's important night. to look to other people who know what they're talking about and help you figure out how to make the beer, you know. All right, Brew Tattoo, uh, let's make it quick. How about give me just a couple more questions for these guys? Okay, uh, I'll pare it down very quickly. Um, the uh, Struslensis, that's, um, you use Brett and PDO from Y Yeast, it says on the label. Absolutely. Um, is, is that like sacrilege in in Belgium to use something from an American company? Uh, let's say that uh, uh, when we when we uh, went for uh, let's say the commercial batch, uh, we did this big uh, open fermentation uh, experiment. But uh, uh, as we are in the open country. Uh, let's say that we did not uh, succeed uh, to get all those uh, 80 uh, different yeast strains in the beer. So at a certain time, we had uh, uh, to use a little help from uh, one or the other big uh, yeast factory. Mm -hmm. And we chose uh, Y-Yeast to be this factory because uh, they have some nice uh, yeast strains. And uh, we needed a little bit of help of uh, uh, such a factory just to uh, uh, make sure that uh, our beer turned out right the, the, the way we wanted it to be. Let's say that this experiment uh, has learned us that uh, uh, when you are uh, actually experimenting with open fermentation, uh, you should be in a big city where there's a lot of pollution. And the more pollution there is, the better your uh, open fermentation beer will succeed. Uh, that's what we learned. And uh, we, we uh, made those conclusions about a year ago. Uh, and uh, I know it's, it's very awkward, but uh, it's like that. Um, when, when you live in open country and you have less pollution, well, you will be having some problems to get that beer uh, on, the, on the run with, uh, let's say, the breads and the lambiques and all the, the, the other yeast strains uh, uh, that get involved into open fermentation. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's a more hard way to uh, get the same result or as you live in Copenhagen or Brussels or uh, New York or whatever. Well, American brewers, that's a promising answer, I would say, for you, because uh, here are guys that are doing it there, and they're adding it you know, directly from an American yeast company. So uh, for anybody who's daunted by the task that we maybe we don't have enough wild yeast or the right kind of wild yeast, 
That's all right. Buy a packet. Look to Schumann. <laughs> Buy a vial. Buy a packet. Put that in there. Or look to our good friend Schumann, who's got enough wild yeast uh, to infect everybody in uh, this part of California. Okay. Let's not get into that. <laughs> and, and, of course, the sponsors, the White Brothers, have the same thing. The Whites have their own. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, um, that's true, but, too. You know, I, I want to say that the, this, for a sour beer, is it's a very delicate sour. You know, it's a, a, a funky aroma to it. Um, and you've got like a spicy, fruity taste, and then a dry, sour finish. It's very refreshing. I, I'm wondering if you use any spices on it. Well, uh, let's say that the, the basic recipe uh, is uh, the recipe of the Cluque Blonde. And uh, when we make the Cluque Blonde, there, there are always some spices in it, like uh, the cardamom and, uh, mm. and uh, the coriander is in there. We have some, uh, uh, you know, the soft orange peel uh, is in there too. And uh, whenever we use one or the other uh, extra agent, uh, if it's yeast or spices, we always add it on the label. We, uh, we don't have any secrets because uh, every good brewer can clone a beer. So why keep it a secret? We, uh, we exactly. prefer to put it on the label so that everybody knows when we uh, done a certain thing, we don't have to hide it. Uh, and we were very, uh, let's say, uh, very inspired and honored to, to put the fact that we, uh, yeah, for a certain reason, we had to inoculate the stress lenses uh, with a little bit more breads and lambics and the pediococcus uh, from, from a yeast um, factory because uh, let's say that uh, uh, the region we live in uh, doesn't have enough in in wildlife. Very interesting. I'm moving to the uh, farm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Forget it. Once he said there are no secrets, and I think he basically said you're a friggin' jerk if you keep the secrets. I'm moving to the farm. That was all I needed to hear. He's also said you can infect <clears throat> everything. Yeah, that's it. Urbane, I'm moving in. Well, one thing that really just surprised me was is that. When we just stopped by unannounced at DECA, you, you were just finishing up your brew day, and then you're like, oh, here, you should try this, and oh, here, you should try this. And, you know, I tried Struis Lenses right before, I mean, you had already inoculated it, and I couldn't believe at such a young beer how much flavor they had. And even, like, we had the Pennapot, you know, very, very fresh, and again, how much flavor it had right off the bat without even the bugs really going to work, not that the Pennapot has bugs, but... Just to see where these beers are going, and at such an early age, just how drinkable they were. I mean, it was just very impressive. Well, let's say that uh, even the panapot has some bugs in it. Uh, um, it, 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 it. It's the way we brew over there. There will, there will always be uh, some bugs in our beers uh, due to the open fermentation, but it kind of gives an, uh, an extra complexity to the beer, and uh, we are quite happy with it. Uh, you know how uh, brewers here, we, we talk about their house flavor, and so maybe every beer, every beer from Sierra Nevada has the house flavor. Mm-hmm. What do you call it there if it's like outside flavor? Like they have open Farm fermentation. Flavor. Yeah, like every one of their beers mu- still probably has this, you'd like to say house flavor, but it's the opposite. It's the outside of the house flavor <laughs> that they have from the wild. It is, it is Struze flavor. It's the Struze. Yes. Hey, yeah, pronou- will you pronounce that for me? Because everyone here says Struze. That's how I was told. How, how do you say it? It's Struise, Struise. Struise. Struise, yeah. Am I close? Struise. 
Hey you guys, yeah, we just, you still it's, suck it's, it's, at that. It's still suck. <laughs> we we just it. opened the bottles of uh, the Grand Reserva, uh, and I got to tell you, that's probably the best beer that we had when we were in Belgium. I mean, this, this, oh, this the beer is top just notch. amazing. This is it here. Yeah. 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 So we've already had the Panapot. This is the Panapot Reserva. You hey, guys want to talk about this beer? Grand Reserva. Hey, Brutat, i got to clear the line, my brother. Um, i got one more question. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. Do it okay, <laughs> I've got the, also the uh, Strusa Mikkeler beer, which is a uh, collaboration. The Elliot? Belgian Mikkeler. Yes. Yeah. Um, it says it has spices in it. I love the hop character. It's very nice. Uh, what spices did you use in it? And can you talk about the collaboration? Okay, I'm going to drop the line while they answer. Thanks, my brother. Cool. Thanks. Hey, later. Wow, so, thanks to our co-host. Go ahead. <laughs> Let's say that uh, at a certain time, we uh, we got contacted by uh, Miko from the Mikler Brewery. And uh, he was uh, anxious uh, to uh, meet us uh, because he uh, wanted to announce uh, uh, the little project he had. And at a certain time, uh, when we got together, uh, and, and Sean already talked, about those getting together at the farm uh, situations uh, which sometimes uh, run out of hand but uh, <laughs> they are always quite positive and uh, let's say on one of those occasions we uh, we had a very nice talk with uh, with Mikkel and uh, we sort of uh, let's say uh, designed a grist bill uh, for the stress Mikler which is in fact a marriage between uh, the typical Streusel beers and uh, the typical um, Mikler beers. So, uh, like it says on the label, it's the best of both worlds. Uh, we have used uh, all the, uh, the typical spices we uh, like to use in our beers. Uh, is, 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 are in the, the, the Streusel Mikler too. So, uh, you, would, you would find the soft orange peel... You will find the cardamom in it. Uh, you will find uh, the, um, the coriander in it. Uh, there are maybe some that I'm that I'm, that I'm omitting here, but uh, the maybe mass is, mass and, uh, uh, what? The mass is banda. The mass is banda. Yeah, yeah. But uh, if you if you talk about mass is banda, I think uh, uh, the whole whole the world will say. God damn it, what is Massey's Panda? So, God That's the secret, it. man. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> wait, those secrets, what? Huh? It's a secret word. <laughs> well, it was also interesting because when I was there last year, I was actually able to try the third experiment of that beer, the Elliott beer, and it was very interesting to taste that experiment and then to actually find the final product and taste it because it was really interesting to see the evolution of a project you know because you think about as home brewers when we do a five gallon batch and we like it and maybe we need to tweak it maybe we need to add more hops or more spices whatever it is i mean you can really see the evolution that you guys take with each individual beer i thought that was a very interesting perspective yeah absolutely we forget that you know i mean it's like oh i brewed it once okay it didn't turn out i'm not going to brew it again yeah yeah that happens a lot i think so that my my beer sucks well maybe you're halfway there and take it to the next level instead of just abandoning the whole project hang in there yeah I got. I'm looking at our list of questions that <laughs> that I come back on that I don't want to skip over. And <laughs> we're, guys, uh, I don't know how we're going to get all this done. Uh, I got to get. I want to get Chris on the air with us too from Ebenezer's and talk about that. We're getting um, so I, wait, Belgian. It's um, 
A holiday on Monday, right? It is a holiday on Monday, so we do have sort of a pass with these guys. They're willing to hang out, but I, I, I don't know if that means... I don't know if they party like we do, Doc, where, like, if the sun comes up, it's still okay. You know, I don't know how that how, how they roll. What do you think, Herbs? <laughs> yeah. I think they're okay with that. You don't have any sun in Belgium, so... <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't matter. They roll. <laughs> All right. Well, the let Germans me... Cons- the Germans confiscated during the war. <laughs> 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 they need it for the war effort. Yeah. <laughs> Those uh, bastards. And they never gave it back. Damn it. Well, I think these guys have to talk about this Grand Reserva because yeah. this beer is just phenomenal. Uh, I didn't know what you were pouring me, and as soon as I tasted it, my eyes rolled back, and I just got a smile on my face. It was just yeah, awesome. Probably, Like I said before, it's probably the best beer that we had when we were in Belgium. I think the Still Notch 05... Grand Reserva that we had beer. at Daisy's place was yeah. like right up there with it, but Grimmed it was just it like yeah. sitting at the farm with herbs and just like drinking this beer was just like, whoa. These are like seriously probably the best roadies I've ever had in my life. There, there. Right, how about tell us about this beer and then uh, I'll get Chris on the line and then we'll come back to the beers later. Let's do that. So, that can you good. tell us about the one we're drinking now, the Grand Reserva? Either one of you. Well, actually. Well, uh, well, actually, uh, the panapot, it's the panapot recipe, okay. but we uh, finished it off on, uh, on French oak for um, uh, 14 months, and then afterwards we did the second, uh, uh, second wood, we chose, we opted for, uh, for Calvados wood. So it's actually the panapot, which, is, uh, which has been ripened uh, been ripen on, 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 oak, uh, on oak casks. And uh, after 22 months, this is uh, the result. So if you taste the normal, the regular panapot and the Grand Reserve uh, next to it, uh, the difference you taste is actually the age that it had uh, on, on, on the wood. See. So it's, uh, wood, wood aging beer is actually uh, turning beer into an, another product, actually, into an, another uh, end product. Mm-hmm. Now, because I've had, I just I wanted to make sure I had this beer already. I had the Panapot before, mm-hmm. and I want to point. And now I'm having this Grand Reserve. I want to point this out that this is a is a fantastic example of when brewers come in here and we ask them for barrel aging techniques, and they say, you know, you can't put in a piece of shit and expect to come out with with gold. It's yeah. when it comes out, it's still going to be a piece of shit. But if you put an amazing beer into a barrel, you might really get a, you, a, a, another unique and amazing beer afterward. Yeah. And the right barrel. I mean, because... Yeah. Well, because I, mean, I had the Panapot already. Right. And it blew me away just as a beer by itself. You well, should have it three years it, old. The green cap. Blew me. Amazing oh. beer. What an amazing beer. Yeah. And, and, kinda, and I just want to... Uh, there's a lot of listeners out there, and we're talking about these beers, and, and they're not... Ever gonna have one? Or they? <laughs> or sap? Well, they had. Least, I want to buy futures. That's all. The, <laughs> for my brothers out there, they at the very least haven't had it yet. Let's be hopeful for them. Okay. Guys. So I'll, it's a, I'll mail it's, them my glass, and they can all sniff it. It's a it's a cloudy, uh, am, a very dark and a deep amber. I'm talking about the Panapot. A, a very uh, it's a bit cloudy, uh, a dark, deep amber, and it's got a wonderful sweetness and a little spiciness and a 
tad bit of sourness. If you don't like sour beers, this is a beer for you it's because good, there's, it'll get you. It's there, but it's not yeah. overpowering. It's enough to go, oh, yeah, I kind of taste it a little bit. You kind of question it. So that's yeah. what a sour you know? beer is. Yeah. So, if you don't like beer, you're not going to like it. Well, <laughs> well yeah. yeah. So that's I a good just, point. I want to lay the groundwork because... What Urbane is saying now is that, is that it's this amazing beer already that you've taken and put into this barrel for the Grand Reserve. What kind of barrel was it that you put it in? Uh, French uh, French oak wine barrels. And was it? And then it was used then already. We finished. We, we uh, some were used and some were new. Okay. Yeah. And 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 uh, then we we finished it off in Calvados wood. In what? I'm so sorry. What, what was it? In Calvados wood from Normandy. Apple hmm. brandy. Oh, yeah, apple brandy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So it was in two uh, barrels, not just one barrel, but two one to the barrels. Other. Yeah. So I guess just uh, so the the, the Calvados give the more uh, sour apple flavor mm-hmm. that Finish, uh, yeah. you know the caramelized apple like tartatin. Mm-hmm. You definitely yeah. get the dessert yeah, tartatin. The sour apple. You have this car- caramelized uh, sugars uh, working well with the with the sour apples that 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 uh, reduced actually to a sticky uh, pie. And uh, and that's the the uh, the taste and aroma that 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 we uh, achieved with this uh, Calvados wood finish. And it's and really very smooth. Glad, we're too. very glad with that because uh, uh, beer uh, beer is all about balance. Yeah. And yeah. if you have sweetness, you need to have a counterbalance with some sourness. And if you have bitterness, you have to, you, you need some body to 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 uh, you know to 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 bring it back in in, in balance. And that's that's that makes it elegant and 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 harmonious. It's all and, about uh, that's that's the main thing that Streus is looking for in in, in all the beers that we're uh, producing. Well, that was one thing I really noticed about this beer was just how balanced it was. It had some acidity. Yeah, it's a good session it, beer. Ten percent. Yeah, exactly. yeah, ten percent. Well, my favorite kind. <laughs> if, if you're Roger. Yeah. <laughs> but it it had some sourness, uh, a little bit of that apple sweetness to it. It, it was just very well rounded. Yeah. And it's so it's complex. I mean, it just keeps lingering on your tongue. You know, yeah. it doesn't just finish and it's gone and you have to have another sip. I mean, it just keeps going. And it doesn't Well, ac- it well doesn't actually, bite. Uh, so, sorry. Uh, actually, in the Panapot, we, we used uh, spices in our first big beer that we made it because uh, our first beer was the Wit, the second was the Rosa, the third was the Blonde, but this was only a 6%. And uh, we never did uh, actually a, a big beer. And uh, the recipe for the panapot, it was not actually a recipe, but it, it has a, uh, an interesting story. Um, the Panna is a little village on the Belgian coast. Uh, it's the village just next to the French border, and uh, there is no uh, harbor there. So a uh, panapot is the kind of vessel, the kind of boat uh, with a flat bottom. So when the tide is high, the, the boat can go on the beach and when the the tide is going down the 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 boat is uh, falling down on its side on the on the sand on the sandy beaches um this recipe was not actually a recipe it was it more like a description uh of a of a thick beer they call it in flemish thick beer because it was very rich and sticky and very alcoholic and 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 very tasteful um, so translated in English, it is uh, a thick beer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have this description of a beer which was very sweet, which had uh, coffee aromas, uh, touches of uh, spices, and um, you know, and and a well captured, um, well integrated high alcohol. 
which is, uh, you know, which Fine which was me. actually produced for, for warming up the body because uh, these, these were poor fishermen who, who made beer like this on the stove at home. It was not beer like you see the panapot in the bottle uh, now. It was more like a flat beer that they kept in, in, in small wooden um, uh, barrels in the cellar. So they went down in the winter days in the cellar. They tapped it off in a jug and then uh, drank it. There was no foam on it. There was no carbonation on it. It was just a rich, sweet, uh, alcoholic drink. That's how we do. And with, and with that information we have... Uh, we had we said if we want to create a, a, a beer uh, a higher a gravity beer why don't we make a recipe based on this information and uh, panapot came out so uh, as a tribute to these uh, hardy fishers from the village of the Pana, we call this beer Panapot, and that's the story about it. See, Doc, all this bullshit from you and JP about, oh, you and Chad ought to sit on your beer for a while. You ought to wait until you drink it. Now, these fishermen, they didn't even carbonate it. They just took it. As soon as there was alcohol in it, they went for it. And this has been my philosophy. That, that was I their just, whole life. I just didn't have anything yeah. to back it up. Oh, and it's not my whole no, life, Doc? No, that, that whole, their whole my... life was they brew it on the stove. They go out fishing. They come back. They go to the cellar. Well, what do they I do? They drink some things. They go back out to the sea. I go to bed. I come to the studio. I go back to bed. I come back to the studio. <laughs> Same difference. And on the way, I tap a keg that's not ready. Sorry to interrupt you, but they even uh, added in the in the, win- in, in the winter days, they added um, a bit more sugar and egg yolks. And then they whisked it together and they drank it like this. It was like a... a, a um, uh, an energy drink from a really? hundred years ago. It's Rockstar yeah. like, from a hundred years no, it's ago. Like, it's like the Rocky movie. Yeah, this is, yeah. this is Red, Red Bull from yeah. uh, the 1900s. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. I will say this. I make fun of Red Bull on an almost daily basis. I would not if it were like this. Yes. <laughs> if it were like old time Red Bull. I, actually I'm, on, good. I'm on board, man. Throw a couple eggs in a beer. Yeah, all that seminal is real good for your... Uh, not the white. Breakfast. Not the white. You, should, you should do that Alcohol one with kills. the stout. With a, you take no, a stout, you, yeah. you take a, a couple of, uh, you know, uh, spoons of sugar, yeah. a few egg yolks, and then whisk it together. Do you Sounds do like this? like a sabayon. Urbane, do you and do this yeah. for breakfast? Yeah, but, 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 but cool. You don't make a sabayon. You just uh, you make don't cook it cool. It. Yeah. And you, no, you don't cook it. You drink it like this. It's just yummy. It is it is fantastic. Is you it really now, it's, or it's are you very, pulling very, my leg? It's very much uh, giving you energy. Yeah. They, they got together. Watch. Let's see what the Americans can yeah. drink. Let's tell them it's traditional. in there. Yeah, let's tell them it's traditional. Yeah. Take some pubic hairs. Take a piss in it. Yeah. And then put it on the roof on a hot summer day for 10 hours. And then straight up through some toilet paper. And then yeah. drink it. Well, Americans, drink it. I'll say that if if it could be like a... If it were a stout that had maybe more than 7% alcohol, I need something to kill the salmonella I'm kind of worried about in the eggs. Can it be like a strong beer and I throw some eggs in there? Will that work for it breakfast? Can. I don't think yeah, that's, can. that but, level but, of alcohol but, but, won't kill anything. But, yes, it will. But, but not a bitter beer. Not, not, not an IPA. You should uh, take a very malty, a very bready-like uh, beer, uh, like a, a double or, or a quadruple or something. And, but, then, but and then a little sugar and a couple eggs. Do you, sounds like a perfect yolks. breakfast. Only, yeah. only, the, only the yolks, not, not, the, not the white. Do you, do you, oh, do you, okay. do you find that, uh, that the hops kind of clash with the uh, chicken embryo you put in there? Or? 
no, if, if there is hops, if there is hops in a brown beer, it's no problem. But if you use, let's say, a, a Duval or or, or or an IPA, uh, yeah, it won't, it won't work that much. You know, a, a Duval kind of sounds pretty good, actually. See, I'm thinking that breakfast tomorrow. I think I got a couple of stouts around here I could choose from. I'm having uh, myself. An egg. Carlo is talking about tradition here. Uh, uh, what he's talking about is, in fact, a, uh, a little recipe. Uh, uh, all the, the the Flemish and and French from the north uh, have been doing for uh, uh, let's say years and years. In winter time, they would always add some egg yolk to the to a stouty beer and some sugar. They would whisk it. And uh, it would give so much nourishment and energy uh, because uh, the people at that time were very poor, and uh, uh, while doing that, it would you it would keep you on going for the whole day without uh, you eating uh, anything anymore. Or so caring you about it. Try it. You will you will see that after doing such an experiment, you can stay without eating for the rest of the day. I don't know. I kind of so, want to know. The, I want to know the median, uh, the death rate in this village. <laughs> Those are all the French that live so long. That uh, yeah, I don't want to know anything. Fishermen. Here's what I've gathered: if you don't make a lot of money, in other words, you're poor, like you, you don't eat very often, like you, <laughs> you enjoy beer, like you. This is the perfect meal for you. Trend. It works. <laughs> and you, you have the yeah. energy for the. You don't cook. Cooks, you don't, cook, you don't so cook so well. You just whisk it up and drink it. Hey, hey Paxton, get in the kid. Get in the kitchen, dude. Can, uh, do we do we have a stout or something around? Uh, maybe. Got any Possibly. eggs? All right, I got to take a break right now, anyway, and then I got to get Chris on the line from Ebenezer's, and we're going to keep talking okay. beer. If we c- chat, I want you to mix me up one of these at the break. All right. I we, need a little energy for the end of the show, anyway. Do we not have and, eggs? Uh, See, I got where, eggs. Where's Bebo when you need her? Oh, okay. I have sugar, eggs, eggs right? and a stout. <laughs> I have sugar. I have organic, cage-free eggs in the refrigerator. Oh, jeez. Oh, and, oh uh, boy. Of course you would. <laughs> and then Chad is do, looking for a stout for me. Do they come with a bottle of patchouli, or do you have to buy that separate? That's oh. separate. Oh, okay. I buy it. Uh, yeah, I like patchouli. Let's see. Of course you do. You're a deadhead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Hang in there for me. We're going to take another quick break. Um, I'm already in communication with Chris here from Ebenezer's, and we're going to get him on the line right here. Oh, he, by the way, is typing to me on the computer that this that this concoction is delicious. <laughs> so well, there you go. I'll be the judge of that. Yeah, you will. <laughs> I hope that we find one in the fridge here. You know, if you do it, I'll do it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, hey, I don't, I'll do it by myself. But no, if, I, you, if you're in, I kind of you know. What the hell? Yeah. Right. Carlo, that doesn't mean I'm doing it. Carlo, you've sold. <laughs> I'm out. You've sold me, and I'm going to give it a go now that you've mentioned. Okay. It. So I hope that uh, these guys are like. Well, it used to be a tradition. We haven't touched this shit in years. <laughs> I've heard it happen. Since I've never read seen about it, it work. since that whole village went down. Yeah. <laughs> and the village. <laughs> the village was. I don't know. I'm going to be the new spokesman for this tradition. I think I'm going to be the American the spokesman new for the Belgian pr- tradition, tradition of um, uh, you know old time Red Bull. So what's going to happen? Is it Pacheco? The, the Belgian Viagra. Old school Red Bull. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, hang in there. Give me five minutes. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back to you, okay? Okay. Thanks, fellas. Okay. 
<laughs> these guys are fantastic. What fun and so much to cover. I'm going to try to get through all of these questions and your questions as well. Okay, so 888-401-BEER or you can join JP in the chat room. I've got some of your questions in front of me already. I'll get those asked. And then we're about to get on the line with Chris Lively from Ebenezer's who's got a whole new venture going on with... Um, Pronounce it properly for me, somebody. Doc, give it a go. Dis. Distrusa. Strusa. Correct. Hang in there, everybody. We'll be right back. It's the session. You're listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. It's the hop shortage. No, not the organic, free-range, oyster Russian imperial coffee stout. It's all gone. We'll never brew again. Damn this hop shortage. Damn it to hell. Oi, f- away off your wee f***ing hop shortage, f- who are you? A f***ing Scottish 80 shilling, and you cannot brew a Scottish 80 shilling like you was mixing f***ing cement with f***ing hops instead of gravel, you great f***ing ass. Use less hops, brew more beer. Northern Brewer has kits and ingredients for dozens of worldwide beer styles that don't require a lot of hops to make a great pint, like the bloodthirsty and abusive Scottish 80 shilling. Keep drinking great beer. Order at northernbrewer.com and get flat rate $7.99 shipping anywhere in the contiguous U.S. One beer kit, $7.99 shipping. One million beer kits, $7.99 shipping. Together we can beat this hop shortage. My Lambic! It'll only f***ing help it. I'm drunk. 
baby butter. I'm drunk. Sit down next to it, grab yourself a paper towel, and watch those yeast have sex. You're listening to the Brewing Network. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. Okay, boys and girls, welcome back to the program. It is the best beer in the world show here on The Session and the Brewing Network. And we are talking with Urbane and Carlo from Destruce Brewery in uh, Belgium. And we've also got Roger, the artist formerly known as the Brewer from Drake's, hanging out with us in the studio. And Sean Paxton, uh, the, the homebrew chef. The guy. And uh, right now I'm being delivered. Wow, that's quite a concoction. How big was that beer, Chad? <laughs> Shit, man. What are you trying to do to a brother? bottle of oatmeal stout. Oh. And look, I mean, it's it's not even Too dripping in. off the spoon. It's just, Too it's in. like flowing <laughs> off the oh God. Hey, uh, we got Chris Lively on the line with us now from Ebenezer's. Chris, you there, brother? I sure am. There Chris. we go. Ebenezer's Pub. Uh, at, uh, can't believe I'm online with you two jokers. <laughs> we can't believe it either. As long as you don't hang up on starting. us. Chris, <laughs> Good. you heard the segment before where uh, these guys are telling me I should drink this concoction. And you're saying it's a good deal? It is. Uh, you know, they uh, they we had a, uh, for our last Belgium festival in August, we had a double Coleman camper stove, so to speak. Uh-huh. Um, and they made this concoction. One of them had uh, Black Albert, and uh, the other one, I think, did it with Peche Mortel. And they did two Sabignons side by side, and they whipped up this egg, sugar, and... Uh, Stout concoctions side by side, and uh, they shared it with everyone out in the crowd, and it was an absolutely incredible and delicious uh, dessert. Okay, well, why am I so hungry right now, Carlo Urbane? I have in front of me the only stat we had was uh, somebody's oatmeal stout, and somebody's. Uh, wow. Oh my god! The puke, the puke bowl just the arrived. Brewer, and, and then and then there there have been two egg yolks put in it, and I hope some sugar. Did he did he remember yep. the sugar? Two tablespoons. Yeah, no, knowing Chad, it was probably flour. I've already or I, pepper <laughs> or some shit. Do you want me to take Salt. the first hit off of that? Yeah. No, no, yeah. I gotta okay. get through this. All right. So it's All right. it smells god awful. I have to say, Are right? You guys, making Sauvignon right now? No, we're having no, they, it raw, uncooked. Uh, they, they have in the cool version. At the, at the we did. We did. Uh, you want to uh, smell uh, it, Roger? Warm version. Yeah. You know, the thing about it is, it's one of those, uh, I think, cooking philosophies uh, where less is more. Don't so everybody stick your nose in it. It's going to make it yep. worse on me. Come on, give me that back. <laughs> that smells good. On, Go I'm for it. Lick it. Go ahead. It's Sorry. Delicious. You'll be fine. Okay, I'm going to give it a taste, and I and I. It's really eggy. It has a hurl bucket. Why does my hurl bucket have dead egg embryo in it? I, that's going to make me hurl right there. Just <laughs> looking at that. It's Orange Julius, man. got to reject on that. <laughs> Orange yeah. Julius. See the toilet. Get the princess a better bucket. You guys got to know about me that I that I have, uh, like, I'm a germaphobe, and I've got kind of a strong gag reflex as it is, so I'm already ready to, like, I'm freaking out about this. But, uh, Just remember the door, too much. the door is right there. We have a we have You're a, recording this right. We have a listener in Belgium who says, uh, "Tell Jay to put a dash of Tabasco in it." That's how they do it around here. Okay. I'm oh gonna, my God. I don't know if that's true. I'm or gonna not. give it a I'm gonna give it a try. 
I've got my puke bucket in front of me. All right. Because Tabasco is Come a Belgian on, Just product. down the whole yeah. thing. Who's doing the play-by-play here? No, glug, glug, glug. And don't, he's don't, drinking. It's to his lips. Don't focus on the egg dripping and oozing down your throat rather than going nice. Oh, he's smiling. He's going to hurl. No, I could totally drink that. <laughs> oh, it's got a little... Um, it's coming up. Here, it's give coming me some up. of that. Let me get some of that. Hang on. Slow down. Well, I want to try it's to got a little first. bit of a... Uh, what's the word? Kind of a farmhouse tang to it, which I'm sure is the, twang? Is the egg embryo. See, I Hence can't think farm. about it. Yeah. The more I think well, about it, it's I'm about to you. It's, it's a free range <laughs> quack, quack, quack all the way down. <laughs> but anyway, it's very healthy. Good. It's, that's it's what. That's healthy. all I care Except about. Except for the live salmonella in there. I'll tell you what, JP. I'd be doing fine if you would shut your mouth. No, actually, about all the salmonella and, and the, and the gooey egg dripping yeah. out. <laughs> like you're the one ruining this for Good. me. Good. Let's talk to Sean about this. Can you get salmonella the, from a fresh egg? No, it's on the inside of the chicken. It has to. It has to be I, like aged, like yeah. For I mean, a you gotta while. let it sit around for a long time. And to be honest, you're good. Yeah, I mean, the you're alcohol. Good. You're I good. You guys fine. need to have faith in the United States Department of Agriculture, gentlemen. You have uh, <laughs> Sorry, no. Yeah, Chris, no you where do you live, Chris? But yeah. seriously. They call them What's your population up there? <laughs> 500, pal. <laughs> they call them inspectors, like they're inspecting something. Do you want some of this, JP? I don't know. I don't want to piss on your parade, Tiger. So you don't want any, then? No, that's fine, then, All right. if you don't want to give me any. Uh, Schumann's having a what whole the, glass of it, chunks? too. Yeah. That's the egg, I guess. Oh. There's nice chunks. The problem is with this drink. Yeah. Uh, in a, in about an hour, Go in, ahead. In about a half an hour, oh. Justin will have so much power and energy. Yeah. Uh, I think I think uh, he will he will explode out of the office. <laughs> I, think, I think it tastes awesome. Which yeah. way? I think at the we're going to be getting at like nine o'clock. I'm going to be like, come on, guys, we're not done with the interview yet. We got to keep going. I have so many more questions. <laughs> Hopefully, it's like doing a line in the glass. Is what's going on over here now? I, I, this is awesome. <laughs> you like it? Doc? Oh, damn! Yeah, bring I it on. A, I have a feeling, guys, that uh, Doc and I uh, we brew together every so often. I think we've just found our new uh, breakfast brew drink. day breakfast power drink. Man, it, this, it is, tastes this is awesome. Go, mm. I, I can do this. Yeah. Mm. Oh, you know they say uh, one in twenty thousand uh, eggs is infected with salmonella. I almost uh, yuked on the last sip, though, because I just start to think about the the egg bit. Do they pa- good? Do they pasteurize eggs? It's like eggnog. No. <laughs> All right, let's move on. No All one right, wants to no. hear the rest of this. I just had to get through that. <laughs> All right, Chris like from that. Ebenezer's Pub. Thanks, Jimmy. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, you guys have one of the best pubs in America, which uh, I've not had the pleasure of visiting yet myself. Um, we will. But we will. The list. And I want to cover just a little bit of background about that before we start talking about this, uh, how you got um, hooked up with our friends from Belgium here. So, um, you know, first of all, how long has Ebenezer's been around? How did this whole thing start for you? Uh, it's been uh, here for five years. Uh, uh, I was a food and beverage consultant for Marriott. Um, I worked at the Culinary Institute of America, Napa Valley, for a little while. Okay. Um, and then had my own consulting business opening up uh, restaurants for people. So my wife said, you know what? We should just do this for ourselves. So that's what we did. <laughs> Which is a, you just got to go for it, man. Sometimes you just got to do it. Honey, we could be yeah. the best place ever. Yeah. 
<laughs> now, is your location kind of, uh, you know, was it ready for a pub like yours? Is that why you chose out there? It really needed it? Or was it kind of a stretch uh, opening a place like that where you are? It was definitely are? a stretch. It was a geriatric ward when I opened it up, man. Uh, it was out in the middle of nowhere, Maine, population town 500. Uh, there was no signage on the wall, just a couple of NASCAR cores light. <laughs> Ten signs up, you know, and it, it those was are my horrible. favorite. <laughs> yeah, you know, and there was just there there was just nothing going on, and, and the business was probably about two months from closing down, ultimately wow. just closing its doors. So uh, we knew it needed a little bit of nurturing, and uh, we were lucky to inherit a really nice chef um, who actually uh, cooked some really good food, and then we just kind of put in our uh, beer philosophy, which was put in really great artisanal brews, and uh, when, it was funny because when we first opened. Or right before we opened, rather, I was talking to a couple of distributors, and uh, the same guys who distribute Bud, Miller, and Coors said there was no way on on earth that this possibly could work. Uh, you know, it was a Bud and Coors type of atmosphere with rednecks, and there was just no way that uh, this would work. Well, five years from now... Uh, I'm sure they they speak quite differently. <laughs> <laughs> Bite your tongue, bastards! So, did they ask you how yes. many how many Bud and Miller taps you wanted to have? Zero. As a matter of fact, you know, it was actually kind of a, a bit of a phenomenon because we immediately went from five taps, which was Bud, Bud Light, Coors right, Light. Right, exactly. To 15 taps. And we went to all craft beer and any Belgian beer that we could get, which was hardly any at the time. And uh, we kept uh, Bud Light on for the locals. And uh, it was very odd because uh, the cakes that we had on of that beer would just go sour each time. Wow. Well, all the other beers just kept moving and moving. And it was kind of funny because we had some, uh, you know, uh, I'll give you an example of, you know, a redneck came in and said, you know, you can sell that fancy beer to all these young guys, but you'll never sell that to me. Well, three years from when that gentleman said that, he's drinking it. His 86-year-old Uncle Norm's drinking it. They're all drinking it, man. They're all drinking, you know, these great rare artisanal beers. Wonderful. And, uh, it's a beautiful thing. And and uh, I think uh, this is the greatest experiment on earth. I mean, we're out in the middle of nowhere. And our general population is a bunch of rednecks and farm, guy, farm boys who grew up on Budweiser and Jack Daniels. Well, you know... These farmers, I mean, they're it's either dark. drinking Panapot right now or they're drinking uh, Nostradamus from Brewery Caracola. Wow. So, uh, yeah, it's amazing. I, I'm in shock myself. Oh, they, they'd never tell. ever be a, a, a wine snob, but you know what? They just sneak right in the back door and be a beer snob. That's right. Skipped well, right no. over. One of the things that we, we – one of our selling points and our marketing points is, you know, and it's very simple and it's very honest. I can offer you – one of the world's greatest beers for the price of a shitty glass of house wine in any other place. Preach on, brother. Preach on. It's true. It's absolutely true. And that's the beautiful thing about beer. You know, uh, I I can offer you a pan of pot, you know, for eight bucks. You know, you tell me where you're going to get a glass of wine or a glass of cognac for eight dollars. That's going to be anywhere near that. And I beg to differ. So, uh, and, and that's what we've been able to do. And, uh, the first couple of years we had to sell that well after the third year now the fourth year and fifth year we don't have to sell anything now we've got people coming to us so you're the destination you know what again you know we were this little barn you know you look at us from the outside and you're like huh, wow that that's that's nothing and you know people say as soon as they walk in they're like wow 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and, uh, we offer very rare beers. We're very lucky. We're open seasonal. So it means, you know, I only have to work seven months out of the year. Asshole. That gives me five, <laughs> yeah. That gives me five months out of the year to explore and find beer. I can just tee off. And that's, that's what I do. And, uh, to be able to survive out here in the beer world, uh, you know, out in the middle of nowhere, we need to be able to provide people with that wow factor. Yeah. So uh, when people come here, you know, they need to be able to see something. You know, they're they're not here. You know, they don't drive four hundred miles here to just drink. You know, uh, just to hang out beer. in Maine. Yeah, we better have you know something nice. So uh, uh, we're we're very lucky to be able to do what we do, and uh, you know, and the locals as well as the people who travel from afar have treated us very well. My jealousy is now overflowing. Is everybody okay if I just hang up on Chris? <laughs> just ask him what's in his cellar <laughs> and we're going through a tunnel yes <laughs> well you kind of you know, I can't hear, hear you now. <laughs> yeah. uh, you did kind of gloss over how it took a couple of years before you stopped having to, to sell it and to, to maybe sure. convince people and, and I don't want you to do that I want to know you know was it a real struggle you know the first year did it was it kind of ugly did you guys think it wasn't going to work or was it an instant enough success to to keep right on going you know it's a very odd story indeed because we we took this place over we didn't know anything about it but the owners before us were such assholes they'd banned probably 250 people at least really established (laughs) we took it over and opened half the town (laughs) it is half the town isn't it you know if i told you the stories it would sound like bullshit but when we hooked up the utilities the utility company was like yeah that guy was an asshole i mean Uh, everyone hated the guy so when we opened up we were like instantly a success under new management big sign right (laughs) you sent an email to 250 people an entire town's attention. Okay. So, you know, we, we there was very little Belgian beer available in Maine, or good beer for that matter. Um, we had Allagash products. We were lucky. We had all of the uh, Merchant of Inn products. Okay. Uh, and then, uh, you know, uh, this is off the record, but we bootlegged a lot of good beer in. And ah, the, right. the reception that it received was was beyond outstanding. I mean, it was just insanity. We became this hub for good beer. I mean, it, we were out in the middle of nowhere, yet, you know, people in New Hampshire, New Hampshire, because of their laws, they're, they're very limited in the beers they could get. So we had the intention of almost all of New England um, wow. on, on these great beers, you know, and then uh, we just kind of pushed it and pushed it and, and pushed trying to get the best beers and the rarest beers in the world that we could possibly find, you know, and uh, we kind of got our reputation with that. So um, See, I think know, that... It, that it was such perfect timing with the 250 ba- you could have been ser- I don't think it mattered what you were serving that's 250 people that didn't have to keep going to the Thirsty AM PM down the street and <laughs> buy beer anymore yeah. they could finally show up at a bar they were like I'll, what do you what would you like I don't care does it have alcohol in it I'll take it and that <laughs> was like your I don't know what I did but they kicked me out of here once <laughs> Yeah, well, that that was it, you know. And you're you're offering a product, you know. You got these farm boys who are out there; they're working hard all day. Yeah, they come in, and you've got, you know, they see this beer as just a high alcohol beer. Okay. So it's going to kind of do the trick for them. Well, they drink that, and over time, they keep drinking and drinking it. And you know what? They acquire. They're not in Kansas anymore. Just like the rest of us, exactly. absolutely. We exactly. all had to acquire they that taste. The taste, yeah. and that's it. And yeah. it's just amazing when people come in here from Boston or come in here from New York or wherever, and they're like. This is just absolutely 
jaw dropping. I mean, yeah. You know, there's all these locals. They're all drinking all these beers. You know, there's Belgian beer chalices everywhere, and you know that that's what we're about. We're about education. And like I said, two years ago, we had to stop selling our product, and uh, you know, people were starting to coming to us. And you know, and these local guys, you know, they found, you know, they get their own little quirks in these beers. You know, yeah, uh, it's just kind of funny because you know they don't know any better. You know, I turn them all on to Panapot. They're like, wow, man, I'd love to. Can I get a case of this? It's like, uh, no, no, I, <laughs> I can't get a case of this. <laughs> Yeah. You're drinking the last bottle. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, uh, but uh, they've been very receptive to it. You know, and without these local guys, these farmers, without these people coming in from everywhere, you know, it, we wouldn't be what we are today. That, okay. That's for sure. How old are you, Chris? I am 34. <laughs> All right, that's young. Yeah, four years. He's young. Justin. I know. Well, if he was, you know, if like, he would have said, because I thought he sounds young, right? If he would have said anywhere in his twenties, that's it. I'd have hung up on him right now. Right, <laughs> and definitely second. going through a tunnel. <laughs> well, you know, I'm lucky because I bartended at Lucky Baldwin's, which I'm sure you wow. gentlemen are familiar with on the West Coast. Yeah, so I've I been there, done that. In that kind of atmosphere, I drank the Tornado, the stuffed sandwich, all of those places. Okay. And when I opened up my own place, you know, those were the benchmarks. So yeah. I grew up at the Tornado's Barley Wine festival and all that stuff so good for you, you know, so what yeah, what yeah. pushed you to the east coast you know uh basically we were able to acquire a restaurant a three-bedroom home uh 1500 square foot brand new climate controlled cellar on four acres of land on a golf course for 100 bucks for the price of, yeah, of a two-bedroom house in the ghettos of los angeles oh, oh so your so wife was, pushed you <laughs> oh, I, i'll tell you right now ding percent that's 100% fact. It was actually all of her idea. She yeah. was the backbone behind us acquiring this place, uh, etc. And even the backbone behind us acquiring possibly a new place. Yeah. Oh, great. Oh. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Now, that's it. And you're absolutely right. What a, that's That all sounds like a very good reason to open up out there. But I say... I say brass balls, man. Open it up in a place like that where you don't know how it's going to go, and like you know, as in your words, you know, you got these uh, farm boys kind of uh, used to the the domestic swill, and and uh, good for you. I congratulate you on your success with that idea, and and, and it being as well received as it is. Absolutely, um, thank you. So before I talk, I, I want to talk about how you know our friends from Belgium here. Uh, and before we do that, I do have an important question for you, Chris. And sure. that is, what is in your cellar, my friend? Word around the campfire is that if you uh, are either a friend or you show up at the right beer event, uh, that like magic beer comes out of your cellar. Yeah, you know, we have lots of great things, you know. Uh, we have Earth Monk, uh, which is probably one of my most celebrated beers. I have every Trappist beer. I have all of the La Trappe test batches, man, which don't even have a label. Wow. West Mall Extra, Orval Petite, all that good stuff. All the Russian River goodies, Magnums of Rochefort, Black Albert. And this is... Wait, 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 wait. Go not- back to that. A Magnum of Rochefort. Okay. Wow. I mean, I've seen, like, empty bottles, but the fact that you have, like, some of these bottles, I mean, come on, dude. I have 3% of the entire world's production for the last two years. Do you really? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I'm going to Maine. (laughs) Now, uh, this isn't... I want to see the leaves turn. This isn't on the menu. (laughs) This is things that you have in your private stash. Well, you know what? Depends on how private it is. 
Well, they're available to anybody, and that's the whole thing. Is is we don't want to just be a place where, oh yeah, we've got these rare beers. You can come here and you can have them. You know, so many people come from me from New York, Massachusetts, who want Westy Twelve. You know, and I, I you know, try to steer them away from that. Obviously, until can I get a case of that? Beers. Yeah. The <laughs> <laughs> you know, thing is, we want to offer them. You know. Many different spectrums of rare beer, and, and that's what we have. Again, I only have to be open seven months. I have plenty of time to tee off and make the connections and be able to bring this stuff in. And that's what I do. And we're out in the middle of nowhere. So it's not like we've got the ABC knocking on our door every two weeks, so to speak. That's so, got to be helpful. Hugely helpful, and that's yeah. what gives us a, a magnificent advantage, so to speak. But they don't want to make that four hundred mile an hour drive as much as we could. So we we just try to keep things on the down low, and, and we enjoy our cult status. Okay, <laughs> you should probably hook up some cameras about an hour out at this point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. they're coming. Exactly. Yeah, they're 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 listening. And yeah, by the yeah. way, Chris, no one listens to this program, so you go ahead and just keep talking about all your ABC violations. <laughs> You know what? It, it's you know what again. Uh, it, it's no disrespect to anybody. You know, my house is connected to my pub, so legally oh, I can wow. open up any beer that I want to hey, with great. you right inside him, uh, literally 15 feet from the bar legally. So my cellar is completely legal. Anything that I open with you is completely illegal. Um, we have a very, very unique situation here. So I break that no laws. Great. I mean, it's now just, what's the uh, closest airport? Again, it's Maine. <laughs> <laughs> Portland. <laughs> so yeah, uh, we're, we're very lucky. So see, that's the part uh, I don't envy you about be- having the house connected. I couldn't do that, Doc. I'm one of these guys. That's yeah. why I could never deal drugs. You know, if you do, if you're a drug dealer, they say you shouldn't do the drugs that D- you deal. Do your own drugs. You can't do your own drugs. Well, it's not your own supply. Yeah, it snows in Maine. You'd pass out halfway between the house and the, the pub. <laughs> yeah, that might be true. <laughs> but anyway, he's not there. He's playing golf those other five months. Frostbite. Yeah. Yeah. There's no frostbite in Chris's. If a, you know, vocabulary. No, it's golf and then amazing cellar beers. What a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> and going through a tunnel. <laughs> Is this a bad connection? <laughs> oh, man. All right, Chris. So how do you know uh, Carlo and Urbane and the other fellas from Destruce? And, and tell us a little bit about how this relationship got started before we talk about what the new venture is. Okay, real quickly. Struce, right? You take the U out and turn that into an O, make it and pronounce the E as a U. Stroisa. 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 You got it. Boom. Stroisa. Okay. All right. Like Stroisa. Stroisa. That's Russian. Yeah. Okay, I got it. <laughs> Sounds like it exactly. See, it takes uh, a know, it, it takes another uh, dumb American to teach a dumb American how to pronounce these things. Uh, okay, yeah, it took me quite a while too. Uh, I met them. I met uh, Urban online. Uh, uh, I was had some beer business with him. Uh, we did some things over the internet, and I never knew about Stroiso or Panapot or any of that stuff. Um, and over some time, he sent me a couple of samples of his beer. And I was like, whatever. You know, everyone sends me samples of beer. Sure. So I just sat on a shelf for a few months. Uh, and then uh, a gentleman by the name of Will Shelton came over, mm-hmm. uh, who is an importer here in the United States. The and Shelton he brother. talked to me about a new project he had with the brewery called Stresa and a beer called Panapaz. He's like, ah, I've got that stuff here. I've already got it, man. So yeah. we pop open a bottle and I try it for the first time. And I'm like, oh my God. Okay. This is incredible. So. 
next thing you know, I'm contacting Urban like, hey, you know, uh, can I get some more of that beer, et cetera, et cetera. So needless to say, uh, over time, we become good friends, and he and Carlo fly out here uh, to Maine for our Belgian Beer Festival, and uh, it was an incredible event. Okay. So that's the first time that you met them to come out for the festival. You'd already had their panapot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Carlo and Urbane, you come out and, 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 or is it just Urbane at the time? Was it? It was Urban, uh, Gina, and Carlo, and his, his wife, uh, Lynn. Okay. They all came out the four. So, so, Carlo, Urbane, what, what is your impression now? Uh, you come to this place in Maine, in the, in the, uh, Arguably, the middle of nowhere, <laughs> and uh, uh, it's it, north of nowhere. And, and what is your impression uh, of Chris and and his bar? Uh, and what do you guys end up thinking about this place? Well, let's say at the time we were quite uh, uh, surprised when uh, we received the mail from Chris uh, saying he wanted to fly us out. Ah, okay. And uh, I said to Carlo, I said, or. Or he he, he he must be deranged. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> or, or or he has a, a severe problem uh, of of a kind. I didn't know what what kind at the time. But or he's uh, an axe murderer. I, yeah. <laughs> and, Pretty much. Uh, uh, let's say we do, we don't get those kind of invitations back here. Uh huh. And uh, uh, let's say that uh, at, at a certain time we uh, we we decided to go for it. And uh, when we arrived at Ebenezer's uh, in August, uh, it was incredible. Uh, we had never uh, gotten such a a warm uh, welcome. Uh, where we went, uh, it's it's unbelievable. It's it's one of the the, the most beautiful experience uh, experiences we ever had. It's 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 great. It's a, it's like we said in the in the middle of nowhere with a lot of golfers around. Uh, but bon, uh, you forget about the golfers at a certain time. Uh, you just stick in with the beer. Uh, uh, Chris has a bar uh, with a lineup of about. I think 35 to 40 beers on draft. Uh, uh, but I, I, I need to say, I, I have some critics on the whole project. Uh, not on the project, but on Chris. Uh, I was a week out there, and he never showed me his cellar. Oh. Well, damn. <laughs> damn. Guess you got to come back out, huh? You probably handled you know everything at all. Let me just elaborate on that experience with them coming into America and coming to Ebenezer's. They land in Boston, which is this huge metropolis. And I'm driving them out into Maine, which is, you know, two and a half hours away. And we're getting farther and farther out in the sticks. And the farther and farther they go. And I'm looking in my rearview mirror because, you know, I got the Suburban and they're in the back. The farther I go out, the more and more they're looking at their little European expression like, where in the fuck are we? We just got <laughs> off this plane, man. We are like out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. They thought you were going to kill <laughs> and them. And I'm trying to convince them like... <laughs> uh, we're not going to you know, kill you and chop you up for yeah, parts. Exactly. I mean, you know, I got to tell you, it was quite the brave uh, voyage for them. You know, uh, they were, they, they, you know, I mean, they, they we, we know each other over the internet. I convince them to come out. They fly into Boston and 
boom, you know, they're going out in the middle of nowhere. You know, there's no place in Maine, you know, like in Europe, you know. Uh, it, it truly is. You know, out here it's just pure wilderness and pure sticks. So, <laughs> yeah, it was quite a, an adventure for him. But uh, like they said, it, it was it was an incredible, incredible. We had no idea, you know, uh, how great Stroessa was until they got here. It was just an incredible event. It was one of the great cultural events of Maine in 2007. I'll bet it was. That. Yeah, it was huge, you know, and, uh, you know, still to this day, you know, the locals and the media still thank me for bringing them in. I mean, it was just, it was huge for them to come in and bring that type of culture to our little town. Uh, you, you, you didn't know, have a parade and stuff, did you? I'll tell you what, if they come back, there's going to be a parade. <laughs> well, there should have been. Just, Oh, awesome. you know, every night that they were here at this bar, I mean, when they left, there was just this roar of applause. I, it was amazing. And I was able to capture a lot of it on film, but I had never seen anything like that in my beer experiences in my life. It, it was just, it, it was amazing. Oh, I could just see their faces in that rear view mirror, that suburban thinking, where's this hillbilly taking me? Yeah. Oh, my God. Exactly. They were speaking French, you know. Because they didn't want you to hear. Yeah, because I try to be courteous, like, where in the hell is this guy taking us? <laughs> no, but I, you know, have faith, and uh, we had a very nice uh, nice log cabin loft with, uh, on a little pond right next to the pub um, that they could get a little peace and quiet in their free time when uh, they weren't over here making Sauvignon for everyone, and they were just absolutely <laughs> tremendous guests. I, I, I didn't... Uh, the connection with Stroessa and Ebenezer, it's special. I mean, uh, they're not just friends of ours, they're family. Wow, how about that? And uh, by family, he means like girlfriends and boyfriends out there. You know what I'm saying? Hey, now! It's, it's <laughs> we're all family now. It's close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, guys, so uh, uh, Urbane and Carla, you guys get there, and, uh, you know, aside from not being able to see the cellar, which I would have been disappointed in, too. Uh, uh, they didn't know that then. Now they're disappointed. Yeah, now they're disappointed. Um, uh, you're there, and you see this um, sort of a of a Belgian beer bar in the U.S., and, and uh, tell me what you think about it then. Well, f- uh, first of all, uh, Chris was uh, picking us up at the uh, Boston, uh, Boston airport, and uh, we had, as he said, uh, two hour and a half a drive. So uh, we had this constant uh, conversation, and uh, while we arrived uh, two hours or maybe three hours later in, uh, in Lovell, uh, it was like we knew each other for, the, the, you know, for years. Uh, you know, in a few hours, we, we, we talked so much. And uh, we we were friends already, you know. It's uh, it, w- it was a great feeling. I bet by that time and, Chris and could speak French. And and and, <laughs> <laughs> and and then we we arrived at Ebenezer's. Uh, you know, the scenery is 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 fantastic. The landscapes, uh, the, the golf course, and then this uh, incredible uh, uh, pub with this terrace, this blue uh, parasols from Delirium uh, that that are very eye catching from uh, from a distance. And uh, and this fantastic restaurant. Uh, so uh, we arrived, and there was already uh, some um, uh, customers there for uh, for their meal, uh, evening meal. And uh, these people stay in the bar and and and, and drink beer. And uh, Chris started to introduce us to uh, some of the customers, and uh, we felt at home already. Okay. So it was a, a, a great experience, and uh, yeah, every day we we think of it. We we had such a great time, and. Uh, such fantastic people, uh, yeah. 
It's a okay. good feeling. So an instant kinship with you guys, and uh, I'm sure there's tons of details we could really get into, and, and I do have questions about that, but I, I gotta, we're going to run short on time. i got to keep moving. I want to know how you guys end up deciding to go into business together, and I will say this, listeners to you, I don't even know. I, I'm asking questions that I don't know the answers to here in terms of what you guys are about to start up. I really don't know what it is. So so for me, this is kind of a world exclusive, really kind of getting it out there. News But You know, there's a simple answer to that. They're very passionate about what they do with their beers, and I'm very passionate about what I do with offering my beers to people, the world's best beers. And forget all the accolades that Stroisa and Ebenezer's has won. At the end of the day, they as well as we are about bringing out quality products to people and showing them one of the better parts of life, which is good beer. And that's what we can offer for them. We have the same, uh, we have the same goals, and it's very, it was very easy for us to strike up uh, a business proposition for us to, to uh, have a journey of us opening up an establishment together. And uh, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be a brew pub, and we offer one. Also, want to offer a new wave of beer cuisine too, from a very famous beer chef by the name of Sean Paxton, who is helping us develop a world class beer menu as well. I'm passionate too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah very passionate. Can I give and you a little I, advice about uh, Sean, getting Sean Paxton in the kitchen there and like letting this stuff all go through? I've known Sean for a while now, done a lot of radio with him, and we've hung out a bit. Don't ask him any fucking questions. Just tell him to shut up and cook, and, I, <laughs> and, and you will get the most amazing food. You've, but, but if you've got to hear the whole history of the world... When you when if you ask a, so tell us about that appetizer, uh, Paxton. Forget it. You better cancel your appointments that evening, because uh, <laughs> he's going to tell you about the how the how Urbane inspired this ingredient and Carlo inspired that ingredient, and before you know it, you're all high and uh, and Just then give, later give him run of the mill of that seller of yours. <laughs> Who Turn has him a, loose and say, "Talk to me when you're done." Who has appointments in the evening? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. You're right, Jake. Like 1849 now? I take it back. <laughs> no, Paxton. I, I love Paxton and his ideas. In fact, that's what... Uh, no uh, soup for you. One year. <laughs> now, I don't, now I don't get to eat for a year. God damn it. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's the gist of it. You know, you've got a great, passionate beer chef, a great, yeah. passionate yeah. brewers, and a great, passionate bar owner who want to open up something very special together. So how are they going to brew beer for you? In you know from Belgium, how does that work? Very, very easy. We're going to fly them out, and they're going to brew it uh, just the way we flew them out for our festival. No kidding. Some people think that's very eccentric, and I guess maybe it is. But I know Urban and Carlo are both crazy enough to do it. Yeah. And you know, uh, you know, the beers that we're going to be producing, it's a nano brewery. It's very limited, and uh, you know, people who are going to want to experience those beers. We're going to have to understand that, you know, hey, we're flying out people from Belgium, including all the ingredients, by the way. Really? With the exception of the water. From Bel- absolutely. That's Story one big so carry-on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that allowed? Yeah. Are they yeah gonna, and we've do also they x-ray the about, grain? 
(laughs) We've also talked about even brewing some Stroisa beers and aging them in even some different type of casts here in America. Okay. And maybe some collaborations as well. So really just, uh, you know, just trying to make it the best of all worlds. Wow. And uh, trying to do, yeah, and uh, trying to kind of create a benchmark, so to speak, if that's what it becomes, you know. But, you know, ultimately we just want to make something nice and fun together for everyone to be able to experience with us. I, I must be the worst interviewer on earth because the only response I have to something like that really it literally is wow what a wow <laughs> like what well, a fantastic it. It, idea it, well, I, I mean, it, that's what it has to be because you know it, it's like uh, you, you know the one thing in the beer world is is when someone creates something new yeah. it's like a uh, it's like a female in heat every dog's there to jump on it yeah, huh JP it. you know what I'm saying <laughs> you know what he's talking about right yeah. there well, JP just well, woke up okay Nah, apparently well, that's not. the whole thing is we need to Sean. Am I being talked to create, again? I'm sorry. <laughs> Sean creates cuisine outside of the box. Stresa brews beers outside of the box. Well, let's create a brew pub, brew rest, beer restaurant that's completely outside of the box. Let's bring it up another notch. Certainly, we're in the golden age of beer right now, uh, and you know what? Well, why not create Rome if we can? Or if not, yeah. let's try our hardest uh, to fail. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what's so fun about this whole project is, is that, you know, to work with both Chris and, you know, Urban and, and to really rethink, you know, food, you know, to go with these beers. Because when I first met Carlo and Urban last year at Zythos, I just was just so enamored by just these amazing beers. Like right now we're drinking the Ardmonk. And I just have to tell you guys, I mean, this beer is just sex in a glass. It is just so sex in a you glass. You finished? No. No. Almost. I'm really close. Okay. I want to know if Chris has ever come across a customer that just wasn't worthy. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they want something, and you've been talking to him, and, and just, he's like, "Nah, I'm not going to give you that." No, I'm not going to give you that. <laughs> you know, That's a good uh, question. It, it, it's very rare that I would meet meet something along those someone along those lines. But just to tell you about Earth Monk, which uh, Sean Paxton would say, I don't mean to cut you guys off, but what you taste in Earth Monk, I don't know if you guys are drinking that right now. Yeah, we but are. it would probably cost you about fifteen to twenty thousand dollars to find a bottle of Bordeaux that would taste like that. And that's oh, the beauty easy. of Stresa. I mean, you're drinking probably the equivalent to a twenty, fifteen thousand dollar bottle of wine when you drink that beer. So what would you pay for that? I mean, it, it's just it, it's it's the best. Priceless. Look, well, what would it cost me to get to Maine? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> or Belgium. Hey, you know. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you, it's, it's just it's an amazing beer, and that's what Stroys is all about. I mean, you, you can't find a wine that's that's as good as, as Earthmont. You try to find a Bordeaux that tastes like that. Uh, you know, you're, you're going to spend tens of thousands of dollars yeah. to acquire that. So, Urban, Carlo, how, how often are you guys going to fly out to Maine to brew beer for this new venture? I mean, um, you're going to have to brew enough to meet demand, I assume. Until Sean and I get the secret code on his uh, uh, cellar. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> that never? Whenever we get the code, Sean and I will steal all the beer and, uh, and, and fuck the project. <laughs> <laughs> fuck the project. Yeah, right there. You heard I, it. I See, I'm with this. See? Now, whereas I would have hung up on Chris like eight times already, Urban, he can stay. Uh, but really uh, i mean chris how often are you going to have to get these guys there to brew well you know you got to figure that every beer is a recipe uh you know the stresa and ebenezer's and sean paxton 
we're some pretty clever little guys. You know, we got a lot of tricks up our sleeves. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we can do a lot with a little bit of time. And, and the one thing that the three of us are doing is, is we're sharing our, our resources. And that's how we're able to make all these things happen. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that you can do, uh, you can, uh, to make a lot of, of beer simultaneously. Um, I, I can't, tell you everything <laughs> well here we that, go with the that secrets we've, that we've talked about yeah there are some secrets uh, still to be you have had. to wait till it's open justin all right. you yeah. might be going to maine before you know but but let, right. let, you know uh, the, the, the only issue that i can tell you is is because it is thrice a beer is we are never going to be able to brew enough and i, I can tell you that i think you're right knowing right now there's people with contracts in hand that want to buy everything that we can already produce, and we're what eight wow. months from even brewing a drop. Really? So that's yeah, it, it's it's to that point. So you know, it's basically just making sure that when we do all of this, that you know everything's quality. You know, you've got a lot of names behind this, and, and it's got to be you know if you guys were to travel out here, it's got to be able to be the wow that that comes out of your mouth, man. If not, no. we're not successful. We haven't done our job it's a place for the beer geeks to come and just be you know uh, enlightened yeah no you're right i'll bash you guys in a second if i go out there and it's crap i'll tell you right now i've done it all this way you're goddamn right you know what where's my butt bike and and you should and we want to hear that though that's the thing you call this a seller (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a better than that in pacheco (laughs) 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 no (laughs) shut down yeah when tommy arthur's taking pictures of my seller no i know it's seller man (laughs) well but but you're right and i'm glad to hear it out of your mouth that i mean you're really kind of saying the same thing that i'm joking with you about that uh it's it's got to live up to expectations otherwise uh, a why do it and b the beer world is uh i don't want to say fickle but we certainly have plenty other places to go don't we so um right you. you know Damn so right you, you, you if you're going to do this you, you are going to have to do it right so i'm glad to hear you got the right mindset i think we got a new mecca yeah, exactly. yeah i really do so it's not only that, but but uh, you know everyone who's involved in this project again the key word is passion, yeah. and that's the whole thing. And if it's not going to wow you, I'll kill myself trying to get it to that point. I guarantee you that I'm going to be in there day in and day out to make this place right. Yeah, you know, and uh, and to make it the ultimate experience. You know, and uh, that's that's what we're shooting. For. At least seven months out of twelve. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. And I'm not on vacation. So uh, that actually brings up a good question, Chris. Is this going to be happening uh, at Ebenezer? Or is it going to be a, a whole different entity somewhere else? Well, Where's it? Gonna, it where are you guys going to actually do this? Well, you know, we're we're looking at uh, we've looked at several locations, um, and you know, whenever you try to deal with these sorts of the sort of business of trying to acquire a place to to build your establishment at you're not you know you can have all the loans ready in the world but the person who's ready to sell his biz, existing business to you has to have all his shit together you know it's a matter of going through all their tax you know all their stuff you know to get the bit to get the bank to say okay we want to give you the mo- the the money to get give this place you know to get this place to be able to um, open up your establishment. You know, there's a lot of you know stuff going on there. So, so a lot of red tape and a lot of loopholes. And then you got to deal is, with. It, it, it's not necessarily you. It's a lot of times it's them, or it's been, that's been right. the case every time we've tried to open a place. Well, so, a lot of, so, of times it's just the local government. <laughs> so well, e- Ebenezer's is still going to survive, and this is going to be a separate entity for you guys. 
It, it absolutely is. This is a, again, it's a, it's a joint effort, and uh, you know, it's just a matter of us finding a place where, you know, we can get in where you know we can find a, at least a place where the owners aren't so goddamn greedy, man. <laughs> yeah, but that's been the fun too. Isn't that the tough part? <laughs> it is giving us more time to refine everything, and it's been a lot of fun to talk to both of these fine gentlemen and actually come up with an idea that I think will really blow a lot of the community out of the water. Now, Pax. Are so you cool. going to des- uh, uh, des- yeah. design the menu and 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 let somebody else do it, or are you flying out uh, once a week to cook all the meals as well? Like I don't understand. Well, Chris, what's your bank account? <laughs> yeah, but you're going to design the menu, aren't you? I'm helping with uh, designing the menu, um, helping with the concept that both Urban and Chris have already started. Okay, and trying to incorporate uh, a California beer esque cuisine that will be something different that I think a lot of people would really like to try and yeah. it's not just something that I write, write about and be advocate but I mean really taking it to the nth degree and doing some really unusual and modern techniques but then also incorporating some beers that you know add a whole nother layer because if you think about a beer as just a beverage I think you're missing the whole point we're looking at beers as an ingredient and you know not just with the slow food movement where that ingredient is cared for and nurtured and everything else but respected and Mm -hmm. then to use that respected beer into a cuisine that can really showcase how beer can really be used because not enough people really cook with beer and that's what we're really going to focus in on okay so the menu's fucking mind blowing, man. I see now. <laughs> Are you looking at it right now, Chris? You got my email. No, I, I've got to tell you. I, I've got to tell you. You know, just I, I don't want to butt in, but I've been, in, you know, in in the beer world for quite a while now, in the upper echelon of it, so to speak. And I've been to a lot of beer dinners, and a lot of them have been nice. But I, I got to tell you, the menu that. Uh, he's shown us so far is just it, it, it's just mind blowing. I mean, it doesn't really. surprise me. <laughs> I mean, no. it, well, it's otherworldly, man. I, I got to tell you, uh, it's just it's what we're going to be offering food wise. If our chefs can produce what Sean's envisionment is, yeah, it's just going to be goddamn amazing. And well, that brings me to my other question because uh, we all we've all had Sean's food and, and it is amazing and. If I the desert. if I were to go well at anywhere I mean I've had at yeah. the at the homebrew conference and uh, now if Doc and I were to go to dinner somewhere I'd pay fifty dollars a plate for your food because because well, Doc would be there and he could afford that I'll to go do sixty that. but uh, <laughs> here's <laughs> so my my point is um, your food's very complex and 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 it it's expensive food so i'm curious about what what is the is it, what's the business plan for this place um uh either sean or or chris are we talking about a, a expensive plates of food not that they're not worth it that's not what i mean i'm just curious about what we're talking about here we're looking at both actually okay. so it's it's it, it's trying to look at beyond just pub food you know i mean yeah how many people out there who are listening right now have have gone to a pub it's the same food, and and I'm not saying that every single pub is exactly the same. But, but ninety nine you know, percent of the time, or it's sure, pizza or it's chili, and it's 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 your maybe standard. a pasta if you're lucky. Oh, oh, that's oh. Like, no, I, I've always noticed. Lucky. I've always noticed it's like, oh, we did this with beer. Yeah, when whenever beer battered French fries or, or whatever, or, or, or beer in the uh, vinaigrette, yes. or something. But when we sit down with Sean, every course. 
is some different yeah. with beer. So what are you going to do? You're going to try to accommodate both, Sean? So we're trying to accommodate both in the sense that a person can come in and spend 20 bucks and get a very nice meal. Or they can spend more and have multiple courses. Okay. Or we could potentially down the road have you know different tasting menus and that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, it all depends on the location, the equipment that we have, and that what we can put forth. But what I do guarantee is is that you know knowing the passion that both Chris and Urban both have, that we really want to create a product that can appease everybody. So, you know, you don't have to, like, walk in with $300 in cash to say, okay, I had a meal. Yeah. Wouldn't hurt. Because, you know, I mean, I've been to the French Laundry, and, you know, it's it's expensive. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but is. the thing is, though, is, is that it's worth every penny because, you know, when you walk out with 14 courses and all the wines to boot, and you're sitting there like, that was beyond anything I could ever expect because yeah. I don't even know how they did it as a chef, how they did that stuff. Have you been to the French Laundry? No. Doc, are you kidding me? <laughs> okay. he, did, he did laundry. Well, one you, time. You're saying, you're, no, you're I've saying, yeah, to, yeah, I'm like you French have. Well, I've been to France and I've done laundry. Uh, no. Oh, no. Uh, Close. But, but no, I know about the French. Uh, listen, I, uh, uh, it, I, I it, know it, connoisseur, but I know of places around. Okay. Now you're saying, yeah, like I. Because uh, I know what he's I talking just, about. Yeah. What, okay. what are, what are I've the just best never places? experienced it personally. Okay. And besides, I'm supposed to agree. It's my job. Because uh, it threw me for it threw me for a minute. It sounded like you were you there. You thought for sure I had been. Hey, yeah. I did. No, you had me believing. <laughs> no, I've not. Uh, I was. I was. Very, it is incredible. I was very close to going once. Uh, once, and um, you know, I got dumped or whatever happened. I'd say you broke up with her before you went. Yeah. <laughs> whatever happened, I don't. I would know. have to say one of the best places in China apparently has been there because we talked about it the other day is Den Diver. So it's a, it's a oh, place it's in Bruges that Sean could probably speak more. About it than I. Could. I mean, they do just some amazing beer cuisine, and I've gotten a lot of inspirations from what they've done. And it's okay. this, this really amazing restaurant in, in Bruges, in Belgium, and you know they they pair, they cook with, and they do some really unique things. And and we're looking at something similar, but yet in a different context because it won't be as French. It, you know, there, there will be some elements of. Belgian cuisine, which I think need to be expressed, like the water zooies and the the rich, you know, carbonades and that kind of thing. But then to to take it beyond just that and and rethink how we think of pub food, yeah. Because you know, I I want it to be approachable from everybody, you know, from every aspect, you know. And it's just like you know, you you know, just came in and you understand, you know, basic things about food and you know what you like and you try it and you walk out the door and like, wow, that was an amazing meal. Yeah. You know, or you're very educated in food and you're very educated in what's current, what's, you know, technique driven and you can walk out and say, wow, that was really amazing. Well, and that's what I want too. I mean, I hope that uh, Chris and I'd be interested if um, uh, Urban and Carlo kind of agree with this. Beer is this interesting beverage now that is so approachable where, you know, it, it, it could either be very simple and you can have a burger and you can have some fries. Or bacon. Or it can be as complicated, or certainly bacon, or it can be as complicated as you want it to be, much more complicated than wine or just as, depends on who you are, um, and, and you could pair other foods with it. So what I, what I like to hear is that you're trying to sort of accomplish both in this restaurant. Chris, if you want to, anybody. Yes, yes, we are. Uh, as Sean said, we're trying to be uh, approachable to anybody. But the the key thing is um, is that that we we with Ebenezer's as it is now, 
uh, we want to be able to where we're at now. We have these locals, but we also have these people that come from out of town in the season. We need to be able to have what we offer available to everyone, and, okay. and that's what Panapot Cafe is going to be this, this this collaboration. But on top of that, uh, with the good beers, is that all comes down to knowledge of the establishment, you know. And like you said, uh, you know, if people come in and have a burger, certainly we want to have a beer that's going to be able to be paired with that. Of course, if they're having great cuisine. We want to have a beer that's paired with that too. But that really comes down to individual knowledge and knowledge by the staff, and we need to be able to steer people into that direction. Yeah. Um, and 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 it's it's crucial because so many places, you know, f up. You know these beer dinners and, and these these beer pairings, and it, it's just it's unbelievable. Some I of agree the with you. Doing with it, yeah. And that's why I'm smart. Enough, well, I I think I'm smart. Hey, enough, you I say it. Say, you, I hope so. To grab Sean Paxton and say, you know, I'm tired of making a, a venison dinner and just adding delirium nocturnum to a mushroom sauce and putting it. I want to talk to somebody who really knows the ins and outs of it, yeah. who spends their off time as their hobby putting these this, this cuisine together, and that's that's what Sean Sean does. Yeah, and, no, it really uh, is what he does. Yeah, I admit it, it is. I'm a geek. <laughs> you are. Hey, <laughs> I would not. Go so much better. I know, Paxton. I will not sugarcoat it. You are a food and beer geek, and that is what we love about you. And, and or is that slut? It shows both, and it's it shows double up, entendre But it geek. shows up in your beer and your food, and uh, you know, I, this is exciting to me. I think this is is. It. And most importantly, his personality, which is, you know, he portrays this like to everyone else. You know, it's just yeah. Like, this is my passion. This is what it is. Oh, there's no hiding it. Uh, hiding. <laughs> Yeah, he Pax- tried one time, six but it was five. Like, I yes. can't hide it. I'm sorry. Uh, Paxton hiding this from people is like uh, Roger trying to keep his ass in his pants. It's uh, it just doesn't happen. Oh, Paxton, 2008 I, I New Year. Come on, you know, I haven't been on the show in 2008. You know, it's like I see. Just imagine being able to have a business lunch where you can go and have a Sean Paxton dinner, yeah. or a burger rather, and have a nice Stroisa Strusalinas or a nice refreshing Stroisa wit beer yeah. uh, brewed right there on premises for lunch. You can have your business meeting there, or yeah. you can have a nice dinner. You can take your wife out and have, you know, Stroisa duck out of stress and you Good can Lord. have a delicious so, earth so when in the Bay Area is this going to happen I know yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I can guarantee you this my dear friend in the next 10 years it's going to happen because I'm go. from the Bay Area I got a house over there man oh so, he's got to branch uh, out uh, nice yeah, that, that could be happening coming come well, back to the neighborhood now that he's described yeah. sort of the business meetings and explained the new place and it's all going to be right there plus that he has a house in the Bay Area it's official ladies and gentlemen uh, Chris Lively is my enemy it's official. <laughs> I, uh, and now we're officially going I'm, uh, through a tunnel. I'm happy to have him on the program, but we are now officially rivals. And uh, <laughs> now you have uh, you, a charmed life, my friend. And this sounds like a fantastic venture with uh, three of the most interesting people I've talked to in 2008, right. at the very least, uh, between Sean and got... Urban and Carlo. He's got all this, and I bet his wife's hot too. <laughs> Damn it, that would be it. <laughs> I, don't even answer that I, question, Chris. Wife. I don't want to yeah, know. Yeah. Well, he is in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> That's right. Or she's the one that dragged him out of there. <laughs> hey, she's from L.A., man. I, I lucked out, i got to tell you. Yeah, she's got it on the ground floor. <laughs> that's right, right, that's right. Carlo, Urban, are you with us, or have you gone to sleep? Yes, we're still here. We're still here. It was a very interesting uh, uh, show, and uh, we're very happy uh, uh, to have been in it, uh, actually. Okay. 
If I can keep you for just a couple minutes, I have some questions for my listeners. You guys ready for that? Yes, sure. All right, very good. Um, Yeah, they've been kind of sending them in. And by the way, if anybody wants to chime in here at the end, 888-401-BEER or join JP in the chat room there. Um, Here's a good question that came through. Do you guys, uh, some of our American listeners want to know if you like American IPAs or American-style beers in general? Yeah, we're crazy about it, especially urban. Yeah, urban, go, uh, go ahead. I'm absolutely crazy about IPAs. Is that I, right? I, uh, I didn't have the chance to thank Roger, who's on the board there too for the moment. Uh, about three weeks ago, he came in this German van uh, with about, I think, 30 to 40 genuine, uh, magnificent American beers. Did you really, Roger? And yeah, he did. Wow, that's a lot of beer and, uh, you brought with you. And, uh, and and I think we had a lot of beers together with a lot of people that visited us uh, that weekend. And I, I still I still remember how Roger got out of the farm. And uh, he had this big uh, German van. And uh, uh, <laughs> uh, he, had, he had that nice... Uh, that nice lady uh, who was Bob. So Bob at our place doesn't drink any alcohol. So he ha- he got his ass covered. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he got he got to drink. He, could, he uh. could drink all he wanted, and uh, and he had somebody he would who drive. Uh, Round of drive. applause for Roger. Yeah. Good work. No, I got. Bring all the beer and the driver too. And the driver. Herbs, I gotta tell you, man, that was probably the best, uh, the highlight I've had uh, for that whole trip, uh, probably in the last year and a half of my actual life too. You know, I'm just hanging out with you and having some of those beers, and you know, you we get in there, and you're like, uh, well, you're a little behind, but and we just came from West Fullerton, by the way. You're, <laughs> you're a little behind, but uh, here, have some twenty year old lambic. Here, have some five-year-old Lambic. Oh, man. Like, um, okay. Heaven. <laughs> Justin, put your tongue <laughs> but, back uh, in your mouth. The reason that uh, my friend wasn't drinking is because she was actually pregnant, and I don't know if I'm allowed to say that out loud. Who are we talking about here? Well, I'm not allowed to say that out loud, so. it is. In the, is it the friend that we know? She's not allowed. She's not are you allowed, allowed a, to say? Friend that we know. Are you uh, having a? Are you and Claudia having a baby, Roger? No, Claudia was not having. Oh, okay. Because this <laughs> is what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if this friend is your wife. No, but no, no. this is a, okay. That's, but uh, then I, I don't want to. I have to say, Herbs, uh, you sending us out with that case of uh, Graham Reserva. Like uh, I said before, and I don't know if it made sense, oh, but uh, those are the best you. roadies we ever had. Wow. And we were just sitting in the back of that German van, just like... <laughs> <laughs> Drinking. <laughs> oh, I got to go on vacation with Roger. This is great. So uh, you do... You wouldn't survive. <laughs> I probably wouldn't. So you do really enjoy IPAs, Urban. This is something that you uh, kind of love. Yeah, well, me too, actually. And you too, Carl. Okay. Yeah, sure. It's all they drank when they were over here at Ebenezer's, man. They were, like, drinking me out of IPAs. As a matter of fact, we all the locals gathered up every IPA we could get. <laughs> That's all they wanted to drink. Wow. That's an well, honest because, answer from them. Uh, be, because of its uh, re- refreshing side, you know, we're interested in uh, in all kind of the hops. And uh, I think the Americans uh, have to have this, this wide range of... Uh, of of all very very interesting hops like Amarillo's and uh, Simcoe and 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 whatever uh, hops that are not that common in Europe. 
so we're very much interested in, in, in how these uh, hop aromas evolves and uh, uh, some are very aromatic, the others are, are much uh, more in, in, uh, in bitterness. But uh, yeah, it's a very interesting uh, issue where we, we want to learn uh, and you can only learn of it by drinking it and appreciating it. So uh, we have a lot of respect for American beers, good crafted American uh, products uh, like uh, MP Stouts or, 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 or IPAs or, or whatever American beer. If it's good uh, crafted, it's, it's, it's fantastic. We, we, we learned a lot of, of, of these beers. Okay. Or the Tommy, Russian River, uh, where we have uh, Alagash, Bells, you know, great breweries with, with outstanding... Uh, quality beers that sometimes we 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 look at each other we said yeah this is this is it we 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 have to do something with with this information that we get in these in these bottles in these glasses it's just shouting for 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 trying and experimenting uh, with with these styles i can only imagine what what you're going to do and that's what we try to do yeah that's that's what it's all about for us i can only imagine you guys coming over here and tasting all these things that you maybe read about but now you're tasting them and you're going to take them back there and experiment with go crazy yeah you know one of the amazing things when i was over there was the uh the cantillon brewing day we went in and you know we had a tour with this this guy who actually wasn't i I don't think he was belgian he must have been uh jean what's his name jean va uh-huh uh maybe his brother but uh you know he gave us this tour and, and just gave us this tour that like he looked down on every other beer that was ever made. <laughs> really? If it wasn't Cantillon, then it was like, why did it exist? Really? You know, type <laughs> thing, you know? It's it like, we took it with a grain of salt. It was just like, you know, whatever. You know, this guy loves his beer. Sure. And he loves Cantillon. So Give him like, that, yeah. And then uh, we did the Bruin Day, and then we went to um, Trey Fontaine for lunch uh-huh. and met Armand, who is the brewer there, and he was just like loving everything. He's just like, if you guys make a beer... Give it to me, or bring it to me, or I will try it. You know, and I will, I will give you my honest opinion. But I will, you know, at least I'll try it. Yeah, you know, and I'll give you an opinion the whole nine yards. And these guys were the same way. You know, the, the, it's so awesome just sitting down for like I don't know uh, what were we there for like six hours. It's a long time. It was a long time. It was. Good Long Lord. time with Roger, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. What do you? What do you? <laughs> the look of death. What right do you mean? No, we were actually there for six hours too. Yeah, we were. We, I mean, we were at the hours. farm for like five, six hours, and uh, you know, just hanging out and drinking beers and great discussion. It just, yeah, it was just. All right, I got to get more through more listener questions. I got to do this to these guys so I can let them go and make sure the listeners are happy. Um, here's a question. I guess this listener heard Don't that Belgian me. brewers use. Olive oil as a yeast additive, and this person <laughs> wants to know if that is a true rumor. True rumor. Let's, let's say that we are experimenting with it. You are. We don't. Uh, we don't use it yet in our uh, commercial brews. Okay. But uh, uh, let's say that there are some, let's say, commercial brewers in the world who already uh, do use that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want to give any names uh, because uh, a lot of people think uh, when olive oil is used in beer, it will damage the the head uh, formation of the beer. But yeah, uh, that's that. not that's not correct. 
because uh, actually the use of oli olive oil uh, is is so minimal uh, and it's uh, not used in the beer direct directly it's more uh, a usage of uh, a certain amount uh, in 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 the uh, the yeast propagation tank before uh, the yeast is pitched to the beer. Is this the and, deal uh, where it's used in place of oxygen? Absolutely. It is. Okay, so absolutely. that's the attitude. But uh, uh, let's say that uh, uh, at, at uh, the level uh, that we are with our experimenting, uh, it's, it, it is not perfect yet. Uh, I think we have about uh, an, an, a 90% result. Uh -huh. And uh, I think in about another year of experimenting, uh, we uh, should be able to say that with the use of oil, olive oil, we could totally ban the oxygenation of uh, beer prior to uh, uh, the first fermentation. No shit. Uh, I, 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 think, I think we can, we can get that result in about a year. Yes. So well, I, I don't understand the theory behind that. Well, what's, what's the problem with O2 for the yeast? Well, it's it's not about a problem. Uh, let's say that O2 would uh, also, uh, let's say, diminish uh, shelf life, uh, even if it's O2. That's one. Even even pre-fermentation. Uh, two. If uh, I, I don't know what's the price of O2 in America, but here in Europe, it's uh, it's 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 costly. So uh, if if we can, uh, let's say. Uh, change or 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 not uh, O2 the beer uh, with about uh, when when we do a 30 hectoliter um, beer we we need about uh, 20,000 liters of O2 in in in, in uh, let's say in in aeration volume and uh, when we can uh, let's say not use that and just uh, uh, get past of that problem with the drop of olive oil and some other, uh, uh, let's say, magic touches uh, we still have to work on. This would be great, yeah. Well, I, I've never heard of this. This is uh See, uh, this is interesting to me because I have heard of it. Uh, a lot of you know, homebrewers are always keying in on this stuff and then asking questions about who, who has done it. And I've never heard somebody come on and say, yes, and yes, it's totally working, and we're probably going to be doing this in the very near future. I've, well, that I've not heard. This is the first time I've heard somebody say that. I guess, I guess my question is, what is the difference between putting an oil in and putting O2 in? Well, let's say that uh, you have your uh, uh, wort aeration. Everybody does. Yeah. Uh, let's say that uh, uh, we at Stresa, uh have a... Uh, definitely a very good uh, experiment that uh, in the last couple of uh, three years we didn't use any oxygen anymore uh, that's already one secret that we can give away Okay. Uh, but uh, when it comes to olive oil, uh, there we have to be a little bit more uh, let's say uh, we, we, we cannot say today that we, we just use it uh, up to a 100% result Okay. Uh, we did not uh, invent it either. Uh, somebody else did. Yeah. Uh, let's say that there are a lot of colleagues out there which are uh, experimenting, and uh, and they share uh, information with us. And uh, whenever 
we have a uh, breaking, uh, uh, let's say, a breaking result in 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 the in the research we do. We share it with uh, uh, those colleagues too. So uh, uh, let's say that uh, whenever we are experimenting with uh, uh, an A factor or a B factor experiment, uh, we always share with the people who share with us. That's great, uh, as you as you should as well, brewers. I not, uh, now I want to try it, but uh, you know no, how, yeah. how much do I use per per hectoliter? I will send you, send me an email. I will send you one too. Okay, I will. Uh, <laughs> well, I have to. We'll, we'll talk. If the, I uh, can intrude, just to, if I can pry a little bit more, this is something that my home brewing listeners are very interested in, also. So, let's say that your the batches that you're doing on your farm, which is where you're experimenting, they're I think they're about the size of Doctor Scott's. Which is about twenty like gallons. A nano, nano, uh, nano brewery. Nano brewery. About twenty gallons. So we can let our home brewers go ahead and pare it down themselves and figure out the amount. But on these small batches you're doing on the farm, how much olive oil are we talking here? If we could get an idea, just so that our our listeners could experiment as well. Well, let's say, Justin, I would I would prefer uh, at this stage uh, not to. Not to give uh, quantities uh, away like that okay. uh, in a firing in a firing mode. Okay. How about uh, a starting I would, point? I, I would prefer. I would prefer you send me an email. Uh, I can give you some clear information, and then you, from your side, you give it to your listeners, uh, and and this would be, uh, let's say, a more honest and uh, a more. Uh, um, mathematical approach yeah. because uh, when you give it like that in a conversation people could uh, actually misunderstand and and use use it wrongly okay. and then uh, say uh, afterwards uh, or complain afterwards Justin you just ruined my beer with your fucking olive oil <laughs> yeah you know what I couldn't have asked for a better answer I, I can do that I'll send you an email and they're gonna say it anyway that Justin ruined their fucking beer yeah I ruined their beer anyway uh, but but you're right this at least pads the uh, answer a little bit no that's well, that is fair enough I'll, I'll send you an email and maybe just we can get some starting points from you don't mean to really dwell on this that much I guess my question question originally to you, Urban, was um, I, d- I don't understand the science behind it. I mean, how is the oil, uh, olive oil like doing what how the does O2... How replace, yeah. yeah. how does it replace the O2? The molecules, what's going on? Exactly. Well, let, let's, let's say it's all about chemics, and, uh, and every brewer should be a very good chemist. So, if you don't understand the uh, uh, exact, uh, let's say... Uh, Science. I don't understand the whole composite of it all. Science uh, with it. I think. I think you you should uh, uh, read uh, some lit- literature about uh, uh, chemistry because it is important. Whenever you brew, you 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 understand the basics of chemistry. I think also it's a. I have read a little bit about it, and I, everybody here and my listeners know I am no fucking chemist, but I have read a little bit no, about any it. Any stretch of the word. But it, essentially, it is uh, whatever attaches to the yeast that is the O2 chemical, the same the thing, compound. the compound, the same compound attaches there in its place from the olive oil. And whatever that is, I don't know what it is, but, but you know... Olive oil it, put in the But boil? essentially, no, it's not, it's, it's, uh, I think it's, it's added afterward. But there's, there are, there, uh, Urban's right, there is a, 
a small amount of literature out there. But it's essentially, you know, and, and Doc could, could, could say this better than me, but essentially in chemistry, uh, very often only one thing can attach to each part of said molecule or said the cell. Bind, binding uh, site. And at, at this particular site that the O2 attaches to, for some, whatever compound it is in the olive oil, and I don't know what it is, attaches to that exact site as well. And there is a, a very little literature out there, but there there is some to read about it. And it, it's uh, the other part of it is Roger. You are, are in no way the only person to, that this is totally new to. It's a very very new uh, thing that the brewers have just started talking about. And and you know what? It's been controversial all the way through. But who figured this out? I mean, who, I who decided to like throw some oil, that olive oil, in to see if like <laughs> could it been a it was, it was probably a we, chemist yeah, of some sort. I but, don't you know, know it's but like, you know why? what? It's, it's been brought to you. Here on the BN. I'll tell you A year from now, I guarantee you, will be, and, and certainly now after hearing Urbane kind of say he thinks they'll kind of have it hammered out, we'll be doing an entire show on this because right now I've heard just people arguing about it for the last well, yeah, year. Yeah, but uh, Urbane was saying that it's actually cheaper for him to use olive oil. Yeah. You know, look at America. I mean, O2 is actually cheaper than <laughs> olive oil. You know, it's like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, let me move on because uh, only because we have more, and we've now tapped into possibly one of the most fascinating topics of the show, and and we got ever keep going <laughs> ever. ever. <laughs> All right, guys, but I do have more questions about your beers from our listeners, um, and one of them is about yeast. Now, you talked about every one of your beers um, starting out their primary fermentation with open fermentation, but. People want to know if you have a house yeast that you use in every beer also. is there? Do you inoculate your beers with a certain yeast, every single one? Let's, let's say that we have, uh, uh, in fact, a house yeast, but uh, uh, let's say we have to regenerate it uh, from time to time. And uh, we won't uh, be very secretive about that either. Whenever we ge- regenerate, we uh, we would use uh, uh, the package yeast of Le Safre to, to regenerate it because we don't have a million dollar lab. Okay. Yeah. So uh, uh, we have, let's say that uh, for uh, uh, the uh, we have about uh, four different yeast pots. Uh, one we we like to use in the blondes. One we are, like to use in the amber ales we make. Uh, then for the quadruples and the strong ales we make, uh, we have this pot, which evolves. That's a fact. But uh, you know what happens with yeast? If you cannot wash it thoroughly, uh, if you don't have uh, the necessary lab equipment, uh, professional lab equipment, which costs a lot of money, uh, then you're, uh, you're uh, fighting with a lot of risks. And uh, we cannot risk uh, that uh, our beer gets infected due to maltreated uh, yeast we have. Mm. So we, we, we always take uh, big care uh, not to do so. That's one fact. And, uh, and, and where we have to regenerate, uh, we use uh, uh, the Fermentis uh, yeast, or, uh, uh, which was DCL at the time, or uh, Le Safre. And... Uh, and, and 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 like that we can we can always uh let's say get this this the same flavors and tastes we we need in our beers because this is a uh, uh let's say the basic strain okay 
I think that answers exactly what they wanted to know, yep. if you had kind of a basic one. Okay, and a last, uh, well, let me go, two more questions from listeners. Um, one of them is, do you, do you have date codes on your bottles that you know about? And I think we're talking about the ones distributed here. Hope they know about it. Uh, yes, we have date codes. Okay, so someone uh, wanted you to explain how those date codes work, so that they know what they're reading. Well, it's 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 kind of late, but uh, what I remember uh, from it uh, that is at a certain stage, uh, you would find um, you would find uh, the, the lot on it A B C D, uh, which would tell tell us uh, what uh, batch it's it's it really is the batch of the year. Then we would have a uh, uh, the month when it was bottled, and uh, and at last you would see an, a double A, a double B, a double C, and a double D, and uh, this would be uh, bottled in uh, let's say two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine, ten, or eleven. That's all. So uh, this okay. is for the American uh, labels, right? Right. So that's a so, that's uh, a born on date. Uh, that's that's uh, the 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 bottling date. Yes. <clears throat> See, I'll tell you. I know why they're asking right now. See, Sean, you're you're pointing to a diff- you're pointing to a batch number, maybe. But yeah, there is this other number on the side of this bottle that even now, after listening to your description, I'm looking at this number, and it goes something like this: A yeah. B C D E. And then there's this, yep. a line, and then there's an 01 line, 02 line, 03 line, 04. And it goes all the way through. It just keeps its number after number. Those are the months. Those are the months uh, when it was uh, bottled, the, the month of the year. And then, uh, and then uh, on the end of the, the code, you will see something like double uh, A, double B, double yeah. C. Uh, this is the year of bottling. Do you have that on your bottle? Yeah, I've got the, I've got things notched at the at the very side of the label. Ah. It says lot yeah. E, this, then it's notched again at, and, at five, uh, and then okay. notched again at BB. How do you guys go about that? Just uh, just a saw, dun, dun. So, <laughs> hitting uh, the certain notches on uh, all the labels. That giant dog they have does it. We uh, we uh, oh. let's we'll say that, that. Uh, all the labels the labels are packed. Uh, Per thousand pieces, and then we have this uh, little machine, which actually notches the the whole package of thousand labels in line uh, in line with the at, bottling at the specific at this at the specific no before we bottle we uh, we uh, at a certain date when we bottle the beer we have to set the machine to the uh, let's say the batch the month and the year we bottle it and uh, and it. It, it sort of cuts in the notches uh, through through thousand labels at a time. Uh, I and see then, what you guys uh, are saying gets, now. Uh, we put it onto the labeling machine, and then the the label is provided uh, on every bottle. Uh, the, I, it, like this light bulb just went off in my brain because there are. And all I these thought I saw that light bulb. I smelled something over well, there. Well, <laughs> because I'm trying to figure out. I'm going, what the fuck? There's a hundred numbers on this thing, but now I see the notches you're talking about. So this particular bottle I'm holding, it's notched at A. And then it's notched at 04, and then it's notched at 09. And, that's and what, what brand is it? This is the Witte. The Witte? Yeah. Yes. So, and uh, and what is it, a double A? It's a single A. It's just a single A, actually. 
Yes, yes, but at the end, is it the double A? No, this one doesn't have any. It ends, the last thing in the whole code is at number 10. This is one that I brought back. I didn't buy this in the States. Oh, it's not an American bottle? No. Oh, so now I'm fucking oh, the poor guy yeah, up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The Europe. Okay. But you can buy this Let me switch over beer. to Docs here. Docs, okay, here we go. Let me give you a better example. Here's an American one. So it's uh, this the one. Panapot. It's notched at E, so it's lot E. And then this, it's... This means it's the fifth batch. Fifth batch, okay. And then the next one is five. That's uh, bottled in May. All right. And then it's a BB. BB uh, in BB B- is, uh, Belgium. <laughs> yeah. born, born in Belgium. Yeah. Uh, BB, is, uh, BB is 2006. It's 2006. Okay. How you came up with that? I'm not going to. See, now it makes so much. I am looking at this other bottle going, I don't want to tell Urban he's fucking nuts, but I don't see any of those numbers on here. But it's because I was looking at a Belgian bottle. So now it makes sense. Well, the, the, let's say that the European bottles require another, another code. Ah, okay. There you have to, uh, there it's, it's, uh, there's an obligation for us to put on the label uh, until when you can keep this bottle uh, for consumption. Okay. So, so the expiration date, pretty much. Uh, a sort of best before, yes. Yeah. Okay. A best before date. It's can you have like best in, after date? Can, can you have infinity <laughs> on there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Uh, good before you're uh, able to stop tasting good beer. Yeah. Now, yeah. herbs, can you talk to us a little bit about the Ardmonk? The Ardmonk. Is that the beer we brew? Oh, no, that's the archaic, but we'll talk about that in just a second. <laughs> as as yes, other people fill uh, up their glass. Yeah, everyone's just... Uh, Earthmonk, Earth is that a beer Strice of Brews do? <laughs> Pull it together, man. It's <laughs> uh, probably one of the best. Uh, well, let's say that Earthmonk Earth is, is quite a, a special beer. Uh, in fact, it's a blend. Uh, a lot of people talk about it, uh, saying it's an original brew, and uh, in fact, yes, but it's a blend. It's a blend between uh, two same recipes. Uh, we would have a young beer, which would be brewed about, uh, let's say, 12 weeks ago, and uh, we would blend it for 70% uh, with uh, the same recipe that was uh, brewed about... Uh, uh, two years ago, and uh, which would have at least an uh, an uh, oak aging of eighteen months, and uh, that old beer would uh, be uh, in the, in the blending bill uh, would have a uh, percentage of thirty percent. Very nice. It's a fantastic beer. Can you? Uh, it is probably uh, between that and the aged uh, Panapot. But two of the most amazing beers I've had in so long. That that, that is just something else. Uh, can so you can you actually uh, explain Dirty Horse to us? <laughs> dirty Horse. I got my bottle of Dirty Horse yes. tonight. I uh, I brought the bottle tonight. Uh, it was. Uh, we were not going to drink it tonight, but I have the bottle of Dirty Horse. Urban, I should tell no, you that. Why did you bring it? Did you already open it? Oh no! No, yeah, no, no. we're going to open that later. Oh. I'm not tonight, but at a at a different engagement. You brought it, and we're not going to open thought, it? I well, said, I brought what? it. I brought it because uh, I brought it from oh, Belgium, it. and I then see. I gave it to Sean. And 
We met for lunch the I other think, day, and he gave I, me the I pen. I think pot. this is a special occasion, and you should open it. I think Urban is right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think he might be right, but I think he might be wrong, too. <laughs> Our I palates also, are starting uh, to become very... It's, it's Sean's bottle, so... Oh. Well, first let's talk about the archaic. <laughs> let's just, no, let's hey, not talk about that. Hey, let's talk about that yeah. one. Hey, Captain, change the subject. I just want to... Uh, hey, look over here. Yeah. <laughs> now, Urban, look, there's a white elephant in the room. <laughs> also, before you answer any more beer questions, I want to point out to you that Roger is going to be opening his own place. Uh, whether sooner or later, we don't know. And this man could be stealing every idea you give out. We don't know. Dirty horse? I wouldn't trust him. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> they say that uh, dirt, dirty horse to make uh, a beer like dirty horse, uh, you would need a lot of time and a lot of patience. So uh, uh, when you open a place, normally you have to start with uh, some beers you can sell off uh, immediately. Mm-hmm. Some good, nice beers. Uh, with a very good grist bill and a very good multi backbone and uh, and a good identity, but uh, beers that uh, you can sell uh, on short uh, notice. Uh, when you talk about Dirty Horse, uh, it's a it's a beer who has been uh, ripening or maturing for uh, uh, four to five years in in in, in oak uh, uh, wow. barrels. Wow! So uh, this oh. is not very commercial, guys. Uh, it's actually probably the rarest beer in the world right now. But, are these uh, guys the most patient people on the planet? Yes, they what? are. It's crazy. I mean, four to five years. No kidding. And they get like to experiment Love. for a while before you know yeah. they get out there with it. Yeah. But this should inspire like all the home brewers out there because this is where I think I think more professional brewers too. You know, it's like let's big time. Let's this, I mean, slow this world down a little bit. I mean, know? I've talked a lot about brewing for flavor, not, not necessarily to style, and this is one of the questions that we never really got into. But you look at, like, the Panapot, you know, like, herbs. How would you, like, stylistically put that beer into a style? Like, what is that style? Well, I, I don't like to talk about styles because... Uh, Let's say that at Streuse we don't we don't brew uh, and and put beers into styles or, or put them in a, in a certain classification of styles. Uh, it's it, we 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 brew for the flavors and the aromas and uh, and then somebody else uh, drops them into a, a style box and then we say oh uh, is it that is that the style okay yes okay we can live with it. Some sometimes we don't accept, uh, you know. It's always the uh, the 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 very special uh, and very ex- experimented beer geeks that uh, will say that uh, this beer or that beer would be that style. But uh, I'm I'm not always convinced. Well, you're Belgian too, so you got that. Sorry, can, you can do that. Can I say? Yeah. Can I say something? Sure. So please. About st- about styles. Um, we we haven't mentioned the Black Albert. Uh, no, we should. Which is, we've which we've been our, trying uh, to. Uh, which is our um, our stout that we uh, actually produced or, or, or created for our uh, um, 
stay in, in Maine uh, at uh, Chris Lively's place. So he was flying us out, and um, yeah, Urban gave, gave me a call, and he said, Carlo, uh, this guy is flu- flying us out uh, to, to the States. So uh, we, have to, we, we have to do something back. And uh, he said, well, um, I was thinking about uh, creating a beer for that event. And uh, I said, yeah, well, what kind of beer would you, would you like to make? And he said, uh, and this is why we said, okay, the style, uh, fuck the style. Um, (laughs) He said, said, uh, let's make an imperial, Russian imperial stout. I said, Russian imperial stout, how are we going to do that? We're in Belgium, we work in (laughs) Belgium ingredients, so let's call it the Belgian royal stout. And then he said, how are you going to call it then? Well, Black Albert, because stout is black and our king is... It's royal stout, so our king is uh, Albert. So uh, that's that's kind of uh, you know a little uh, a head spin that we had, and uh, we, we we went for it. So this this uh, Black Albert uh, beer was specially created for our uh, uh, dear Chris Lively uh, for his Belgian uh, week, and um, we we needed some kind of um, a slogan to to go with it. And uh, I know this, this uh, tattoo artist that's uh, living in my uh, uh, village. Uh, he's, he's probably the best in Belgium and, and, and uh, very well known in the, all over Europe. Uh, his name is uh, Vincent Hockett. And uh, his, uh, his shop is a beautiful freak. So he, he, he works with Japanese artists and, uh, and, and won prizes in, uh, in Switzerland and France. And uh, he was willing to create this uh, this amazing uh, label for Black Albert, which is a, uh, a torso uh, from a Maori uh, Maori um, yeah, design, and uh, it worked so well on on on, on the bottle. And um, yeah, we're very very happy. He wanted uh, to participate uh, for the artwork. So uh, yeah, but the Black Albert is probably the only Belgian royal stout in the world now. Amongst all these others, Russian imperial stout even created in the, in America. So, American brewers make Russian imperial stouts. Yeah, why is that? Good uh, question. You know, yeah. Uh, well, because that's why we couldn't we, we could we can, live with that. We <laughs> and we said, come on, it's made by Belgian brewers. Belgian ingredients, a hundred percent, and let's call it Belgian uh, royal stout. Point. Period. See, I, there is another show you could uh, search in our in our archives. If you were to search uh, Brian Hunt or uh, Moonlight Brewery, yeah, you would get much the, the same files. opinion yeah. uh, 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 that, and not just the opinion, but even the logic that are uh, that Urban just said. Well, if it if it if I make it here in Santa Rosa. Why would I call it a Russian imperial stout? I just made it in Santa Rosa, and uh, and he made a good point, and he made a lot of good points, and it was a, it was a bit controversial show, but it was also very interesting. Great show. And actually, after the fact, uh, people were very upset about the idea at first, and about within about two weeks, everybody wrote me and said, you know, I have to apologize for being such an asshole during the show. I think Brian made some really good points, and because uh, Brian's Brian is the man over here, in yeah. my opinion, about oh, totally. like. Belgian style of beers, yeah. 
not Belgian style beers, so to speak, but he wouldn't American say that. Style, yeah. yeah, cutting no, edge stuff. Cutting edge, like you know, he doesn't care about styles. Yeah. He's just like I but just made this beer because I wanted to make it exactly. You well, know, it's understanding the ingredients. I mean, that's what I hear a lot of. What you know, that's what a brewer needs to do, and that's what a chef needs to do. Exactly, you know? like, and there's a lot of parallels. That. Well, they're also important. I th- even earlier in this interview, Urban said that uh, the base beers for a lot of these beers are very sort of. Uh, um, standard and and classic beers. You have to have this great classic beer, and then you can do something with it after the fact. So, I think that styles have. I, I think that anybody says that styles are irrelevant doesn't pay attention to the fact that there's a reason that styles exist. But I think he makes a fantastic point when he says, "I'm not making a Russian imperial stout. I'm making no. it in Belgium with Belgium Belgian but, ingredients." I mean, as an American brewer and used to be an american brewer i mean we we're in style guidelines with the gabf you know this is like this is our goal is to win a medal at the gabf it's like yeah you know we're all running yeah, towards that golden. podium we're all running but towards the will, podium and we always we get shut a, down go ahead Urban. Yes. we will i think uh, sorry to interrupt but i think we will never uh win a medal because we never respect the styles Exactly what I'm saying, Urban. Uh, uh, if, if, if you look to the guidelines, if you look to the guidelines of the styles, you you would see that it has to be uh, within certain limits of uh, uh, or original and final gravity. It has to be within the limits of the color. It has to be uh, within certain limits of uh, uh, the bitterness yeah, and and all that stuff. If 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 I give you all the sheets of our beers. There isn't any beer that fits in a style because it always goes beyond that. We 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 don't want to fit in into into the the the, the little boxes other people design for us. Mm. We uh, uh, I don't think a, a real original and and creative uh, chef uh, will let himself put him in a box and say now you will de- do this that way. You know, if he wants to be it's, creative. It's it, he will do it. He will cook his way, and 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 come out with a very creative and original dish, and and people will like it. And then you will start. Some people will start a discussion. Oh, and this is like that, or uh, or no, th- this could be that kind of plate. And you will have all the discussion. And then the chef would laugh behind the his stove and say. I've got you all because uh, it's something, <laughs> and it's something that doesn't fit in that box. Yeah, and, and that that is that is how uh, Sean Paxson is doing his cooking, and that is how we are doing our our brewing. Uh, we we try to be original and creative. That's all. Yeah, and and the guy that that found out the styles and all the. The, the famous beer connoisseurs that uh, like to put it into those styles, I say hell, uh, they can continue on doing so, but uh, most of the time they are not right. Well, yeah. you know, right now we're actually it, tasting the archaic beer. What's this wee uh, stuff? I I have <laughs> a little a little remark on the on styles again on styles and 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 food. Uh, you know what the biggest frustration for us Belgian is actually worldwide. Then uh, that is that uh, the 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 fries are called French fries. It is 
it is a Belgian invention. It is our pride. <laughs> yeah. you know? And on, on every on on, on yeah, every little uh, uh, spot in Belgium, there there is a friterie. Yeah. Uh, we, we, this is uh, this is the most Belgian the food treasure. imaginable. Uh-huh. And in the whole world, people are calling it French fries. Oh, it is it is the most Damn terrible thing French. for us yeah. Belgians to, to, poor to hear. You know? Poor Urban can't again, sleep at night. This is again styles, and we hate it. Period. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great example, I guess. It is. And 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 maybe you're right. That's a good comparison to putting things into styles. Well, right now we're actually drinking the uh, the beer that, just in case any listeners are out there are looking for a recipe from Destruce, like traditionally done on the show yeah so we already have one posted actually on homebrewchef.com so this okay. is the uh Destruce paxton uh ardbunk or not ardbunk, i'm sorry uh archaic beer and uh, we're drinking it right now and, and the whole recipe's on homebrewchef.com it is on my website yes okay so this beer is unbelievable we're drinking it out of a keg it is on the urinal. It's on the it's studio on the urinal. urinal. Yes, and uh, we have a tap that's been converted into it. Like we have from a, a urinal, urinal that's, that's been, been converted, converted to a tap. tap. Yeah, <laughs> we have a tap that's been converted to a, converted to a urinal. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's very Tupperware important. down below. I might have. That has to catch it. Sick. We are sick. You're absolutely yes. right. It's kind of a little joke of ours. We invite prestigious guests into the studio to bring like amazing beer, and then we make them tap it on our urinal, <laughs> which uh, we get a kick out of. They they never do. So glad you didn't ask me to bring beer. <laughs> yeah, Roger. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm not prestigious. Well, this is an amazing do you ever beer. Post pictures on the website. We do, although uh, it, it's been a little while, but. I'll tell you what. I'll send you guys a. I'll send you a private picture of. Uh, yeah. of I can send him a uh, picture right now. That's nice. Yeah. yeah. You have. A, you can send him a picture right now, couldn't you? Roger's going to send you. He could do it with his phone or something like that. He'll send you a picture of it. Uh, but this is a great beer. You can you can find this recipe on homebrewchef.com. I have to. This is probably the hardest interview I've ever wrapped up. But I have to wrap this up. Because is it that late? Well, no, I just know how these things go, and uh, it's eight thirty now. We'll be here till nine. It's eight thirty now. It's it's uh, what is it? Four a.m. for these fellas in Belgium. I have Chris. The hang- sun is not Chris up. is. Listen to how patient Chris is. He's just hanging out. He's either drunk and passed out, or the most patient person on earth. We haven't heard a peep out of him as we've been talking beer. You there, Chris? Somewhere in between. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, let Dark me do this before I wrap things up with you guys. I'd like to know, Chris, what are you drinking? Uh, I am drinking Cantillon Vigneron. Uh, before that, Stresa Earthmonk. Before that, uh, Tommy Arthur Port Brewing Hop 15. My original statement still stands. Chris is my enemy. <laughs> <laughs> what an amazing... Just even the fact that he started it with Cantillon really twisted the knife right in my... Uh, That's one of his favorites, Chris. Yeah. Good oh, call. Good call. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's... Uh, Chris, I cannot thank you enough for being on the program and being so patient with us and uh, enjoying a little beer and talking about Ebenezer's. And you tell might us... have to do another show. What's the name of the new place again? You mentioned it really briefly. Panapot Cafe. Panapot Cafe. Opening, what are we looking at? End of the year? I would kill for May 1st, and that's that's hopefully what we're looking at. Okay, well, that's not so far away at all. And even if you had to add a couple of months to that for incidentals, that's still not too far away. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. And give me I the location. I, it's right there in the same place, uh, relatively. Uh, it's, it's it's in Maine. Uh, you know, uh, we don't want to give out lo- location until we have a contract in hand. Okay. But uh, if, if the, the place we're up. looking at right now is quite nice, so okay. All right. Uh, sorry, uh, Carlo or Urban, I cut somebody off there. Please go right ahead. 
Yes, uh, talking about the incidentals, with all the incidentals we are actually having right now, I think July 1st would be a very, very good, ambitious date. Really? Just okay. to start off, yes. Okay. Sorry to contradict you, uh, uh, Chris, but uh, you you are so ambitious to start off, to mm. run behind the bar. I think uh, we we have to stay, uh, let's say, rational, and and uh, I sincerely hope he can open the place for the first of May. But uh, I I I doubt that you're going to succeed, Chris. And if you do, you will. I will give you a crate of dirty horse. Oh, <laughs> All right. there's is your incentive, my friend. Man, put a carrot in front of the donkey. Wait, where, where's the sturdy horse coming from? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where's it going? We were to? actually, I yeah. when we were there, actually, uh, Urban was uh, actually mixing dirty horse in front of us. Wow. Ooh. Oh man. Well, well I appreciate we, your we pragmatism. Probably, probably the best thing I've ever watched in my life. He was actually talking to Sean, I think, on the phone. Oh, that's and right. While <laughs> mixing, <laughs> while mixing dirty horse, and we're all just sitting there like. Mm-hmm. Well, let's say that horse, <laughs> licking our lips. Dirty horse. dirty horse is not a mix. What I did was, uh, I I gave you. Damn it! I knew I had uh, it wrong. I I we made we made a mix with the original dirty horse, and uh, uh, an old uh, uh, lambic. We made of the same wow. recipe about twenty years ago. Yes, we oh. had the twenty-year-old uh, lambic, uh, and, and 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 that I forgot about it's in my garage for uh, uh, all those years. It's just off the uh, cuff. until I had to move until I had to move out of the garage, and then I found this old ba- barrel standing there in a in a in, in a deep corner uh, of the garage under all the other uh, stuff uh, that was already uh, uh, living on it for years. So uh, uh, that that. That was the original mix uh, that uh, I made for you, for you, especially Roger. Oh dear! <laughs> why? Why did I think come? Yeah. <laughs> I why am I, I so special? Somebody kick Roger in the nuts. Uh, All right, I will. Man, no, that was uh, that was probably one of the best beers ever really? in my life. Right wow. now, wow! And I drink a lot of beers out of fermenters. Uh, you know, like <laughs> sure, you fresh, went around freshest freshest can be. And uh, wow, okay. I, I just want to thank you again for the. the Probably the best time of my life. Wow. Well, it, I, I, I still remember I I uh, the moment you, you got out of the farm. <laughs> your wife has nothing and, to uh, and, and, and you, you, you went back to your uh, uh, fantastic van you had. Yeah. <laughs> the, ger- the German van. The yeah. German van. Yeah. Then we, the then we saw the dog come out. I was like, so, whoa. So he, so he opened the, the, the side door of the van, and the first thing he does is uh, he, he puts the, the crate of uh, Panapod Grand Reserva very carefully in the van and then he let him drop on the bed in the van it was it was it was huge a huge view <laughs> in the van yeah we we had like four of those on the way back to brussels it's like oh, those are the wow. seriously the best roadies ever wow oh yeah but tell me about the archaic uh, how is it going there uh, sean uh, it's going actually, I think, very well. I think everybody's enjoying it uh, immensely. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I brewed this a year ago, almost to the day. Uh, it's uh, you designed the recipe with these gentlemen. So and basically, then came we started home. with a uh, a base recipe because when we met, it was really kind of fun because we were also at the farm, and funny things happen at the farm. Um, I don't know if it's the ostriches uh-huh. in the air or I'm not saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> More sheep. <laughs> But uh, big dogs. We got to talking about some different ideas and some different concepts and some 
different things about their beers. And, you know, I really had some similar thoughts, not just being a chef, but also just, you know, as far as a brewer and understanding ingredients. And we started to share a recipe back and forth, and it kind of morphed into what we have today and what we're tasting. And, and it's a very unusual beer, you know, in the sense that, you know, it's it's definitely old world style. You know, it has kind of like an ore beer-esque kind of base, but then it has these nice dried fruit complexities with, you know, dried cherries. I get plums. I get almost an apricot finish. You guys want to chime in? I mean, what do you guys say? Can you drop an egg in it and see how it <laughs> It's been it, it, the slightly acidic. Yeah, so I would say slightly acidic. It's a very, it's a very nice beer. I mean, what kind of yeast did you use? Uh, Thirty-seven eighty-seven, believe it or not. Which is uh, the uh, West Malay Trappist yeast from Y yeast. That's Love a, that it's yeast. A, it's this is a great beer, but it's very very different. I mean, it's it's aged, and part of that too is the malt complexity and uh, what's there, what's breaking down, and I'd like to see this beer in a vertical tasting, like two, four. Five, six years. It would out. be actually really fun. Yeah. And actually, you want to chime in here, herbs? <coughs> yes. Sorry. What are we going to do yes. with this beer? <laughs> uh, I I I think uh, we have uh, uh, discussed about that uh, uh, two weeks ago. Yes. And uh, uh, I think we're 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 going to launch it uh, somewhere. Uh, around uh, September or October, but in the in the in the brewery uh, uh, of uh, of uh, of Chris. Yes, so we'll be brewing this actually at the Panapot Cafe. Woo-hoo. I have uh, to. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll be able to try, it, Chris. <laughs> I think yes. it, it. I can make a pretty strong yes. comparison with uh, this beer, uh, maybe just to give our listeners an idea of of uh, similarities in some of the characteristics and. Uh, it's one of my favorite beers. Is um, oh, it's going to slip my mind at this very moment. There's Rodenbach? a yeah, it's, we're gonna, it's so good in your own opinion. We're going to buy a case of it at the oh, store. Rodenbach Grand Cru. Rodenbach Grand Cru. It is so. Um, uh, I, I don't want to say they're they are different beers. I don't mean that, but yeah. but the not only the color, but the I think it's the com- the contrast between the sweet malt and the and the sourness. Because uh, it is not a real, it's not a sour it's, lambic. It's not a no, cantillon. It's, it's not nearly as tart as a Rodenbach. Ex- it, no. And it's not that tart, but but th- that sort of contrast between the sweet and the sour well, is more similar to a Rodenbach. And, and the and the fruit, flavors. yeah. Which to me, it, it, I don't know what that means to you, but if it, that is such Rodenbach Grand Cru is such an amazing beer that. I'm crying. To be close to that. <laughs> I just want to give people an example of, of what we're talking about. Because it is yeah. not a, an entirely sour beer. It's got a lot of that sweetness going on, too. Just like the Grand Cru does. A yeah, really speaking good of which, we actually have a uh, Rodenbach that we're about to open, which is the... Cereal. So it's actually in a wine bottle. So it would be kind of interesting to try. This is uh, probably uh, the third best beer that we had when we were in Belgium. Uh-oh, we need a wine opener. <laughs> but yes, so this beer will so, be commercially produced, so that way other people can try it. Okay, 
that the right. recipe is online. I got here's what I got to do. I have to take a break because I have a couple more sponsors I have to uh, take care of, and I'm going to give you guys the option. I know it's real late there, and we're we're definitely winding up the discussion. And you guys have been very patient and very kind to us and hanging out, uh, and, and I really appreciate that. I will say this: if we take a break and come back, I think all we're going to do is drink and talk beer. <laughs> to be honest, uh, so I really want to give you guys the option to we could we could kind of wrap things up right now before the break and, and let you guys get some rest and uh, do your thing or we can take a break and come back i'll, I'll leave it up we're to still you awake guys. we're still awake we're you, still, we love this we love this program man okay all well, right if, if you're down to Bring hang strong and uh and and chris uh, you know the same with you uh it, it, it's entirely up to you my friend uh whatever you guys want to do Rock and roll, dude. You I'm guys, just having a good time. You guys are here. Listen to these people. <laughs> unbelievable. Doc, we have to party with these people. This is unbelievable. You know what? It's going to happen. Okay, then let me do that. I'm going to take gonna a, uh, it's a quick break. It's about six minutes so everybody can get a beer, compose themselves, take a leak, uh, whatever it is that you got to do. And we'll come back with uh, the amazing brewers of, uh, thank you to Chris. I hope I'm going to pronounce it right this time. Destroysa, uh, right from Destroysa. Belgium there. Destroysa. And they've been hanging out with us all night. And then Chris. Lively from Ebenezer's Pub right there in Maine, and what a great bunch of guys. So stick with us. We're going to come back here in just a couple minutes. We're going to talk a little more beer. Uh, we've got more to try, and then we've got a whole other bunch of things that we have to cover before we end tonight, too, with uh, feedback, and we've got some beers for Doc to taste, and uh, guess what, Doc? You're going to be at our house for a while tonight. Alright, I'm brewing tomorrow like 6 in the morning, but... Woo! I got in a cab the other night, picked us up at our at house, six. and he said, hey, hey, how's the little guy who broke his foot? The cab driver <laughs> asked me. All right, stick with us. We are with Destreisa and Ebenezer's Pub and the great Sean Paxton. We're going to be back in just a couple of minutes. Stick with us. You're listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Hi, I'm Sean O'Sullivan, the brewmaster and co-founder of the 21st Amendment Brewery and Restaurant in San Francisco. Six years ago, Nico Freccia and I opened the 21st Amendment on 2nd Street with the intent of bringing back the local neighborhood brew pub. Well, the neighborhood has really changed over the years, but the 21st Amendment still remains a great place for people to meet over a terrific meal and a tasty pint of beer. In the past, the only way you could enjoy the 21st Amendment's handcrafted beers was at the brew pub. Well, all that has changed. Now, the 21st Amendment beers are available in cans. That's right, cans. When was the last time you had a great beer in a can? Well, that day has come. We're offering our world-famous watermelon wheat and 21A IPA in cans. Cans are a better package than glass because cans keep the beer fresher longer, but you can also take cans to places where bottles can't go, like the beach, lake, golf courses, and sporting events. So join us in the revolution to take back the can from the big breweries and crack open a cold 21A craft beer in a can. The 21st Amendment, 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from John. Park. Well, there is a song that I love to sing, and I'll sing it now for you. My friend, it is no mystery, it's of the fine brown brew. Oh, I have yet to meet the ale for which I didn't care. And there's no pub in all the land where you won't find me there. Hey, hats off to beer, me boys, hats off to beer. Lift your glasses in the air and give a hearty cheer. And when the barrel's empty, we'll surely shed a tear. Hats off to beer, me boys, hats off to beer. Now seven days without a drink to surely make one week. And it's pleasure in the company of a frosted bug I seek. 
I've traveled clear across the land, you know that I've been cursed. But the devil doesn't know where a man will go when he's dying of the thirst. Hey, hats off to beer, me boys, hats off to beer. Lift your glasses in the air and give a hearty cheer. And when the barrel's empty, we'll surely shed a tear. Hats off to beer, me boys, hats off to beer. Gillian would be proud if he heard the old one say Another time round with the Irish red and the devil let him pay Oh, sometimes she's a homely wench or a beautiful maiden fair But there's nothing else on this green earth to which she can't compare Hey, hats off to beer, me boys, hats off to beer Lift your glasses in the air and give a hearty cheer And when the barrel's empty, we'll surely shed tear Hats off to beer, me boys, hats off to beer One dream I have and I this I will relate It's not of riches, fame or power For these are not my fate Sure it's clear that I love my beer And of this there is no doubt And when I turn the kitchen tap I wish she'd come flowing out Hey, hats off to beer, me boys Hats off to beer Let your glasses in the air And give a hearty cheer And when the barrel's empty We'll surely shed a tear Hats off to beer, me boys Hats off to beer Hats off the beer, me boys, hats off the beer. Attention homebrew shop owners at Fermentap. They know you're tired of buying the same old gear that everyone else has. That's why Fermentap offers the newest and most cutting-edge brewing equipment known to man. Since 1998, Fermentap has been leading the fight against the boring and mundane by offering strange, unique, and just plain smart equipment. Like their stainless-domed false bottoms. Never deal with the floating plastic hassle of other false bottoms again. And since they're made from stainless steel, they'll last a lifetime. Fermentap's line of copper Wart chillers are the best on the market, designed to cool your wart faster and more efficiently than other immersion chillers. They actually invented the equipment to make these chillers not only work great, but look great too. How about a fantastic line of ingredients, including vanilla beans, sorghum extract, blue agave extract, hot bitterness extract, unique wine yeasts, green coffee beans, sake kits, all stuff you can't find anywhere else. Fermentap carries all the standard products and equipment you need as well, such as all-grain systems, stainless hardware, kettles, Carbonation stones, you name it, they've got it. Fermentap's entire line of products has been helping retail shops meet the demands of their customers for nearly 10 years, and they want to help you too. For more information, see them on the web at fermentap.com or call Jason at 1 800 942 2750. Fermentap, better beer through innovation. Wait till you can pour it out of your own kegerator. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, your friends will look at you with awe. And it's just hot. It is? It's so super hot. <laughs> the, the home of live beer radio. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. You're listening to The Session. Welcome 
back to the program, everybody. It is the best place to be on earth right now if you're a beer lover and that's hanging out with us. It's the best beer in the world program, and uh, that's because we're here with the best brewers on earth, according to uh, RateBeer.com. And then also the best brew pub in the United States, Ebenezer's, according to Beer Advocate Magazine. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, just the best uh, interview that's ever been done in the history of beer. How about that? I just said it right now about my own interview here wow. on the program. I don't care. So, like, the uh, Brewing Network Awards, this isn't going to... They're all going to me. Oh. Every <laughs> award this year is going to me. Even the Douchebag Award. <laughs> Even the Douchebag Award, they're all going to me. <laughs> no, I'm just real stoked about this show. I mean, what a uh, what a, a great topic and uh, a bunch of good guests. Uh, John Foster from Beer School uh, showed up hanging out with us, brought me bacon, which is uh, always a nice thing to oh, do. I always bring bacon whenever I come here. You do, and I'll tell you what, if you ever worried about whether or not you're allowed to show up at my house, if you show up with bacon... Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's just an infinite you know, end, right? I, I was but it's not homemade bacon. I, I was telling him I, I must be psychic or something. I'm I'm cleaning my brew house. I'm transferring out of the conical. And I'm thinking, John Foster hasn't been in a while. Where the fuck is the bacon? And in he walks. <laughs> and, and he shows and, up. And there the I am. And there I am. Well, I also brought a commercial, and it remains to be seen whether or not we're going to hear it or not. But uh, Push and Sven made it. All right. I'll listen to it at the next break and uh, see if we can get through to that. Chad listened to it, and he laughed, so it must be good. Roger, what did you just pour me here? What are we? Uh, what uh, are this is the Rodenbach uh, Vinda Serial. No, so this is another Rodenbach. Look at you, Tim. Roger brought back beer, and no, uh, he shares it. Dude, with I, us. I brought so much. I love you, Roger. I I, I left like going like, uh, let's go light packing because we were staying with some other friends and yeah. we we're staying in apartments, you know. So they had a you know. Laundry, the whole nine yards, you know. I was like, oh, I'll just pack light. You yeah, know? we yeah. ended up taking that like. I would say sixty pounds of beer. Wow! And brought back like another like one hundred and twenty pounds of beer. Unbelievable. Sherpa, what? See, Doc. As soon as uh, Doc JP chat, like everybody, as soon as I start to feel bad that uh, none of you guys get paid for working here, like I don't. You know, I'm like, oh, these guys show up every week. They do all this. Stuff. We have a show like this where you get paid in an amazing beer that you're never going to find anywhere else. Wait, I'm not getting paid. No, and I stop feeling bad about it. Well, this beer's not free, by the way. <laughs> this is actually going to cost you. Oh shit! Oh, I got some bacon now. <laughs> yeah, now you have it. Nice. Ro- Roger's been tallying every <laughs> Thanks, bottle we open. I'm taking the garage door opener. The uh, West Veteran. He tallies. And tallying <laughs> oh, we got some Westies to open still. We oh, do. Oh man, unbelievable! See, Carlo and uh, and Urban. I, I'll tell you what. Sometimes we we just think of of the beer mecca. We live in a very nice beer town. Don't get me wrong. The Bay Area is a wonderful, wonderful beer place. And so for us, it takes it takes guys like you who are in this other place where it's it, it's possibly even better that that makes us jealous. So uh, you know, the best beers on earth coming through your place. Can now. I ask a quick? Quick question. You go right ahead, Roger. Uh, uh, Carlo and uh, Urban, what do you guys think of uh, Rodenbach and, like, you know, the Vin de Cereal and, like, you know, the the Grand Cru? Because it's finally come back to America. It was uh, available, uh, I would say, Many like years 10 ago. years ago, yeah. 15 years ago, and then it disappeared, right and then up. it's come back, and everyone's just in love with it here. Mm-hmm. You talk about the the, the recent uh, results of the of the beer. Or you talk about well, the, yes, the, yes, yes. yes. Recent. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, actually, we we are uh, fortunate enough to to have known the the, the old Rodenbach and the legendary Alexander, which is uh-huh. uh, I think the the, the, the best beer so they jealous. ever produced. Now we're talking. Um, you know, uh, the Grand Cru is unfortunately a bit too commercial uh, mm. these days, but uh, yeah, let's say. 
15 to 20 years ago was a different beer. It was, it was uh, fuller in taste. It was, had, had more body. It is still a great beer. But uh, that's, of course, uh, the demand uh, for it is so high that they, uh, yeah, they cannot wait till it's, uh, till it's fully mature. Yeah, uh, I guess this is no this is no, this is no critics of of course because uh, Rodenbach is is a bigger brewery. They have a lot of personnel. Everything has to be paid, and uh, you know if they tanks. can sell, they sell. But actually, we we are in a situation we are very small. If we say it is not ready, uh, it is not ready uh, for for consumption, or or we our taste says okay, no, it has to ripen uh, a little bit more. Uh, we 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 just do that. Yeah, but I can understand uh, commercial brewers uh, or more commercial brewers uh, cannot allow to to to, to wait for for uh, you know months and months and months just to get that extra uh, touch more because it's it's a beer for consumption and uh, people will will drink it and appreciate it uh, like it is. It's the same with Westflatern. You know, we 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 were we we were brought up with Westflatern. It is decadent, but but uh, every every household in our area had Westflatern. Wow! And we as kids, uh, Saturday evening, we were so looking to, to 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 Mannix. You know, it's Stone Age time, uh, and and we were sipping on on a, on a Westy Twelve. Westy Twelve was was the best beer I ever tasted in my life. Uh, when I was a child, I still remember it. Uh, it was so complex. It has this rich, bready, uh, wine-like uh, freshness in it. Uh, and since they have changed uh, their installations in early in the 90s, I think in 91 or 92, uh, the, the, the beer has changed. It is, it is a fantastic beer, Westy. But if you have, if if you should have the opportunity to taste a really old one, a twenty-five or a thirty-year-old one, then you 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 can understand what the differences are. Uh, you know, in the in the old days, they uh, they brewed in in an old installation, and the installation, uh, due to the fact that they used it a lot, uh, had its 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 own uh, character that 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 was transferred into the beer. And now it is all like you know high tech uh, installation. It's all uh, stainless steel and and you know very very clean. Hmm. And uh, yeah, the beer is still huge and and big and fantastic, but uncomparable anymore than 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 the old stuff. It's lost something since the old stuff. It has lost a bit of its soul. It it is it is still a, a big saint. I'm but, telling but, you know it, it is not God anymore. <laughs> And that's it. Justin that's sold his soul. Yeah, <laughs> I'm about to. If if Anheuser Busch called me tomorrow, I'd sell. Sell his done. soul. <laughs> hey, man. No, we actually have, we have some Fucking Westies to open. I know where you live. I, uh, that I brought back too. Uh, uh, don't get me wrong. Uh, I, I I don't want criticism. Well, you grew up so on you. You grew up on it. No, this is kind oh, of we, an we inside all, uh, answer. We, that we grew up on Budweiser and Coors. You know, it's like you grew up on Westies. Wow. Westy was, was the only be. beer available, you know. <laughs> well, as a teenager, I wasn't drinking beer much. Well, in case I was, but... Just doing Coke. Coke. Pot. <laughs> a cola? So that acid thing? <laughs> Quaaludes were in. No, but just uh, that perspective, to me, is, is actually fascinating. You know, the, well, because the, also, like, growing up on this, where so. is your standard? I mean, if you grew up, you know, drinking arguably, you know, one of the top, Trappist beers as your benchmark. Yeah. I mean, where do you go from there? 
I mean, and and that's well, what you I go see. to destroy so. That's yeah, where you well, go. You exactly. do it yourself. Right? Make your own, baby. Yeah. Beat me to the point. Yeah. Like, well, Sorry. I think my job. I think a lot of us grew up around like you know the wine world and like you know this is like oh cabs are like in. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So everyone go buy a hundred and fifty dollar cab. Yeah. Which is going to taste like crap. Yeah. Compared to a Strasser beer. You know, or like a Smirnoff Ice. Or a Drake's beer, you of want course, something or real good. anything else. Just a joke. Okay. Uh, here's a question I have for you guys. Uh, and, and, and Chris, maybe you can help out with this, too. Because what I'm curious about is it, it seems to me now Rate Beer has really uh, recognized your beers over the last couple of years. Uh, I'm sure Beer Advocate has done the same thing. A lot of talk about it. Uh, so do you receive the same response in Belgium with your beers as you do here in the U.S.? And does somebody like Chris uh, with Ebenezer's, who's, you know, uh, really kind of showcased your beer, um, you know, kind of change the way people see Destroyce? Urban? Uh, I, I, I was doing something else. I didn't get... Can you, can you reformulate the okay. question, please? I knew I they were going to fall asleep on me. Sorry. I saw it coming. I knew it. They were going to keep drinking and falling asleep. I don't think he fell asleep <laughs> so no. much as he was pouring himself <laughs> another beer. Yeah, that might have been it. <laughs> he was in that Barbie chat room. No, I'm just curious if you received the same response uh, from your beers in Belgium as you do here in the U.S. Now that places like Beer Advocate and RateBeer.com have really been uh, giving your beer these uh, publicity and, and huge rankings. Um, what do the people of Belgium think about your beer? Is it are they raving about it like we are? Well, in a, in a, in a lesser way, uh, I think and I guess. But uh, let's say that the uh, uh, the hype around Streuse in Belgium is growing too, but uh, not so quick. Uh, it's it's since uh, two thousand and five that we are growing on the international market and that uh, a lot of beer geeks are, are actually uh, uh, raving about our beers and uh, and every day a little bit more and this information gets back to Belgium and uh, let's say that uh, uh, a lot of people are, are waking up and uh, uh, are in fact also trying our beers and uh, they they uh, pass the word to their buddies and and friends and and relatives, and uh, uh, let's say that uh, we have a growing interest from uh, let's say a lot of Belgian people, which are coming now to the brewery and buy our beers. Okay, so even there, the those same websites really kind of attract a crowd and and bring people over there. Well, uh, actually. We, we have we have had uh, a bit uh, you know a, a lot of uh, fuss because uh, Red Beer uh, announced that we were best brewers in the world. It was uh, early February or in, end of Jan- January. I don't know it anymore. Yeah. And of course, all the new newspapers in Belgium uh, made an article of it. Okay. We even came we even came on the national news. Uh, so so um, you know, with that kind of information. Uh, everybody says, "Wow, what are we missing here?" You know, and uh, with with in mind, uh, we had the same fuss and the same uh, publicity uh, on 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 the major newspapers, on on television programs. With was written a few years earlier, so they 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 thought uh, people, Belgian public, thinks that 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 Strauss is 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 actually uh, the the new was written in the making, which is it, which it is not. Um, but it, 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 
the success uh, and the demand in Belgium comes uh, of this, uh, yeah, the, these articles in the newspapers and the, and the television uh, uh, news, actually. So if you're not the new Wes Vleteren, and, uh, and I could see some of the reasons why you would say that, what are you? I mean, what is in the future for uh, Destroysa? I, mean, uh, I see the, the, what's happening here in the U.S. And, and what you're doing with Chris. But what else? I mean, uh, are you guys going to well, move off the farm and open a giant brewery, or are you just going to keep uh, doing not, what you do? Not at all, not at all. We, we all have our jobs. So uh, actually the brewing is, is the only one who, who's, who's uh, uh, putting a lot of energy and time in, 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 the, in this whole concept is, is Urbain. Really? I work as, I work as a, a wine uh, salesman uh, for a firm called Rabova. And uh, Philip is, is sells cars, and Peter is is in the army. So right. we won't uh, quit our job to to um, to to uh, do the brewing 100 percent because today where it is a hype, and maybe next year uh, nobody talks uh, about it anymore. You know, oh, we'll we'll <coughs> talk about it. Yeah, we'll still talk about <laughs> it. We'll be talking about this for years. Hey guys, remember the time that we talked to Chris and Carlo and Ur- and Carlo and Urban yes. for like five hours <laughs> in the middle of the night? <laughs> and the the sun wasn't up yet because the Germans took it. Yeah, exactly. this brew is doesn't. <laughs> so, well, now that being said, Carlo, let me ask you this: Do you envision a time when the rest of you will quit your jobs, though, and and be able to kind of see this dream through? And and that doesn't mean sacrificing quality, of course. But being able to do what you love all the time. Well, actually, if you um, want to make uh, one person make a living of it, you have to produce a, a thousand hectoliters uh, a year. Uh, we're only doing three to four hundred, uh, maybe five, maybe six hundred uh, this year with, with four persons. So yeah. it is impossible to to make a living of it, you know. Wow. Well, uh, yeah. At this at this stage, and the capacity in the brewery that we uh, that we have at Deca is is not big enough. You know, if we can make brews of of uh, let's say uh, three hundred hectares at a time, yeah, uh, it, it will be a different story. But 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 we're not. You know, if making uh, three hundred hectoliters of beer a day or thirty hectoliters, it's the same work. But we don't have the capacity, and uh, we're 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 uh, you know devoted to quality, and and uh, that's that's our our main thing. It's well, not uh, ma- ma- making making our our hundred percent job of it. Uh, not on the, not at this stage. Uh, our our main thing is going for quality, being original, and making people happy with good beers. That's I, it. I'll tell you what, you should have thought of that before you did the Brewing Network, because uh, I think the demand now for your yeah. beer is going to be so huge that uh, between the new place in Maine with Chris and uh, and this appearance. Well, it's the, it's the old adage, uh, we're the best and you can't have any. Yeah. Gotta like that, though. Well, <laughs> Sorry. But, I Sorry. mean, let's take a guy... Supply and demand. I mean, yeah. there there are other brewers who, who have done kind of the same thing and really focused on quality first, and the demand became so great. I mean, I think that Chris uh, made, made an excellent point when he said, look it, guys, uh, I could tell you right now that there are people trying to get me to sign contracts for every ounce of beer that we could produce. Uh, I could sell it all right now, you know? So... 
Uh, it sounds to me uh, this is kind of what I'm getting at. I mean, I think uh, the future is bright, and I'm curious if you're if you're even interested in the thought of quitting your jobs and just becoming brewers. And uh, it sounds to me like you might be. You're just being modest about whether or not you're going to be allowed to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you're all quitting in next year. Forget it. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're you all going to be hanging out with that giant, overgrown, mutant dog of yours and uh, brewing mm-hmm. beer on the farm. Well, what up with that dog? <laughs> we do have a problem. Uh, well, with it's the not dog? just a phone elbow? Go on. We, we, uh, no, the phone elbow is, is already <laughs> sort of uh, a, a, a problem which is solved. Yeah. Because uh, now I'm I'm talking, uh, uh, you know, wireless and uh, sure. and hands free. So uh, the problem is solved. Beer in one hand. The, yeah. The foam, uh, the foam elbow too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, if 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 Chris is uh, actually running good in in Maine, and uh, uh, Carlo or myself uh, are more and more up in Maine for brewing. Uh, there should be somebody brewing in Belgium. So, yeah, it could be probably that uh, somebody will have to leave his job and join the club. Good. Or maybe or maybe Roger could join us. I don't know. Oh, you know what? Don't be careful what you be wish Be more for. than welcome to. <laughs> Roger's we, we already talked about this. Roger's he's, like, where's your laptop? i got to book a flight. Yeah. Uh, right slam now. you upside the head with a couple of hops and he's yeah. in. Well, you, you realize I like hoppy beers. That's right. Uh, so I do there. too, Roger. It's <laughs> <laughs> a whole other beer line. Well, I right personally, I hope that Peter gets to quit his job first because uh, I don't think he's having fun in Africa right now. So hopefully Peter gets to quit first and come back and brew, and then the rest of you quit your jobs after that. Um, I don't. I don't think anyone's quitting their job. I think these guys are like die die hard about this company. Yeah. Just keep on going. All right, I have a couple questions for you, Chris. Sure. I mean, since we got you, right? What the heck? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> He's sober. <laughs> well, you've had a couple I wouldn't of, say that. You've had a couple pretty big events going on there just recently. Uh, Extreme Beer Fest and a Tommy Arthur dinner. I mean, Tommy Arthur yeah. uh, from yeah. our coast, uh, love the guy, love his beers. Uh, you want to tell us a little bit about some of those events that you do there? Yeah, uh, you know, we had a uh, Tommy uh, Arthur beer dinner here. Recently, uh, we had uh, his Lost Abbey line here, Judgment Day and Red Barn and Lost and Found, all that good stuff. And then we had his Port Brewing uh, portfolio here too. Oh wow! Tap, we had old, yeah, we had old Viscosity Hot Fifteen Wipeout uh, IPA, and then we were the first person or first place rather uh, to have his Serpent Stout, uh, available. So new that it didn't even have labels on it. So we were really stoked to, uh, be able to try that out and it was quite delicious. That's a great, now, now when you do these kind of events and, and a dinner like that, how many people are we talking are coming out for these things where in your location? Well, from the win- <laughs> yeah. If they have uh, a snowmobile. <laughs> <laughs> True. The, the problem, there's a couple of issues. One time, in the summertime, we, we have about 230 seats. Okay. In the wintertime, we have about 50 seats because everything moves indoors. I see. So with any event that we do, um, they pretty much completely sell out. Right. Um, okay. And, and tend to oversell. So that can be a little bit of an issue uh, every once in a while. It just depends on how big the event is, you know. Right. 
Well, and that's really what I was getting at, too. I mean, it, it sounds like no matter what, there's enough interest in these kinds of things out there that people, you're selling out either way. You know, just sure, really sure, getting sure. To, okay. See, that's what I like to hear, and that's really kind of the only point. I want to know that, that these kind of dinners and these kind of events people are really coming out to and, and, and supporting as you do it. I mean, you get a guy like well, that coming into town, you know. Yeah, you, you got to make them, you know, worth worthwhile. You know, like when we do our vintage beer tasting coming up in uh, May, we're going to be opening up uh, some beers from 1905, 1935. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll be opening up, uh, you know, aged Ro- Rochefort, all that kind of good stuff. Just stuff that, you know, holy grail beers and, and making it worth people's whiles, you know. And that, that's the important thing is getting these people to come out. You know, it's like if you want to try a beer that's 102 years old, Come to our vintage beer tasting, and we can accommodate you on that. And that's the key thing: is just to keep that wow factor going. When wow. is that? When's the vintage beer festival? I'm booking my flight May. right now. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm yeah where am I flying on... to? Maine. Yeah. What's the combination Maine. to your cellar? <laughs> yeah, um, we're also going to be releasing a uh, uh, bottle 159 of the Stroessa New Year's Blonde from uh, a few years back, uh, which is one of the few bottles left in the world. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, you know, well, oh, I saw that bottle. I know what you're yeah. talking about. I didn't yeah, catch yeah. the date, though. They, everyone was talking. Did you say May? Uh, May 1st. It's, May 1st. it's generally towards the end of uh, first uh, Sunday of May. So uh, that's somewhere around May 1st, I'm assuming. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it'll be during that time. So, so we'll have an incredible lineup. We'll have several years of the doll on tap, etc. So oh. I want to nice. taste that 102-year-old beer. <laughs> You're germaphobe. You won't get all weird. No, I'm. F- it's in a bottle. I'm okay with that. Okay, I can get over sealed. it if it's in a bottle. If it's sealed and in a bottle, and plus, if it's beer, it's got alcohol in it. I'm, anything that has alcohol in it, I'm fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's you know, cut that's my cut Surprisingly, cutoff. you know, they, they, they kind of age quite well. We have uh, a fellow by the name of Steve Bacorian from England who is one of the greatest vinegers of Thomas Hardy in the world, if not the greatest vinegar. Hmm. Um, and uh, we get all of our uh, supplies for the vintage beer tastings through him. And I got to tell you what, you know, uh, you can either go out and buy independently from people, and you can search, you know, through 10 bottles looking for that delicious port wine taste, or you can pay a little bit more, buy it from a reputable vintage beer dealer, and get that port wine taste every time. Yeah. You know, and uh, that's the key thing, and that's what we offer when we do these vintage beer tastings is you're not going to be drinking a bunch of uh, oxidized garbage. You're going to be drinking delicious beer that at least have some what of carbonation left in them or some type of lacing. Of course, unless you're talking a hundred year old bottle of beer, which you know, there's nothing sure. we can do about. But. No, then you got to just expect <laughs> what you get. Guess, guess what, Chris? Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm drinking right now? What are you drinking, Carlo? It's a, a Hardy Sale 1982. Oh. Uh, you know what? number 25. Well, don't you suck. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, uh, it is right. and talk about it now. Come on, yes. you have to give that beer with some respect. Uh, okay, talk about it. Give well, us some it flavor is, profile. It is fantastic. It is the, uh, very much port-like. It is, it is you know, uh, bulking off, uh, of malts, sweetness, uh, richness, uh, porto wine, uh, you know, very, very smooth, and with this sourish uh, aftertaste. This is a great one. Uh, this is a great beer. And uh, it, is, it is still young, you know. Uh, these, these kind of beers can... You, you, you can keep it in a good cellar, in a dark place for, you know, ages, for decades. It's, you know, this is 82. It is still so young. Fantastic. So young. Fantastic. 
I have to say, were you born in eighty two? The 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 best <laughs> barley nope. wine I ever had was at eighty five Hardy's. Same so just a couple of years yeah. uh, younger. Same thing. It was uh I've talked about it before. I was at it's the first barley wine fest at Tornado I went to and Sean O'Sullivan bought it and said, Here you gotta try a glass of this. I took a little sip. It was unbelievable most unbelievable barley wine I ever had. So at the Tornado, not the Peacock? Not at the Peacock. It was actually at the Tornado. It wasn't across the street. He was there and he said, Hey, I'm gonna get this and it was you know what the best part about it was? Was that uh, Sean bought it for you? That, <laughs> that it was free. That I did it was free. Yeah. Yes, and that it tasted. Uh, I'm from the East Coast, so I miss this being on the West Coast. Um, it tasted like a basement. It tasted like being in a cellar, and I don't mean in a bad way. I mean it had this musty kind Must, of a musty, is musty, a, a big damp thing with those beers. Uh, uh, prune and and this just amazing complexity. But to me, the what what really stuck out in my memory was I felt like I was back in my basement in Connecticut, Doing just kind of with that kind of yeah, nail it, you know, getting my first blowjob <laughs> or whatever the fuck it was. <laughs> so, so besides the blowjob, was it good or bad? <laughs> Did she swallow? Hiding out in the basement. Yeah, yeah, oh my God. yeah. But Chris, you know what I'm talking about? That musty kind of basement East Coast thing in an old barley wine. Uh, and I just it was it was funny to hear Carlos say that it was the '82 Hardy's because that was the first time I had an amazing barley wine. In fact, All before right, that me, beer, I don't even think I liked barley wine. I think All right, I I'm gonna give you guys a top oh, secret Stroessa Ebenezer's exclusive. No, you're not gonna share this, are you, Chris? Do it. Yeah, I am. Do it. All right. We're known for blending beers, Stroessa and Ebenezer's. We're known for blending finished beers, and and this is one that Urban and Carlo taught me. 1979 Thomas Hardy's and 1982 Thomas Hardy's. You blend those two beers and add that two-thirds Earth Monk to one-thirds of that blend of Thomas Hardy's. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's the goddamn best thing that's ever going to touch your lips. Well, first of all, how do you find these beers? And how do you how do you have the balls to to mix them with something else, assuming you're going to get something better? Oops. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why because yeah. it's, it knowledge Oops. is power. And uh, Earth Monk and uh, the Thomas Hardys, I believe, have similar yeast strains. So okay. right there, there's kind of. Uh, I'm going home and of, doing that right now. Bye, Doc. I'm going with you. I'm following you. Uh, So so you start with knowing that the yeast uh, character is going to be similar. Yeah, you know, and and, uh, Carlo and Urban turned me on to this. And uh, when I I never quite kind of grasped it. But when you when you taste that uh, the port-like flavors of the Earth Monk and you, you get that little bit of oxidation in there. You mix that with the complexity and the red wineness of the Earth Monk, and those, those yeast characteristics combined, it, it's just incredible. As a matter of fact, I uh, blended that uh, for Tommy Arthur, and it, it was just—it's it, a mind-numbing experience. There's nothing better. Wow, it, it really is. It's that, the state of the art. Of I'm definitely beer. coming out. Are you saying that you, you blew Tommy Arthur's mind? <laughs> I had to put. I can't in say, it did, <laughs> but I would like to think I got a picture of him with a. Uh, Pretty good shit eating standing in front of the blend. Yeah, he's pretty happy, so I, I would say yes. <laughs> good for you. So, so you would just it take me it would take me a second to get over the fact that he was mixing three unbelievable beers. First yeah. of all, I'd be like, hey, why don't we just have three great beers, what? guys? What? Come on, yeah. let's settle oh. down here. <laughs> and then <wipe> Yeah. <laughs> hey, Captain can I, can Greedy. Can I give a little reaction? Can I give Please a little, do. little reaction about uh, the blending? Absolutely. 
um, it was for early early ni- uh, 1990s and uh, I was at the wine tasting it was a very posh wine tasting because uh, all the uh, the, the top and luxury champagnes uh, were were there, uh, such as uh, Krug, uh, Clos de Menil, Salon, um, Dom Perignon, Cristal Ruderer, all the most exclusive and most expensive uh, luxury champagnes were at this tasting. So uh, there is a guy who's, who's coming into the room with a bottle of Dom Perignon 1934. I'm never going to forget it because my mother was born in that year. Uh, and everybody was like looking at this bottle and said, okay, this can't be good anymore because it is too old for champagne. But the guy said, anyway, I'm going to open it. You know, uh, we'll never know what, we can, what, what we're going to get here. And uh, we, we popped off the, the cork and it was still like a little, a, a little uh, fizz that, that, that came out of the, uh, from under the cork. So it was still alive, and, and we poured it into, you know, the, 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 the tasting glasses, and the, the color was like uh, orangey, madderized, but it was still some liveliness in it. So if you smell it, it smelled old and, and madderized, but it was still good. And uh, you taste it, you said, okay, yeah, it's, it's a great wine, but it is too old. And at the same time, there was somebody in the room who said, okay, I have this bottle of Dom Perignon 1985, so why don't we put some 1985 with the old one um, and see, see what it gives? So we were actually blending a uh, young 1985 at that time with an old 1934. So suddenly, the liveliness of the, of the, of the, of the adding by the young, the young champagne brought the old one uh, very, very uh, lively and vivid. And you have the, the, the youngness of the, of the young wine and the, 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 the deep, complex taste of the, of the old champagne that were blended together. And, and, you know, it was better than the 85 on its own and certainly better than the old one. So you, you, you make something, uh, I, I, let's say, a young person with the knowledge of an old man and, and and it was three times better than 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 the 1985, and and you know we made something better of it, hmm. and uh, that made me think uh, years later because I uh, my aunt said I have some bottles of wine you can come and get in the, in the wine cellar, and uh, there was this crate of um, West Malla, uh, West Malla probably from the end of the 1960s. And she said, okay, will you uh, take it uh, from the cellar and put it to the glass containers because this beer is probably, is, I know this beer is, is not okay, is, you know. I went to home, I said, no, I won't uh, going to pour it into the glass container. I'm I going to take it home and try at least uh, what it is. It was actually the same story, you know, this West Mala from probably 1968 or 1969 was, you know, still alive but too old it was slightly madderized and and you know it was too old on its own but i had fresh westmala and i did the same you know the fresh westmala with the old one and you got again the youngness the vividness of of, of the young beer hmm. and the complexity and and the deep taste of the old one and wow. we had again a better yeah. beer so so that was actually the, the the whole thing that that made me think uh that you can uh, mix beers right. and make something better out of it. 
If these brewers uh, were able to look into the future, they'd have done the same thing. They would have brewed it the way you mixed it or something. You know, they well, I mean, that's essentially what uh, Lambic brewers are doing all the time is, like, blending this and that and these and those. Sure, and the goos, uh, yeah. making something. But they're only dealing with, like, what, three, four-year-old? Yeah. Carlo, like I just know that, like that's how I'm shopping for my next wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if I may continue Dude, on that's with disgusting. What, uh, <laughs> Yeah, please do, Chris. continue on with what uh, Carlo said, you know, we're known for blending beer here at Ebenezer's, and everything that we learned about blending beer here at Ebenezer's was from Streisa. When I first uh, picked up Carlo off the airplane at uh, Boston Logan, what's the first thing we talked about? Blending West Verdelin. And, again, it's about the youth of the fresh West West Verdelin with the complexity of the aged. And that's what we work on weekly here at Ebenezer's is literally blending West Fairland, old and new, old and new, Thomas Hardy's, trying to cross all of these things. And that's mm. one of the things that you're going to see at the Panapot Cafe that has not been done anywhere else is uh, the blending of beers. Um, it's a whole new engineer. Uh, uh, it, it's something that I think that needs to be explored you know more, and uh, I know that Carlo and Urban have gone to uh, great lengths of experimentation already, and that's where we've kind of uh, uh, got our basis for what we do here. And a lot of people ask that question. So if any of you guys are listening out there and want to know where we've learned our blending experience from, it's from what you just heard. Okay, hey, you know, and this—I'll uh, tell you what—blending is really coming to the forefront of beer right now. Anyway, I've read a, a few articles very recently with Matt Brindleson. Um, where he's talking about, hey, for, for so long, and, and certainly in the U.S., it's been taboo to do these blends and to, to blend different beers, but uh, there's not there, there shouldn't be anything taboo about it. Uh, if you can do it, like Roger has said, with a Lambic or a Goose, why why wouldn't you do it with something else? When you look at what well, Matt's done with the 11, you know, both the 10 and yeah. the 11, to actually bring a Vintner well, in and actually start blending different beers that there's no way you can get that complexity but from one single beer. Yeah. You have sure. to get it from multiple beers, different styles, different hopping, different aging. And sure. when you can blend those and get a flavor profile that you're happy with, yeah. I mean, it's really... And home brewers, you could be doing the same thing, not obviously with commercial beers as we're talking about, but with your own beers. I mean, a guy like Doc, yeah. I've seen his fridge, and I know that Paxton's got his own uh, beer cellar. Uh, if you're talking about years of beers that you've got sitting around, uh, why not, man? Just sit around and experiment with some of that so stuff. So when coming over, and, Justin. Uh, yeah, I know. I don't want to go, because I'm not leaving once See, I this, do. That's what I'm afraid kind of a catch-22 for me because uh, I I believe me as a brewer puts a beer out there for the fact that it's out there. Okay. So that it shouldn't have to be blended? It is shouldn't that what you have mean? to be blended. I blended it before. Yeah, okay. You know what I mean? If you wanted it to be blended, you would have brewed it I would have brewed it to like blend that, that way and yeah. I would have released it that way. Okay. Yeah, but for an example, let's say you brewed a barley wine from, let's say, 15 years ago that let's say it's lost a little bit of its carbonation, it's lost a little bit of its hot profile. Yeah. It might not have a whole lot of yeast left. But, but that, that's that, me that had that 15-year-old, and I would decide whether or not what to do with it. You know what I mean? Right, well, right. but well, that's that, what that, I took that's from... That's exactly to the point where we're at now, and that's where you take your fresh barley wine the same recipe and you blend them and then you see what kind of complexity you can get yes you me, might be surprised me, i'm sorry chris but you, yes me as a brewer i would do that but uh me as a consumer or uh who i'm portraying this to as a consumer yeah i would not want them to uh you know 
say, okay, I have uh, I have this double IPA. I'm going to blend it with this barley wine because it's flat or I whatever. Need to make you it know? better, and, and it's going to make it better. And, and you're absolutely right. And and I'm going to tell you something about blending. It is very delicate. Uh, it's it certainly. Uh, it, you kind of hit the nail on the head, and I'll agree with you 100%. You definitely don't want somebody who doesn't know what they're doing trying to blend these beers. Yeah. But when you have something like an aged Westie and a new Westie, it's it's pretty easy to figure out to combine those two. If you have, let's say, uh, uh, unblended goose like I have from Frank Bones on tap, it's easy to blend that with another Lambic and, and produce something nice or maybe something that's even breadier. But it, it's definitely an art form. Yeah. Um, but but what we are here in this golden age of brewing is is it's there's so much room to explore and uh, the important thing is is that when you try to blend these beers that you're trying to actually create something nice you're not trying to you know I've seen uh, there's this beer magazine out there with this thing called the tasteless panel where they'll brew or they'll try to blend Mickey's crap uh, malt liquor with delirium or some nice beer that's all bullshit yeah you know if you're gonna try to blend try to do it seriously and try to do it with care yeah you know and uh and you might create something nice you know you're not gonna blend stuff automatically and create something special i just got this uh i just got this great belgian i think i'm gonna urinate in it and see how that comes (laughs) out no it's not to that level i mean come on i'm sorry did i just call mickey's urine I didn't mean to do that, Roger. <laughs> did, did. I, did I offend you being from Oakland? No, but I mean, it it's just like the whole, the whole blending of beers. I mean, honestly, uh, I got into it with Urban and like, the fact that he blends beers. You know, uh, you still with us? They're there. Yes, absolutely. They're hanging out. And, and tell, me, tell me what you told me before, you know? It's like, you know, I, I want to make a product the first time, the first time right. Why? Absolutely. Why? Why do I That's need to have it blended later by either a myself or by someone else? Okay. Second party, well, third party. Let's 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 say that it it is an, a very important issue and uh, a very hot discussion. Uh, but uh, if uh, we are uh, and now we are talking about styles again, which I do not like to do. But uh, uh, if you are talking, ab- for example, about the Earth Monk. Uh, I think the Earth Monk is about the only beer which we respected so much the style, uh, which is the Flemish Sour Ale. Mm. And uh, if great beer, by the way. Monk, Don't get me wrong. Uh, if you if you look at the conditions uh, uh, of that style, you will see that you have to blend it uh, uh, like seventy percent uh, young beer and thirty percent old old beer. So there you have to do it, otherwise you do not respect the style. Yeah. Well, there is a lot to be said about the style because that is a um, forgotten almost art of you know blending. You know, and, and I don't know that many American styles, let alone world styles outside of Belgium, that blend to create like a goose, a faro. That's part of it. I yeah. Mean, you know the these ideas. You know, especially with the Flanders. You know, old Bruins and and that complexity. I mean, you really can't get that complexity any other way. Yeah. And you know, I gotta. You know, I. Uh, I've never been against blending. I've always, uh, I've always, I'm just, I'm in favor of flavor. And if it tastes, whatever I, t- if I want to taste it, I am in favor of flavor. And you know what, Roger, I'm going to go out on a limb here and actually say, I know it's your beer and I know that you brewed it for me, 
But uh, all of you, uh, Urban, Carlo, you, Roger, any of you uh, that, that put that beer on the shelf, you gave it to me. You brewed it to give to me. You didn't. Uh, it's no longer your beer. You did everything you could to it in the brewery, and you gave it to me. And uh, if I want to mix it with something uh, to increase my enjoyment of that beer, I, I uh, to quote the great Bobby Brown, who's also from Oakland, Roger. Uh, it's it's my prerogative. <laughs> I'm, not and, uh, I'm not from Oakland anymore. Uh, no, but you know what I'm saying. You really. Uh, you no, I totally understand I, what you're saying, but I, it's, it's, it's it's not your beer anymore. It's my beer. No, I think that. It's messed up because you actually have to try it first as what I portrayed it to you. If I you don't like would. it then, and don't, I think, order it. Don't and I order think it. that everybody who blends it also would try it first. And, and in fact, and possibly even enjoy it and go, you know, this is a fantastic beer and I couldn't drink it by itself. But I also have this other fantastic beer that, uh, say, for example, like Chris mentioned, has the same yeast profile and has some of the same characteristics. I'd really like to know about what they taste like together. I'm just, my, all I want to say is uh as a brewer you give your shit up man you your kids get adopted by us every single day you are giving your kids up uh, no i think that's bullshit and i portray my kids <laughs> they're my fucking I, kids they're my kids <laughs> and i portray them this way yeah hey, Roger, and the bottom line is I, like you know Roger, uh, by the time we blend your beer, you're going to be long dead. Yeah, you'll be dead anyway. Can I make Who another... Who turned his mic on? Go ahead, please, Chris. <laughs> yeah, jump right if in I there, Chris. I just may make another comment, too, that there, there's lots of different types of, of alcohol out there. There's hard liquors, there's wines, etc. And, you know, they're taking hard liquor and they're mixing that with certain... With yeah. other hard liquors. Yeah. They're mixing that with uh, different types of beverages like colas and seltzers. And they're creating Zima. all these different cocktails. <laughs> yeah. You know... Beer is only going to be. We can't discriminate against the different uses of it. it, it it's such a new beverage. We're, we're doing so many different new things with it right now. We've we've just got to keep open minded with it. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I've often think like, wow, you know, you take one of these lambics that are extremely sour, you know, like a Cantillon that people, you know, uh, uh, the normal palate might not be able to take. You gonna blend take that? that and mix a little soda water with it, yeah, and and put that on ice and serve that with a straw and a nice garnish. And I guarantee you, man, you'll have a line out the door of ladies wanting to, you know, have that beverage at lunch. Me. They think it's the greatest cocktail ever made. Why not? Ladies. Why? Why? Why <laughs> is there such a? a uh, you know why? Why is there so much you know fear uh, of us blending things like that? And I understand that you know beer it, it, it's it's its own special thing, but but certainly you know we've pushed the envelope. If we're gonna bourbon age it or blend it, well, why not push it one step further? Why not? You know, so yeah. In fact, why not? Uh, you know, what's idea. it gonna hurt? You know, help Besides, me out. A, I'm not saying anything I, more. I think he just gave Justin his next roofie cocktail. <laughs> well. Li- I, we, I gotta move. I gotta move things on. I gotta wrap things up. But Roger, maybe you can help me with this. There was a bar in Sonol that started this craft beer thing in the Bay Area. Sonol. Yeah, uh, is it? Was it Sonol? What's the Sinol? woman's name? The woman who started. There's a bar very close to here. Uh, maybe it was. Oh, Judy. Judy. Judy there you go. Judy Ashworth had this bar here, okay? This is a historical uh, Bay Area beer scene deal and really kind of started she buying started craft beer. Lines. And um, But before that, it was a bar. It, and she would put craft beer on tap in a place where uh, uh, there, there had never been craft beer on tap before and really was kind of the original here in the Bay Area. And from what I have read... Uh, 
patrons would come in and go, hey, give me a dash of IPA with that pale ale over there. And she even had on the menu a couple of mixes and matches. And she was look, a mixologist con- of beers. There you go. And I'm not con- listen. I'm not condoning anything other than the enjoyment of the people who are drinking that beer. Because in the end, that's all that matters, isn't it? I mean, if the people enjoy what they drink, then that's that. Now, I'm no, not saying no, that no, I should no. take I think your. We're beer. selling ourselves out. Well, hey, Chris Graham comes over to my house and he goes in front of my kegerator. He's got six taps, and he's like that little kid doing all kinds of... And he's mixing them up. He's mixing things up. And it pisses you off, doesn't not it, Not at all. I mean, oh, you like it. Oh, okay. it's just, I you know, thought they're, all my, they're all my children. I thought always. maybe you were in Roger's camp, and you'd be no, like, F that. No. But what's it? What the f- <laughs> no, Roger's going to beat him up. Is that when you're at Anchor Brewery, and yeah. if you take the tour, or you're there for the home brewer's dinner... And you ask for a 50-50 blend of the Liberty and the Old Foghorn. Yeah. You get a very nice beer. And they're more than happy to pour it for you. Okay. At the brewery, as they're wearing their brewer gear and their lo- their white little uniforms. And, yeah. Well, now, they're Fritz- in uniforms. This isn't Willy Wonka. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I got to move well, things on. I got to keep, keep things rolling. All right. Um, can I, can I uh, say something? I will give you the last word. You go right ahead. Okay, in Belgium, it is it is a bit uh, out of uh, fashion now. But uh, in the in the sixties and seventies, a half and a half from from um, uh, from uh, West Muller was very popular, and a half and a half was half a triple, a half a double, and mix it together from from tap. Hmm. So uh, it, it, it was like uh, you know a, a more um, it, the, the monks even uh, supported it. Oh, if the you monks know. did it, that's that. Yeah. I mean, they even supported it, and it was it was it, it was a fashion. People Don't said, you. "Okay, for me, a West Muller half a half," and and it was uh, half triple, half double. Roger's so going to hell because he doesn't care about what the monks did. N- Fucking man law. <laughs> that's what I say. I heard that's, that. That's man law. If the monks the did monks it, say it. That's it. Man. Just like Burt Reynolds, man. So it's, it. it's done. If Chuck <laughs> Norris or the monk said it, it's fucking law. Wasn't exactly. Carlo speaking? Great <laughs> law. I'm sorry. I just I, I had to agree. <laughs> and I had to Fuck ag- you in your agreement. I had to agree adamantly. <laughs> Speak, Carlo. So it was traditional. I mean, it was very much a it normal was traditional. thing. Yes, yes, it was. It, uh, some um, uh, pubs or, or taverns at the Belgian coast uh, advertised with it. You know, yeah. here, especially uh, half and half West Muller on draft, yeah. and, and, and people went for it, you know. It was on draft, and, and, and they mixed a half a glass of uh, triple, and the other uh, half uh, filled up with double. But it stopped, didn't it? Yeah. You can still make it, but it, it, it is now out of fashion. But in uh, you know in the sixties and the seventies it was it was very fashionable. Yeah. Roger wasn't even alive in the sixties and seventies. Yeah, and by I the was way, alive in the seventies barely. <laughs> Roger hasn't been fashionable since the seventies, <laughs> so it doesn't matter that it's not so fashionable anymore. <laughs> He's got his shorts on; they're fashionable. All right, I've got phone calls coming in too, and in fact, uh, if you guys can hang out uh, for a little bit, I have Chris White from White Labs Yeast Company calling in. Uh, to say hello to us. Uh, Whitey, what's happening, my friend? Hey. How are Good. you? Good. Well, how are you doing? Uh, we're doing just fine. We're uh, uh, It's a late program tonight. We're hanging out with some friends from Belgium and Maine. We've got uh, Destroysa on the show and then also Ebenezer's Pub. 
Yeah, I've been listening to the show. I don't get to hear too many Sunday shows, so uh, I like your international uh, influence on this show. See, we finally made it happen. You are a uh, Belgian uh, connoisseur yourself. You get to go there often, and finally we get to speak to some real Belgian, Belgian brewers. That's right. I've been telling you for a while, you know, you need to bring that show over to Europe, uh, maybe Germany. Yeah, I'm going for, no. uh, we're going in September. Are you going to come with us? Well, you didn't go with me last year. I know. That's why I want you to go with and us this year. we're not living in the past. And I think even Doc's going to, yeah, let's stop, uh, hold, don't hold the past against me, Chris White. But, uh, oh, I don't know. It sounds good. Maybe. All right. Well, put it on your plate. We're talking Oktoberfest the last weekend of September, and doing? then Belgium the first week of October. And by the way, Carlo and, and Urban, I, I'd love to see the farm first week of October when I'm there, man. No problem. All right. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Sounds like a great trip. Just put that mutant dog of yours away somewhere. I don't want to see that thing. <laughs> Dude, that thing's huge. <laughs> <laughs> Roger's got me all freaked out about the mutant dog. That fucking dog is huge, man. What, the, what up with that dog? Yeah. <laughs> so what's happening with you, Chris White? Um, going to Australia tomorrow. Uh, are you really? Is yeah. Is this yeah, a beer day, trip yeah. or a vacation trip? Oh, yeah. Both. No, Mike and I, Mike White and I are going to, uh, there's a brewing, um, there's a technical meeting in Auckland, New Zealand. Okay. So that meeting kind of moves around Australia every two years, so I usually go out there for that meeting and then go to different cities in Australia uh-huh. and talk to home brewers and, and breweries. Do you guys sell a lot of yeast in Australia? Yeah, yeah. Do you? Um, been doing it for about 10 years. Uh, is, is it? Uh, there's a lot of home brewers in Australia, it's just, yeah, we know that. They're our second largest audience, actually. Uh, U.S. is number one. Australia is number two. I think Canada is number three for us. But, yeah, tons of homebrewers. Yeah. So is that most of your of your uh, sales out there is, is homebrew and not commercial? Right. Usually international is all commercial. There's not that many countries that homebrew. But Australia is the one kind of, uh, I guess, exception that it's mostly for homebrew okay and sure i've gone there a few times since i've been on your show and every time people say they listen to the show nice so i've seen a lot of uh, met a lot of people out there who listen to the show i like to hear that so what's the what do you are you going there for homebrew events or is it all private meetings what's happening well um the main thing is that is the the technical conference that's for um, uh breweries but then uh we're doing a, i'm doing a couple homebrew talks in brisbane uh, Mike's okay. kind of set those up. I'm doing one. Um, I'm going. We're stopping in Adelaide. We're stopping in Melbourne. We're, um, but nice. half of the trip's going to be in Auckland, oh. which I haven't been to New Zealand before. So yeah, me neither. Uh, I think we've set something up there too. Fantastic, Paxton. Are you saying you've been to New Zealand or that you want to go to New Zealand? I'm all down for the down under. I am down for the down <laughs> under. Yeah. So, are your uh, homebrew talks? Can uh, is it on the website? Because I have a feeling that I've got some Australian listeners that might want to go meet up with you guys. Yeah, actually, that would be great. Um, they probably just need to email us, or uh, you know, either Mike at mwhite at whitelabs.com or me c white all right at whitelabs.com because. Um, you know, Mike is supposed to keep the website updated with all that information, but yeah. I don't know if he's if he's posted it on there. I recommend if you're going to email email m white at whitelabs.com yeah. because Chris doesn't answer anything. He doesn't. What? No, uh, he's never. He's off. He's gallivanting. I don't know what he does. He's out you know, there. I I answer all the email myself. So no, you, you do. Know, no assistant or whatever. So sometimes it takes a little while. Yes. 
Just you, promise Mike a round of golf and he'll answer your email. Yeah. And by the <laughs> way, Chris, right. Chris, you should have a hot assistant. I think that would be important. You know, I've said that for years. I, <laughs> and and you ended up with Mike. Why yeah. haven't I done it? Yeah. Because you ended up with Mike. Now, do you know these yeah. guys? Do you know Urban and Carlo? Have you ever been out to uh, Destroysa or, or to Ebenezer's? I haven't, no. I'm, I'm really not even familiar with the beers. No. Okay. It is awesome beer. So I'll tell you right now, I know we've, we've uh, discovered in this interview that they use uh, Y-yeast yeasts. And uh, uh-huh. uh, they have uh, apparently uh-huh, you're loose. apparently <laughs> amazing results with it because it's great beer. So uh, I don't know, you guys all ought to talk about yeast together or something. I don't That's know. Right. I don't know how you guys do business. I don't know what happens, but uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Urban Carlo, you guys are familiar with White Labs, I'm sure. Absolutely, we already experimented uh, with uh, White Lab yeasts, and uh, it gives us great beers. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we need more samples. Ah, yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> of course they do. <laughs> Where's the secretary on that? I can make that happen. Yeah. I need more samples, too, by the way, Chris. Uh, of course. Ch- Chad's I'll bring been... some tomorrow. I'm going to San Francisco tomorrow on the way. Are you? Yeah. What are you guys doing up here? Are you just hanging out for a couple of days before you leave? Uh, well, I fly out of there with Mike, so I'm just going up tomorrow, and then the next day we fly. Why do you uh, never plan your trip? You know that we're here live on Sundays, and you never... One day early, you could have been in the studio. Yeah, what are you doing tonight? Nothing. Nothing. So, start planning your trips on Sundays, for God damn it. It's a good idea. It's been a while since we've been in the studio. Yeah, three years it's been going on. He hasn't figured out to come here on Sundays. Oh, uh, you know, a couple times. <laughs> yeah, that's but true. But Mike, has, you know, one of you guys have to... I have to plan it. Yeah, I guess. Blame it on Mike. Blame it on Chad. I know. (laughs) Blame it on Chad, exactly. Everybody (laughs) Blame it on me this week. Blame stuff on. Yeah. Okay, so check it out, uh, Australian listeners, uh, the Whites. It sounds like you're going to be in Australia. So uh, email mwhite at whitelabs.com because you're doing a couple of events there, a couple of homebrew events. and do it a lot. um, These guys are always good to us. And and, and I'll tell you what, if you want to know about yeast, Chris is a good guy to to learn it it from. So if if you want to check out some of those events, just uh, email Mike White and then you'll uh, be able to find out. I wish I was going with you, man. I'm dying to go to Australia. Yeah, we've always had fun there. We've done a couple talks in Sydney over the last couple of years, but we're not stopping in Sydney this time. But um, Australia is a fun time. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, safe travels. I won't see you. i got to do taxes and shit, so I won't be seeing you when you're up here. <laughs> so yeah. Is that a joke? To do it's not a joke. I haven't done my taxes in like two years uh, off the record, and so I have, to get, the, I have to get them done before Duly noted. I'm going to get arrested, so I, I would love to postpone and hang out with you guys before you go to Australia, but I can't. So um, have safe travels, and say yeah, hello. And, uh, hey, meet some listeners out there. We have a lot, so... Um, I will. I guarantee you. I guarantee you I will meet listeners of the show there. see Oz. All right. mwhite at whitelabs.com if you want to find out where they're going to be. All right, Chris. Have a good night, my brother. All right, thanks. Good show tonight. Cheers. Bye, guys. Cheers, brother. Yeah. I like right. that, that he just happened to be tuned in and checking it out, man. Going to Australia. Australian listeners. There you go. You get to meet the whitey. Lots of fun. Both whiteys. Yeah. All right, listen, um, we could do this for days on end. You know what I'm saying? These guys from Destroy (laughs) Seth. But Roger's asleep, and we're starting to fight with each other, and uh, the beer is getting so tasty. (laughs) It's unbelievable.
We've had a lot of great beers tonight, I must say. We've had a lot of really good beers and a lot of good interviews. and uh, Some of the best. Yeah. i got to thank you guys again just for hanging out with us. Uh, uh, Carlo, Urban, Chris, unbelievable. Thank you so much. It, it was a real pleasure. Thank you uh, so much for... Uh, yeah, the interest. Yeah, uh, uh, so interesting. I I, I got to say that I, I have a whole list of questions in front of me that are are much more kind of beer technical. I think now that we've gotten to know you, this happens a lot on the Brewing Network. We really get to know our guests and then invite them back, and we get really technical about the beer. So if there's ever a holiday again, you know, in 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 Belgium, where or you we, want to stay up all night, or you just feel like staying up all, night, you know, let me see those questions. Yeah, right. you come across a bag of cocaine. I don't know what it is that happens that make you stay up all night, but uh, I'd love to have you back in the program. Is the point? You got so a weekend in Amsterdam. Uh, maybe we can do that and and get some more interviewing done with you guys. Because uh, uh, sure, sure, we're looking forward to that. Okay, we had uh, so much fun and uh, great talk. It was yeah. A uh, great experience to uh, to cooperate with uh, with this whole uh, show. I appreciate and it. Thank you, thank you so much, and uh, thanks to your uh, listeners and uh, uh, too. Actually, I'll tell you, there's been a bunch of them too. They've been hanging in there the whole show. I'm going to be there in October, so I'm going to hold you to your word. I'm I'm going to I'm storming the castle, and apparently, <coughs> as long as I show up in a German van, is uh, that your Flemish accent? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's all about the German van, I'm telling you. If I show up in a German van, I hear that I'm welcome. <laughs> it's like it's, I'll bring IPAs. Well, you're you're going to run scared because you're up in the, that German van. You're going to take their uh, mash ton. Yeah, I know it, which I might do. No, it's, uh, and it's the cast sun. iron. No. Uh, yeah. I will bring you IPAs. Do a show uh, uh, while you're out here. Well, that's kind of the deal. I have to because a listener bought my ticket, so I have to come back with audio. So maybe I could do a show with you guys. I'd love to record a show while I'm there. Uh, why record it? Why can't you do it live? Look at these guys. They're <laughs> so hardcore about this stuff. It's unbelievable. I love it. It's fantastic. Feed these guys are awesome. Why man, would you yeah. record it? You're right. We'll stay up until 3 o'clock and just do it live. Feed it. I love you guys. <laughs> it's Sean, oh. you should see his face when you said that, too. He just had a look of love. <laughs> anyway, I want to, to thank you guys uh, for uh, this uh, really... A lovely night I've had, and uh, I want to thank Sean and uh, Justin and uh, all the members of the tasting board. Eh? Yeah, and, yes. uh, you, did, yeah. You, you, you guys are great, and uh, I'm having a, a big thirst now because uh, you have been tasting those wonderful brews, be- yeah. and, and, and me, I'm staying here with uh, a glass of water. It's, it's, it's terrible, guys. Shame you, on you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and how close are you to West Flutter? I mean, yeah. let's just put this, you know, yeah. wake up the month. Today, shouldn't shouldn't no, be warm. I'm, I'm, I'm in, for the day, I'm, uh, for the weekend, I'm in Brussels. Ah. So yeah. I can't get to my stash. Ah, <laughs> your stash. damn it. So, Meanwhile, uh, we've all heard about your green-capped uh, panna pot, so, you know, I've, I've been lucky enough to try that. And, oh. Meanwhile, oh, Chris. I've had it, too, and like, that was awesome. Meanwhile, Chris like lives two feet away from his stash, right there in the, in the, in the cellar. Whoops! Doubled. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, since you mentioned it, I w- also want to thank Sean Paxton personally for putting together this show and oh, a round of pleasure. applause because uh, you did a my lot. Pleasure. Of, you know, just to know these guys and to really get them together for us. Uh, a great. It was all your idea. I take zero credit whatsoever. All your idea, all your connections, and and what a great job you've done. I appreciate you putting everybody in the same room. Well, thank you, Justin. And it's also I just want to say thank you to all you guys because it's been a lot of fun and and uh, it's been great working with you guys and also just the conversations we've had offline it's just it's inspiring every time i get off the phone with you guys i want to start brewing these guys are fun and i just had to bring that to the show because really you know the idea of experimentation and understanding ingredients and not brewing by style but to brew by flavor i think are really really critical points that you know we could really start to change the whole face of how the AHA looks at beers and sure. Well, and they get that, so you're they right do. to to really get a. They get it, and so to talk about that on here, you're absolutely right. I'm glad you I'll did be that the for Yang us. Yang of the Jamil show. That you, know, you are, yes. yes. <laughs> and then, of course, Chris Ebenezer's Pub there in Maine. I look forward to the day that I can hang out there and check out some. How many beers do you have on tap? Just out of curiosity. Uh, we've got well, generally between thirty-five and forty, depending. Amen. Amen to you. <laughs> plus a bo- and going through a tunnel. Yeah, plus a bottle <laughs> list. I'm sure. Uh, got about uh, roughly a, f- a few over a thousand. So oh, we've got a pretty good. But I'd like to also uh, thank uh, Sean Paxton for uh, allowing me to get on here and uh, just chime in, and also thank you, Justin, uh, as well for giving me an opportunity to to say a few words. You're very welcome. And when you come to your place here in the Bay, where is your place anyway? We have a little home up in uh, Redwood Estates. It's uh, the Redwood Mountains between San Jose and Santa Cruz. I fucking hate About, this guy. About, uh, say, 30 minutes Wow. Not only does he... All right, that's it, Chris. It's over. You're between coming us. to the studio yeah. next time you're in town. Yeah, when you come to town, man, yeah. come and do the show with us. Come on in the studio. I'd love to and have pack you. Pack beer. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, they're in, uh, like, uh, uh, I would say, like, eastern Nevada. We're far. We're far from the beautiful redwoods. But, or is it Western Nevada? Yeah, Pacheco. Yeah. Now, you don't even have to bring beer. Just when you're in town, uh, just give us an email. You're welcome anytime. Come on in here. I, I would love to, guys. I, I would be humbled by that experience. All right. Very good. You can go to, uh, I believe it's Ebenezer'sPub.com and check it out. Dot net. Yeah, uh, dot net. There you go. Ebenezer'sPub.net. Yeah. And then for Destroysa, you can uh, click the link right off of my website. Uh, it's right there on the home page. If you click their icon on the left as the featured guest, you'll go straight to their website. Or you can type in HTTP Stroysa dot... Uh, I'm not. I have to spell it because I'll pronounce it wrong, and 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 even then you won't be able to spell it yourselves. N o o r d h o e k dot com. You can go there and you'll get right there, or just you know go to thebrewingnetwork.com and you can click the link right on my homepage and uh, check out all of our guests for today, guys. I can't thank you enough. What a fantastic show! And uh, I know you spent a lot of time in the middle of the night, so I appreciate it on everybody's part. Uh, so I hope we get to talk to you again soon. Thanks, guys. Thank okay, you. Thank you. All right. Care, guys. Have a good night. I'll see you guys in October. Ple- pleasure, you guys. Talk yeah. to you soon. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Hopefully. Wow. What a crew, huh? That was the toughest interview I ever ended. Not did. <laughs> it was certainly not difficult to do, but could difficult. Have gone, to- it could have gone for another four hours. Well, they would have got <laughs> up. Days. And then we'd be like, just because we passed out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It only would have ended when it, it started to sound like this. <sighs> 
Yeah. And they'd be like, hey, we got we got some bourbon going. Yeah, they'd have been ready to go. We'd have been asleep. It's only 10 o'clock here. And they'd have been like, hey, guys, come on. 6 a.m. on Monday. We're just putting out the John Daniels. Why is it John? Because I know him personally. A quick break. It's actually not quick. I'm lying to you. It's a 10-minute break, everybody. I need it. We're taking 10 minutes. When we come back, we'll wrap things up. And uh, we're just going to fuck around for a little while. And thanks to these guys. We'll be right back. It's the session. listening to the Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Did you know that every day a brewcaster goes to bed hungry? Did you know that that brewcaster is silently calling for the help of people just like you? Do you know that every day the unicorn and the rainbow have to blow sailors for loose change? For less than the cost of a half-calf, quad-shot, venti, extra-hot, soy milk, triple-pump, hazel, low-fat foam, double-cupped macchiato a day, you can help starving adults in Pacheco. Your love can be felt for as little as seven cents a day. Visit thebrewingnetwork.com slash donate to sign up today for as little as $2 a month. Private first class in the BN Army. Buy your way up the ranks as corporal, sergeant, ranger, or colonel with an easy-to-do monthly donation that keeps brewcasters alive and your favorite internet radio station broadcasting. No donation is too small to help those in need. Can't you find it in your heart to share your love with a brewcaster? In return, you will enjoy the wealth of knowledge that comes with every episode of the session. The Jamil Show and Yes even that other show. Thank you for listening, and please sign up for your donation at thebrewingnetwork.com slash donate today. Did you know that you can not only order from More Beer online at morebeer.com and receive free shipping on most orders over $59, but you can also shop in person at their two retail locations located in Concord and Riverside, California. In fact, the Concord facility has grown to over 15,000 square feet to fit all the new products, expanded showroom, and new knowledge center classroom. And now, in conjunction with the Brewing Network, More Beer is making it easier than ever to keep up on what's happening. Download the More Beer monthly podcast by clicking podcast at morebeer.com. You'll learn about More Beer's history, sales and discounts on More Beer products, get to know team members, and hear ways to save you money. They're also launching a brand new website soon with more features and a better online shopping experience. So go to morebeer.com or call 800-600-0033. That's 800-600-0033.